Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. From Dover Downs International Speedway in Dover, Delaware, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company with coverage of the Mason-Dixon 500 NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Stock Car Race. Co-hosts for today's broadcast are Jack Aroot and Barney Hall. Well, good afternoon, everyone, from Dover Downs, the incredible mile here in beautiful Dover, Delaware. The 12th race of the $4 million Winston Cup Series about to get underway here at Dover Downs. It's by far the hardest track to conquer on the tour. Let's quickly take a look at the starting lineup. It's overcast here at Dover this afternoon. We'll talk about that. That's going to change the whole complexion of the race. Let's get to the starting lineup. Starting in 32nd position will be Tommy Gale of North Huntington, Pennsylvania, and the Sunny King Honda Ford. Ty Scott in car number 30 will be starting from 31st position in the Russ Togs Buick. And starting in 30th spot will be Louis Gatto of Bloomfield, New Jersey, in the L&J Auto Chevrolet. 29th starter, Joey Arrington, Martinsville, Virginia, the Sam Dell Dodge. 28th position in the field will be Nelson Oswald. He's from High Point, North Carolina, in the J&S Truck Service Chevrolet. Dick May will move out from 27th position in the Belden Asphalt Buick. Elmo Langley will be starting 26th in the Bear Finder Chevrolet, and starting 25th on the grid is Baxter Price of Monroe, North Carolina, in the Ideal Maintenance Chevrolet. Steve Pelles will start the Glen Campbell, Pennsylvania-based Pelles Racing Chevrolet from the 24th position. Going 23rd is Rookie of the Year Ronnie Thomas from Christiansburg, Virginia, in the Robertson Chevrolet. The Gordon and Barnacle Enterprises Oldsmobile of Cecil Gordon from Forest City, North Carolina, starts in the outside of row 11. Starting 21st is Buddy Arrington of Martinsville, Virginia, in the Reed's Trailer Sales Dodge. In 20th position, Frank Warren from Harrisburg, North Carolina, the Cordian Press and WF Truck Forms Dodge. 19th will be James Hilton from Inman, South Carolina, the Palatine Automotive Chevrolet. Starting 18th, D.K. Aldrich from Harrisburg, North Carolina, the Midwestern Farm Line Chevrolet. Scheduled to move out from 17th position, Butch Mock of Miami, Florida. And Jackie, there's been a report that car may not start. We'll check into that a little bit later. 16th position, Ricky Rudd from Richmond, Virginia, the Trucks More Mercury. And in 15th starting position, Richard Petty, Randomon, North Carolina, the STP Oldsmobile. Starting 14th on the grid, outside of row 7 is Jimmy Means of Huntsville, Alabama and the Mr. Transmission Chevrolet. The MC Anderson people of Plank Benny Parsons of Ellaby, North Carolina, in a 13th position, while the Ken Cole Mining Chevrolet of Lenny Pond from Chester, Virginia, starts 12th. 11th on the grid to the CRC Chemical Chevrolet for Winston-Salem, North Carolinian Richard Childress. He'll be starting 11th. In 10th position is Harry Gant from Taylorsville, North Carolina, the Race Hill Farm Chevrolet. 9th, Joe Milliken of Randall, North Carolina, the Appliance Wheel Chevrolet. J.D. McDuffie will square off from 8th position. He's from Sanford, North Carolina, the Bailey Excavating Chevrolet. Cale Yarborough starts 7th position. Cale from Timmonsville, South Carolina, the Bush First National City Oldsmobile. One of the rookies on the field, Dale Earnhardt of Charlotte, North Carolina, and Kannapolis, North Carolina, brings the Austerlin Racing Chevrolet, a brand-new car, to the outside of row 3 in 6th position. And Neil Bonnet, making his third start, and the Purolator Mercury from Hueytown, Alabama will be starting fifth. Fourth position on the grid belongs to another rookie, Terry Labonte of Corpus Christi, Texas, the Stratograph Chevrolet in the Hodgden Bud Moore-tuned Ford. Thunderbird for Hueytown, Alabama's Bobby Allison will be starting third. And on the front row, outside pole, Buddy Baker, Charlotte, North Carolina, 
the Spectra Oil, WIN Chevrolet, and on the pole is Darrell Waltrip, Charlotte, North Carolina, the Gatorade Diegard Chevrolet. There are a lot of new cars in the field here at Dover this afternoon. This Caprice that Waltrip has planked on the pole is a new car. Now, they've run a couple of races with it, but it's the first time it's ever been on the banking here at Dover, and they didn't get that much practice. The first day of practice and qualifying washed out by showers here at Dover Downs. They had only two practice sessions yesterday, and one of those was after qualifying, the other before. So, Jackie, it's going to be an interesting day as to how the teams have the car set up for the right combination. Dover is a handling track. If you don't work here, you're in for a long, long day. Well, they've been working down on pit road all morning as well, and Ned Jarrett, our MRN correspondent, has been there. Let's check in with Ned for some late race developments. Yes, they have, Jackie. I don't think that I've ever seen them work as much in the last practice session as they did here yesterday. The Butch Bach car, of course, he was wrecked in practice, and so he's out of it. The front end knocked off of that car. I believe we're almost ready for a start. No, they're going to go one more lap. And here's car number 19 going down pit road for a last-minute pit stop. He'll catch up to the field. Grandstand commentary, which normally precedes the start of the race, will be heard later in this broadcast, covering the action on the backstretch for the Mason-Dixon 500 is Mike Joy. And as you said, Jack, it's the toughest place on the circuit. It seems like you're in the turns here all day because the turns are so long. The straightaway is so short, there's no chance for the drivers to breathe in these cars. For them, it is, as you said, a very long afternoon. Kyle Larson brings his Chevy four tires to Noco Racing Fuel. From fueling NASCAR champions on the track for over 20 years to innovating 94 octane, the highest octane on the market. Performance is what Sunoco does. All Sunoco fuel at the pump meets the same top-tier standards as the fuel used in NASCAR. Money's up here for Ryan Blaney, four tires with Sunoco fuel. From the track to your tank, you can trust Sunoco to help your vehicle perform at its peak. The safety car has the field in tow in turns one and two. They proceed for the final time down the backstretch under caution before the initiation of the green flag here from starter Chip Warren. And, Barney, there are so many question marks now due to the weather here, especially the weather that we're seeing today. This race could very possibly not go the advertised distance. Well, the ceiling is extremely low. There was some little light drizzle around the area this morning, but for the present time, the track is dry. It's, in, it's ideal racing conditions. If it stays overcast with the temperatures down like it is, we'll see some record speeds here this afternoon should they not have too many caution flags. Safety car with a field in tow takes them up into the banking up in turns three and four and we should be getting a start this time for the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover, Delaware. Pace car dives on the pit road. Field bunching tightly out of turn number four. Chip Warren with his hand waving to the field to tighten it up even closer. Hold it down to the start finish line for a good clean start. Here they are 200 feet away. Green flag. And the Mason-Dixon 500 is under full power as they hit turn number one all the way to the bottom of the racetrack. Waltrip and Baker door-to-door head up into turn two. Dead heat on the low side of the racetrack. Waltrip comes up out of the turn. They're running about a foot apart side-by-side. Buddy Baker opens up a half-car-length advantage on Waltrip to turn three. Labonte is third, Bobby Allison fourth. Waltrip trying to lead that first lap. Here they come out of turn number four. We'll talk about how critical it is to lead a lap in a Winston Cup race as they come down to the line. Waltrip in front, Baker second, Labonte third, Bobby Allison fourth, Neil Bonnet is fifth. They move back into the number one turn. Darrell Walter begins to open up a two-car-length advantage on Buddy Baker. They're into single file running out of turn two. Terry Lavati is third, Bobby Allison fourth, Neil Bonnet, Dale Earnhardt, and Cale Yarborough as they hit turn three. They string them out single file here at Dover Downs under overcast skies, and now dropping back to fourth position, Labonte loses a spot. Bobby Allison's comes scooting underneath. Waltrip shoots out in front of Baker by half a car length as they work back in the banking in turn one. 
Waltrip stays low side of the trouble down on the front stretch trouble on the front stretch it belongs to Ricky Rudd Jimmy Means getting into another car on the high side that's Richard Childress and Richard Petty is involved as well first caution is out this afternoon three cars Barney Hall have been dented and dinged Jimmy Means car the front end totally gone away on that machine Richard Petty involved in the altercation he rests almost on the safety apron directly into turn number one as the field thunders into turn one under caution the other car Richard Childress it looked as if he was going to sneak by on the high side but Means rode all the way up to the high side of the racetrack and sandwiched wedged Richard Childress's CRC chemicals machine on the outside concrete retaining barrier well, a tough break for Richard Petty, who has had his share of problems in the last 16 or 17 months. How much damage is done on the Petty car, difficult to tell right now. He is involved in it, but Jimmy Means' car, the front end, smashed away, and looks like hard damage is done to the Richard Childress car. Also involved in it was Ricky Rudd in the Trucksmore Industries Mercury, but he has continued upon his way, and we can await his positioning on the, pace, on the pit road area as he will have to come in and have those tires checked as he's smoking badly coming out of turn number four. So we quickly go under caution here at Dover Downs, the Mason-Dixon 500, first of the afternoon in lap number three. Let's break now for the thoughts of Chris Economaki on Grandstand Commentary, brought to you by Goody's Headache Powder and 2020 Eye Drops. One of the more interesting aspects of auto racing promotion are the ideas press agents come up with to get into the daily press on radio and television. The great stunts of years ago having a driver rescue a drowning baby on his early morning jog, artificial feuds between drivers from opposite backgrounds, and of course the mystery driver who shows up wearing a mask like a small town wrestler don't work anymore. With a sophisticated press and TV in every home, Hokum just won't do. For what does, stay tuned. It's funny how sometimes it just takes a while for a good idea to get into some people's heads. Take headache powders. There are three top brands you can spend your money on. Yet every day, more and more people are switching to just one. Goodies headache powders. Because you can't buy a faster, more effective powder than goodies at any price. Yet goodies cost less. Just read the label and see why more and more people are getting it in their heads. Goodies cost less. And what a welcome relief that is. We're here trackside with David Pearson. And David, this smoke and dust is murder on your eyes. If you think it's bad here, you ought to be out on the track. My eyes are really burning. There's only one way I know to stop that. 2020 eye drops. It gets the irritation out of your eyes quick as a wink. Folks, it's soothing 2020 eye drops for the man who's got to keep his eye on the road. So read the label. And if you're not fully satisfied, just return the bottle because 2020's the only eye drops with a money-back guarantee. Down in Daytona Beach, with the Firecracker 400 coming up July 4th, Track Public Relations Vice President Jim Foster and his fertile-minded, I said fertile, not feeble, press agent Ron Mead have come up with a brand new idea to generate publicity, and it follows crowd the grandstands. Trying to come up with a new angle, the expression throttle foot surfaced, and of course that's been heard a thousand times. So the active minds of this pair came up with an idea to quiz drivers as to what they do with their other foot during a long NASCAR race. The results were very interesting and made a great subject that found its way into any number of newspapers as outright stories, into columns as mentions, and, let's face it, the subject of today's vignette. What do drivers do with a left foot that doesn't have any real job to perform 
between Green and Checker? Here are some answers. Cale Yarborough. I use my right foot all the way and have a special left foot brace built into the car. Rookie candidate Joe Milliken. On big tracks, I brace my left foot on the floor, and on short tracks, I brake with it. Big Buddy Baker says how his left leg feels during a race is important to him, even though he doesn't do anything with it. A special left foot platform is built into his car, precisely positioned so that his left foot feels like it's hanging off the side of an easy chair. Neil Bonnet, new man in the Wood Brothers 21, I keep my left foot near the brake. I want to be ready at all times, and I always brake with my left foot. Neil was at Indy yesterday, where everyone brakes with his left foot. Donnie Allison, I tuck my left foot under my right leg against part of the roll cage on fast tracks and just use my right foot. But on short tracks, I brake with my left foot. And as for King Richard Petty, He's the most particular, it seems, with a special brace high up on the wheel well and a second brace on the floor to block his heel. He uses his left foot to push his body back into the seat and does all his braking with his right foot. So, there you have it. And we wonder if there are any left-footed race drivers as there are left-footed football kickers. If so, it's interesting speculation as to how much better they'd do if the steering wheel were on the right and the throttle set up for the left foot. And this is Chris Economaki reporting. Grandstand commentary has been brought to you by Goodies Headache Powder. More people are switching to goodies because goodies cost less. And by 2020 eye drops, the only eye drops guaranteed to remove redness. The opinions expressed on Grandstand Commentary are those of Chris Economaki and not necessarily those of the Motor Racing Network, International Speedway Corporation, or this radio station. Well, the track crew has finished their work in turns one and two for that early race caution that was displayed when three cars were involved in a tangle. And for an update on the condition of the drivers, let's go to Ned Jarrett. Ambulance that brought Richard Childress into the track hospital, Jackie, but he is talking to the doctors. They're checking him out, and he says that he's okay. Richard Petty, of course, walked away from his car. He was okay, and so did Jimmy Means. We're uh, trying to find some of those drivers right now to uh, have a chat with them, but all of the drivers appear to be okay. Nine laps have been completed. We are still working the first caution of the afternoon with Daryl Waltrip in front. Buddy Baker runs second. Neil Bonnet, the Pure Later Mercury, is third. Bobby Allison is fourth. And Terry Labonte is fifth. And Barney, our worst fears have now been determined as far as what might very well happen with the lack of practice time due to Mother Nature. As the drivers are trying to sort themselves out in the early going, all hell broke loose in the back of the pack. You remember now, Petty was starting back in 15th position, and that's a precisely the area where it all began to unfold right at the start-finish line. Well, it's a problem trying to pick your way through traffic early in the race, whether you start back in the pack or whether you're way back in the back, trying to move up a notch or two. And Dover is a quick racetrack. It's a mile speedway with very short straightaways, and you stay in the throttle almost all the way around. The turns will allow you to just very shortly break the throttle, and you're running so quickly here when things happen. Reaction time is so, so limited that if you make the wrong decision, it involves an awful lot of cars other than yourself. 
this has been a very tough week for the SDP Racing Team. Earlier in the week, Kyle Petty actually last week was testing at the World 600 Charlotte Motor Speedway as they prepared to field a Dodge Magnum for Kyle in his Winston Cup Grand National debut. He wrecked it not only once but twice. We talked to Kyle prior to the start of this race. He's a little sore and sullen, but he will not be running in the World 600. And yesterday, Mike Joy asked Richard Petty, what about Kyle's plans? What's next for this up-and-coming rookie? He's going to run an ARCA race in Nashville, uh, Tennessee, on uh, on the third of, of June, and uh, we're, we're still figuring that he's going to run Daytona Beach. We got another car, and then we're going to, you know, fix it back up and get it all ready. And, and uh, right the way things look right now, his his debut of Grand National Racing will probably be Daytona in July. Seems only fitting because that's where Lee Petty won the first Daytona 500 and now third generation driver Kyle Petty will be making his Winston Cup start there after winning in the ARCA 200 back in Speed Weeks 1979. Well, he likes that racetrack and he has a lot of confidence down there and I think maybe the thing at Charlotte made him realize it's a very serious business and you don't just jump in a race car. Experience is something you can't buy and you, you just have to earn it and he's, I think he learned that because we had a long talk with him last night at the motel and his attitude has changed a little bit about how he looks at stock car racing and his future in it. Although everybody in the garage area feels he has tremendous talent just from watching him run at Daytona back in February. Ricky Rudd has brought the Trucks More Industries Mercury in for some additional cosmetic damage that's on the left front. They have pulled the outside fender well away from the wheel. It is no longer smoking. One crewman has jumped inside to make an electrical adjustment and he is off and away. We continue to work under caution here at Dover Downs, the incredible mile, and it is a torture test and we've already seen the first caution coming out for Jimmy Means, Richard Childress, Ricky Rudd, and Richard Petty. I'm in the pits now with Richard Petty. He's just changed clothes. Of course, we reported earlier that he was okay. Richard, what happened? What caused the start of the accident up there? Well, uh, Means moved up on... Uh Ricky uh, Rudd and uh, pinned him against the wall and then you know that naturally got him sideways and I was right behind him. I pulled down to the inside of the track and before I could get by they uh, closed the gate on me and hit me and spun me back against the you know the inside guardrail and you know then when Childers and them got there then uh, you know naturally the thing was pretty well blocked so uh, just a miscalculation somebody moved up on somebody and uh, you know got a little sideways and that's where it happened. That's one of the disadvantages of starting that far back in the field, I guess. Yeah, that's what I told Dale when uh, I got out of the car. I said, that's all my fault. And he said, why? And I said, well, if we're starting so far back. But uh, as you can see, at Talladega, it happened to a man that was leading the race. So uh, basically, uh, it's just one of those things, and we just happened to get caught in the middle of it. Well, Richard, we've already said that you're okay, but uh, you tell the folks back home. Well, no, really, we didn't hit nothing solid. I slid all the way down the front stretch and ended up, uh, you know, just going in the first corner. So... Uh, it uh, bent the rear end house and knocked the uh, toe in off of the front and busted a cooler or something. But, you know, as far as hitting anything, uh, all I hit was somebody hit me and I hit the inside guardrail. So, uh, you know, from that standpoint, we'll get Well, that's the six-time national champion, driver of the STP Oldsmobile here today, but he's out of it now. Here at Dover Downs International Raceway, we're still under the first caution flag of the afternoon. Fourteen laps have been completed in the 500-mile event this afternoon. A lengthy caution flag as the safety crews continue to work down in turn one where a moment ago four cars were involved down there and the report we just have now is that Richard Petty will not attempt to get the car back into the race at all so that's going to hurt his chances in the National Winston Cup point standings again and he had been moving up a little bit after the last couple of races so he is out. The other cars that are out, Jimmy Means has retired the car, it smashed badly in the front. Richard Childress car really took a lick in the front end, we saw him pull it in the garage area a moment ago the front end smashed badly on that. Ricky Rudd's car 
had a little damage and it was involved in the spin, and they have made about four or five pit stops under this caution as Junie Don Levy and the crew down from Richmond, Virginia, and that Trucksmore car continue to try and keep him in the thick of things. And as thus far, he is still on the racetrack. That is definitely a tough break for Richard Petty, as you said, moving up in the Winston Cup Grand National Points Chase. The first leg has been completed. We are now in the second leg of the 31 races for over $4 million in 1979, and Petty has been right in the hunt along with Bobby Allison and Darrell Waltrip. And as we watch Waltrip lead this race, you said, Barney, how important it is to lead a Winston Cup Grand National race. How about filling us in a little bit on the point standings? They are given points for the Winston Cup Grand Nationals depending on how, whether they lead an event or not. Well, it's very critical to, the, to, the, to all the guys, for that matter. If you lead a lap in a Winston Cup race, it gives you five points as a bonus. So you pick up five points. If you lead just one lap, then you pick up a five-point bonus. So it's very critical. That's why a lot of times in the Winston Cup racing that we've seen this year that you'll see such fierce competition up front between the front runners trying to get out there and lead a lap officially to get that five-point bonus. And then they'll settle back and race a while, kind of run nose to tail, but that is one of the reasons that you see such strong competition up front. It's very critical to lead a lap. You pick up an, a five-point bonus if you do. And five points can be very valuable. We've seen it with the likes of Cale Yarbrough, who's been right in the hunt, despite the fact that he has not had some of the greatest super speedway runs this year. Of course, a winner at Nashville, Tennessee last week, which helped him out considerably. But Cale Yarbrough still in the hunt, and he has a brand-new car here, one of the new guys that's brought a new car. It is not the Bush Beer Oldsmobile. This time, Junior Johnson has fielded a Monte Carlo. Well, that's a, that's a twist for this team, but they wanted to try it here. They felt like they could get the job done with it. In fact, a lot of the teams are going either to the Chevrolet Caprice or back to the Monte Carlo. And the team of Dale Earnhardt with J.C. Elder at the controls, they brought a brand-new car here, brand-new Monte Carlo. Now, Earnhardt, the sensational rookie from over in Kannapolis, North Carolina, who's performed so well this year, he's never been to Dover. And he had a little trouble adapting to the banking here yesterday. And Jake, they worked on the car with short, limited practice session. That's going to be an unknown as to how he will run here this afternoon, along with several of the drivers. Well, Ned Jarrett, who is on our wireless microphone, will be making his way very shortly back to the pit area. We've just about overreached the capacities of the wireless as Ned continues to search out some of the drivers that have dropped out of the race. Again, you've heard from Richard Petty. All of the drivers are all right. Petty is out of the race, as well as Jimmy Means and Richard Childress. Ricky Rudder was involved in the altercation as well, continues at the tail end of this field, and they are working single file as they work down the backstretch in front of Mike Joy. Well, things certainly seem to happen early here at Dover Downs, as they did in our last broadcast at Talladega, uh, happening there, the shuffle in the middle of the field. Darrell Waltrip, who we talked about earlier, wanted to get in front and get those five bonus points. Buddy Baker on the first lap seemed to have a little more coming down the backstretch, but Waltrip has the low groove on that first lap, starting on the inside, and that seems to be the place to run, to take the short way around here in the early going. But the groove changes so much here and so often. You can find a driver come out of the pits on fresh tires and run right on the bottom of the racetrack, and 20 laps later, he'll be up and just about kissing the wall between turns three and four, and then have to start the search for another groove to run all over again. So it's really a mental as well as a physical exercise all afternoon here at Dover Downs. Back Let, to the tower. Let's keep you updated as well on the condition of Richard Childress. Again, he got out of the car under his own power. He was talking. He went to the infield hospital for a quick check, and now the ambulance is departing the Dover Downs International Speedway, possibly to go in for some mandatory x-rays on Richard Childress and the CRC Chemicals machine. But for those of you Childress fans that are sitting back home listening to our broadcast, Richard is okay. Okay. He is just going to the hospital for a mandatory check. Jackie, yeah, I just talked to Richard Childers as they were putting him in the ambulance to take him to another hospital for uh, a further check. And he said, tell all the people back home that I am okay. He said, uh, we need to get on over there and I'll not talk to you on the radio. 
Well, that's the situation as the ambulance has now departed and we can look for a resumption of green flag racing very shortly. Barney, another factor here at Dover, why they call it the Incredible Mile. This is a torture test, a one-mile speedway. It's 500 laps around, but in addition, the banking here necessitates that when a car is running well, he's right down at the bottom of the bowl, and that's where the fumes work all day. And when you've done 500 laps or 500 miles here at Dover, you are virtually wiped out inside the race car. I don't think there's a driver who comes here that has completed a 500-mile race that has not literally been beat to his knees, so to speak, by this racetrack. It doesn't favor any particular car or driver. They're all totally exhausted after they run here. Darrell Waltrip said yesterday, getting through these corners, it was like fighting bees, swinging your arms all day long. You don't just run into the corner at Dover and turn the wheel left and kind of hold it there till you get through the corner like you do on some of the speedways. Barney these turns... The garage area and pushing his car along into the garage is Frank Warren. Frank, what happened? Ah, uh, something happened to the drive shaft. I don't know whether somebody left some bolts loose or it broke or what, but we lost the drive shaft riding on the caution flag. Okay, that's Frank Warren. He's had some new sponsors here, the WF Truck Forms and Supply and the County and Press. A regular campaigner on the Winston Cup Trail is out, Frank Warren, Harrisburg, North Carolina. But this track, we were talking about how tough it is on drivers and equipment. It's almost equally as tough on cars because the turns here occupy almost half the speedway, just 400-foot straightaways, and that's a short one. You punch the button, you're in the corner, you almost stay in a turn all the way around the track. We are still under caution at Dover Downs. 19 laps are completed on the board. Pace car dives down onto the apron up in turn four, and we are back under green. Waltrip comes up through the gearbox quickly, puts the Gatorade car about eight car lengths ahead of Buddy Baker. Back in the third spot as they work down in turn number one, Neil Bonnet. Walter gets a big jump on the field. He's ten car lengths out ahead of Buddy Baker. Neil Bonnet rides three car lengths back of Baker in third. A gap back to Bobby Allison, who just moved around Terry Labonte for the fourth spot. Labonte is fifth as they hit turn three. Field back in three. Again, Walter trying to stretch his separation on Baker. Can't do it, and Baker chops it down a little bit. About six car lengths make it this time as they hit the line and come down to the stripe. It's Walter in front. Baker second, and Bonnet begins to put a little heat on Baker for that number two spot down in turn one. Bonnet drafts right low into the first turn on the tail of Buddy Baker. Coming out of two, Bonnet working about two feet lower on the racetrack, takes a peek inside, but slips back in the draft as they go down the back stretch and into three. Into the number three corner, Bonnet continues to work on the rear deck of Buddy Baker's car. That's the battle for second position. Waltrip, meantime, is still about six car lengths ahead. Baker is second. Riding still in third is Bonnet. Fourth is Bobby Allison. Fifth is Terry Labonte. Sixth right now is Earnhardt as they work turn one. Seventh goes to Cale Yarbrough. Eighth position is Joe Milliken. In the ninth position is the Race Hill Farms car for Harry Gant and Run Running in 10th is Lenny Pond. They're in the back shoot in front of Mike Joy. The Baker Bonnet draft is catching leader Darrell Waltrip. His 10 car length advantage has been cut to four lengths now as they exit turn four. Well, a moment ago, Darrell had a comfortable lead of about eight or 10 car lengths, and now there's four cars in that lead draft with Darrell out front, Baker second, Bonnet riding third, and Bobby Allison fourth as they run nose to tail in the middle of turns one and two. Allison won here in September. He had the right setup at the start of the day and only had to make minute changes all day long. And that's one of the secrets here. And he is closing on the leaders as Buddy Baker looks to the inside at turn three. One of the quickest cars on the racetrack, Dale Earnhardt. The car sticking right at the bottom of the groove. He is up to fifth position as he moves around. Here they come back to the stripe. Baker goes after the lead. Took a peek down inside Waltrip, and he goes after him again and won. He may get it. Waltrip chops down, coming into turn number one and holds the lead, but now his car slips back up in the groove one lane. He tries to bring it back down a dime of the track, but he is way in the high groove. Baker has a look on the low side, and Neil Bonnet's going to try to follow him through at turn three. The door gets slammed by 
Buddy Baker on the inside. He battles back, however, and rim riding out of turn number four. Daryl Waltrip finds himself drop kicked back to third position. Sneaking by on the inside as well, Barney Hall is Neil Bonnet, the Purolator Mercury. He takes over second. Heated battle up front right now for the lead. It's Baker out front. Bonnet riding second. Third is Allison, and Waltrip finds himself all the way back to fourth position in front of Mike Joy. He's painted back to fourth, Barney, and Buddy Baker begins to try to open up a bit as Bonnet has a close shave with Joey Arrington and drops two car lengths back of the leader. Baker right down at the bottom of the racetrack, and those front four are working extremely well. If you stick here at Dover, if you're getting the job done, you'll look for the car, and it'll be hanging right on the bottom of the track. That front four are running that low groove. They head for turn number two and down the back chute. No change up front. It's Baker riding out front. Second is Neil Bonnet. Still third is Bobby Allison. Fourth is Waltrip. Don't discount Dale Earnhardt. He's closing fast with Cale Yarbrough on his bumper. They're the fifth and sixth place cars. At Dover Downs, we are working the 31st of 500 laps here at Dover. This afternoon, Baker is the leader. Bonnet rides in. Well, the car just seemed to suddenly go away heading up into turn number three as he fell out of that lead draft. And now the lead draft consists of just three cars as they have pulled away a little bit on the fourth place car, Cale Yarbrough. Baker leads, Bonnet rides second, Bobby Allison is third. Then about a second and a half back comes Cale Yarbrough. And riding up on Yarborough now is Waltrip, and Waltrip is losing a little ground. Now, whether he's pacing himself in the early laps here at Dover is anybody's guess, but he has lost considerable distance there in front of Mike Joy. Lewis Gatto looks like he's lost an engine down here in turn three. He's coasting toward the pit lane, but once the car started smoking, he got a right down of the apron and did not pose any danger to the oncoming leaders. Gatto puts the car in the pits, and there is quite a bit of smoke trailing out of the machine. No caution on the speedway as they continue to work under green to the Mason-Dixon 500. Front three, hammer away. Bonnet puts the pressure on Buddy Baker out of turn number two. And Cale Yarbrough begins to close. He spent about half a lap getting by Darrell Waltrip and lost the lead draft, but he's gaining ground as the leaders are in turn three. Battle again heats up for the lead as they head into turn number four. Baker really punches the button here at Dover. And yesterday, he liked the way the car felt. He talked to me yesterday afternoon. Bonnet just literally tagged him a little bit as they headed down into turn number one. And Neil Bonnet goes after the lead under Buddy Baker. Bonnet can run lower on the racetrack. Baker is a groove up from the apron, and Neil is right down on the safety apron. They come up out of turn two, and Bonnet tucks back in the draft. Bobby Allison closes to within four car lengths. At turn three, Neil seeks a peek inside again. It almost looked like Buddy Baker came out of the throttle for a moment because Bonnet just almost ran all over him here at the start-finish line. It looked like Baker might have chopped the throttle, and Bonnet wasn't expecting it. Here they go, back into turn number one, and again, it's Baker out front. Bonnet riding second. Allison is third. Fourth is Cale Yarbrough. Fifth is Waltrip, and he continues to lose a little ground. They're heading out of turn two. Single file lapping around Baxter Price at the backstretch. Baker and Bonnet are just about nose to tail as they go to three. Bobby Allison is four car lengths back in third spot. This race traffic begins to tighten up the field to make it a four-car battle out of turn number four for the lead. With the lead is Buddy Baker in the Spectra number 28. Running second, three car lengths back is Neil Bonnet. Then another four car lengths back is Bobby Allison in third and glued to Allison's rear bumper is Cale Yarbrough in the fourth position. And Yarbrough is starting to flex the muscles on this brand new race car. He tucks under Bobby Allison out of turn two. Halfway down the backstretch, they are side by side. At turn three, Cale on the low side grabs the third spot from Allison. He's been working very hard, Barney Hall, in that Bush Beer Chevrolet this time out of the Junior Johnson stable. Cale Yarbrough starts to close on Neil Bonnet. Could it be that Bonnet will be the next driver that Cale Yarbrough will pick off on his assault for the front position that's held by Buddy Baker? 
Well, they moved out of the north end of the speedway this time, and again, Baker pulls away a little bit now. Five car lengths between first and second spot on Neil Bonnet, but Cale Yarborough appears to be the fastest car on the speedway. He has moved from way back in the field, has working traffic better than anybody out there. He goes in the high groove this time as, again, he works around lapped automobiles, comes out of that corner, and Yarborough really punches the button. And the Junior Johnson team said a couple of weeks ago that they were ready to start getting things done. Junior said they'd had some time to work at the shop, get the cars in order. Now Bobby Allison gets high down in turn number one, and that's going to cost him a little distance. Field working in front of Mike Joy. Yarborough is making up his time in the turns. He's about even with Bonnet on the straightaway, but diving into the turn, he closes, and now he's only a car length off the second-place car. In the pits, Benny Parsons from Ellaby, North Carolina, in the car number 27, the machine of M.C. Anderson, and they had trouble yesterday. Benny trying to avoid a spinning car in the backstretch in that final practice session. Got a piece of the wall. They worked on the car for about two hours. They started without any practice after doing some damage to the suspension on the car, so it was a shot in the dark for this team today. Quick pit stop. He is back on the speedway. Leader continues to be Buddy Baker. Baker will set a blistering pace anywhere they take that car if it's capable of running up front. Here he comes out of turn number four, and he leads Bonnet by ten car lengths. And Jackie... He looks like he's not going to crack the throttle all day. Buddy Baker, however, at this race last year, said that he was going to take a wait-and-see attitude and just take and lay back a little bit. But the battle is in joint for second position in front of Mike Joy. Cale Yarbrough gets underneath Neil Bonnet. Bonnet's car is pushing a bit in the turns. If Cale can get under him, he can get by him. They're in turn three side-by-side. Side. Downstairs is Cale Yarbrough. The Bush Beer Chevrolet tries to battle the Purolator Mercury, and at the stripe it will be by just a grill. The Purolator Mercury in the second position. Cale Yarbrough coming up on some lap traffic in turn number one has to back out of the throttle momentarily. Bonnet folds up the box around Joey Arrington and holds Cale behind him. They're out of turn two. Cale again looks to the low side, swings back up into the draft. He'll take that dive again low in turn number three. Neil Bonnick loses his car right to the bottom of the racetrack to hold him off. Again, Bobby Allison showing some problems in the Hodgden Bud Moore prepared Thunderbird, but at the stripe it will be Cale Yarbrough going to the basement once again for second position. Down into turn one, lap traffic comes into play. Yarbrough hangs tight, however, in front of Neil Bonnet. Bonnet tries to close the door, but Cale gets a grill out in front. Tries to squeeze up the racetrack, doesn't get it. Bonnet holds him off, and they go down the back stretch. Bobby Allison has caught them. It's a three-car battle for the position. Very tight going for second position. At the point, it's three wide in turn four. Cale Yarbrough goes downstairs and takes over second. Bobby Allison tries the high side of Neil Bonnet. He cannot do it at the stripe. It'll be Yarbrough in second, Bonnet in third, Bobby Allison in fourth. This is awfully hot running for this early in a race that's this long. Allison outside of Bonnet now at turn two. Bonnet's car low on the racetrack, and Bobby takes the high side and drop kicks Neil back to fourth. Well, when you're running the kind of pace they're running here, you can heat up those tires, and it can cost you some positions on the racetrack. Now, the way they're running in the corners, Jackie Root just described it a moment ago, running three abreast coming into turns three and four. But for the moment, it is single file again. They go back in turn number one with Baker riding out front. Cale is second. Bobby Allison is third. Back into fourth is Neil Bonnet. Fifth is the rookie driver, Earnhardt. We were well, talking. He's a lap behind right now, Barney, but he is now the fastest car on the track. After making that unscheduled pit stop, perhaps he punished his tires a little too much, but he is the fastest car on the track trying to get the front runners and get back in the same lap. And, Barney, that contest for the runner-up position has given a sizable advantage to Buddy Baker as Baker continues to keep the pedal fully depressed on the Spectra Chevrolet. And yesterday you had a chance to talk to him, and you said, do you feel like you run too hard? Some people say that Buddy Baker will abuse a race car. You run according to the equipment you have, and uh, 
the whole idea of getting a race driver that'll go ahead and run the race car, they don't come to you and ask if you'll ride for them. They ask if you'll race for them. And, and if the car will run up front, there's no point in sitting in eighth or ninth place and maybe getting involved in an accident when you can be out front and the flagman's working for you and the slower traffic's looking for the lead car. And it's, quite frankly, it's the easiest place on the racetrack to run. It, it, uh, it probably don't look that way to the average person, but when you're out front, uh, you don't have anything to worry about, and all the other people behind you are, are concerned about where you're going to go, what you're going to do in traffic, and they're watching for you. When you're in fourth or fifth place, you're constantly being passed and passing other people, and you're caught in traffic, uh, some guy inching you out on a slow car. It's just a, a total different race. Anytime I can lead, I'll go out there. Well, he can lead right now, and lead he is. He is pulling Cale Yarborough by about 15 car lengths as they work in front of Mike Joy. But Yarborough has broken three of Bobby Allison, and Cale is just splitting the distance between the first and third place car, and he is gaining on Baker. There is some trouble on Bobby Allison's car. As Ned Jarrett mentioned a moment ago, the car is not sticking at the bottom of the racetrack, and when you have a handling problem here at Dover, it shows so quickly. The car starts just climbing the banking like it's almost going to go out of the ballpark. It'll go right up against the concrete walls in both ends of the speedway. So Bobby Allison does have a problem on his car right now. Leader continues to be Buddy Baker, but the interval begins to dwindle between first and second position as Cale Yarborough is about to chase him down. They're heading up into turn number three, and just three car lengths separate first and second position. Baker takes it right down to the bottom of the racetrack. Cale, three car lengths back, and he is closing. As they come to the stripe, just about two car lengths between that first and second spot, Bobby Allison still remaining about 25 car lengths behind the two leaders as they head up into turn number two into Mike Joy. Again, Barney Cale's advantage is coming in the turns. He's able to stay low, and that is where he is gaining on Baker. Less than a car length separate them down the back stretch and into turn three. Yarbrough shuts it down about a half a car length this time as he begins to close on him. Takes a look underneath the inside as they come out of turn number four, and Baker wisely takes his Spectrum machine right to the bottom of the track, gives Cale no place to go. Yarbrough backs out of the throttle down in turn number one, but he is there underneath in the low groove as they hit turns one and two. Coming up on heavy race traffic, Cale takes a short way around. He's right on the bottom of the apron, swings it back up high on the back stretch as they move towards turn three. Three lap cars ahead. Baker has the high side. Somebody's going to have to get out of the throttle. There are lap cars directly ahead. It's Cale down to the bottom of the speedway. Baker in the outside groove, and here they come out of turn number four. It's a door-to-door -door dead heat almost at the line. Baker by just inches into the lead. They scoot back into turn one. Baker will get the break in traffic, looking on the high side as Lenny Pond battles Ricky Rudd directly in front of the leaders. Five cars are now stacked up on the backstretch. Which of the leaders gets the break? It is Baker going high around Harry Gant to hold his lead. He's loose at turn three. Almost sideways, tries to gather it back in. The car is completely sideways at turn four and sliding for the apron. Sneaking by was Bobby Allison as Buddy Baker woes his Spectra Chevrolet and spins it around once in the infield grass. Caution is displayed on the racetrack. Baker has kept his engine fired. He pulls back out into the banking directly in front of Joe Milliken, tries to ride the high side and gather back onto pit road. So the second caution comes out as your leader, Buddy Baker, spins in turn number three. The second caution flag of the day, and Baker, who had really been pushing his car this afternoon, although it looked like it was working well, might have heated the tires a little bit too much, running door-to-door -door there with Cale Yarbrough, and as they had to take the outside groove and get high up in the racetrack going into turn three, he spun it out. Let's go to Mike Joy for an update on that. The cars were very close as Baker and Yarbrough each tried to thread their way through lap traffic, Barney. It does not did not look as if contact was made between any cars, and 
Buddy Baker just got the car up high. It started to get away from it, and he could not hold it down. And Kale and the rest of the cars were able to get through without incident, without any metal being exchanged. Pit stops. Everybody is on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Yes, they are. They're taking advantage of this caution period for a pit stop that would have been coming up about 30 laps from now. The Wood Brothers are making a chassis adjustment on Neil Bonnet's pure later Mercury. The car had dropped back a little bit after battling for the lead at one point. They were shifting the weight from the right front to the left rear, which means that the back end was a little bit loose on that car, and others will probably be making chassis adjustments here during this caution period also. Consultation flag has been issued to the Ken Cole Mining Special of Lenny Pond of Ettrick, Virginia. Pond, who was directly in front of Buddy Baker and Cale Yarbrough, driving for the team, the Kenny Childers Racing Team, after the car was vacated by Harry Gant. And he is now directly behind the pace car. Buddy Baker is in for a change of outside rubber. The rest of the field is in as well. The front runners all taking advantage of this caution, as Ned Jarrett said. At Dover Downs, second caution flag of the afternoon, and it came out on lap number 56. Again, Buddy Baker spinning the car up in turn number four, and it looks like everybody on the racetrack will take advantage of this caution flag. Some are making two pit stops to go all the way around on tires. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. The majority of the front runners are in for the second time. They came in after the first caution lap, and Neil Bonnet almost pulled out in front of Harry Gant as Gant was coming into the pits, but they dodged each other, but they changed the right side the first time. Now they're back in to change left side. Buddy Baker is changing all four while he's in on his initial stop. They did make an adjustment on Neil Bonnet's car. As you heard Ned Jarrett say just a moment ago, he was running for the lead early in the race, and then all of a sudden the car seemed a little bit loose in the corners, and I imagine we'll see quite a few of those adjustments here at Dover throughout the afternoon. Ned, almost every time you come here, whoever wins this race will adjust that chassis several times. Yes, they do. In fact, the track changes quite a bit as the race goes on, and it depends a great deal on the temperature outside. Actually, it's ideal temperature here today for racing. It's overcast, and I guess about 65 to 70 degrees. Here's Yarborough coming back in for the third time and he was battling for the lead. It looked like the car was working perfectly for him, but he's coming back in for that third pit stop. We mentioned in the opening of the broadcast that they were making a lot of runs and adjustments yesterday afternoon in the last practice session here, more than I've ever seen. Of course, that came because they were not able to get much practice in before they qualified, but a lot of them went into this race running about the same speed on the clocks yesterday afternoon, but not completely happy with the way the chassis of their car was working and knowing, too, that this track might change a little bit and cause them to have to make some adjustments during the race. Getting ready to go back to green here in the Mason-Dixon 500. 60 laps are complete in the 500-lap event this afternoon. Pace car with the field in tow down the back chute, and they are indicating that Terry Labonte had been the leader, but he pitted just the last time around, so it's going to drop him back to the tail end of the field and clear the board, and J.D. McDuffie would appear to be the car leading the field as they get ready to go back to green. Bunching tightly over in turns three and four. Second caution flag of the day has just been put out for Buddy Baker, who spun up in turn number four. No damage to Baker's car. He is back in the field. Green flag as we go back to racing full power here at Dover Downs. And out in front is Earnhardt leading the pack, although he lost a lap a moment ago. He's trying to get back. They head off into turn number one with McDuffie leading the field. The fight is for the lead of turn one with Joe Milliken working under J.D. McDuffie. Rookie driver Milliken in the appliance wheels Chevrolet leads them out of turn number two. Bobby Allison looking low in the Hodgson Thunderbird. Allison runs for McDuffie for second. Bobby Allison takes the low groove around. Remember, everybody has fresh tires all the way around, and we'll find out if the chassis adjustments made that much difference in some of the cars that are running third, fourth, and fifth. Battle for the lead. Bobby Allison goes after Milliken back in turn number one. 
and still hanging in the third spot. Here comes Bonnet charging back up through the pack. In fourth position right now should be Waltrip as the field works turn two. Bonnet looks under Bobby Allison out of two, slips back tight, three-car draft down the back stretch. Allison looks for it low at turn three. Milliken, who had a super weekend up at Nashville, Tennessee last weekend, won the pole up there for the Music City 420, leads the field here at Dover in the early going of the Mason-Dixon 500. Bonnet comes scooting around on the outside and moves around Bobby Allison to take over the number two spot. Allison falling back to third. It's Waltrip fourth. McDuffie is fifth. Six appears to be Harry Gantt. Seventh right now is Cale Yarborough. And eighth position should be Terry Labonte. Benny Parsons, who made an unscheduled stop a moment ago, I think he lost a lap. Field back in turn number three. Field works down out of turn number four, and Bobby and Bobby Allison goes to the high side of Neil Bonnet. That's the contest for second position, and at the stripe, the Hodgden Thunderbird will take over second on the high side. He goes in a little deeper. He tries to chase down Do Mil Joe Milliken in a likewise fashion as they go to Mike Joy. Allison has been running a bit higher than most of the cars in the first 50 laps of this race. Milliken comes up, brings the car high to the wall, and holds off Allison. Single file in the backstretch. Milliken, Allison, Bonnet, and Walsh at the turn three. Joe Milliken, a rookie on the circuit, running for the LG DeWitt stable, and he leads this Mason-Dixon 500, the leader of the Alabama gang from Hueytown, Alabama. Bobby Allison is in second position. Neil Bonnet, his protege, driving the Purolator Mercury, is third. And now Darrell Waltrip has taken up the hunt to run in fourth spot. Cale Yarborough busting through the back of the pack is closing in fifth position. Dale Earnhardt running right ahead of leader Milliken, got his lap back, but appears to be about to lose it again. Milliken looks to the inside, and Earnhardt will hold him off this time. It gives Bobby Allison a chance to shoot for the lead. Allison comes down to the bottom of the racetrack and goes after the lead. He's there by just a half a car length as they come back to the stripe. Almost a dead heat for the lead between the rookie driver, Milliken, and Bobby Allison. They still run door to door down in turn one. Allison able to stick on the bottom of the racetrack. He's not been down there for the last 30 laps. Slides up out of turn two with the lead. Milliken tight in the draft. Bonnet and Walter, four cars right on a string into turn three. As they shuffle door to door, that allows Dale Earnhardt to keep himself in the same lap with the leaders. Earnhardt leads the field out of the corner. He is in the same lap with them right now. Allison has moved into front. Second is Milliken. Third right now continues to be Neil Bonnet's car, the Pure Later Mercury, up to fourth is Waltrip, and back in fifth position is Cale Yarborough. Cale tightens it up, and now five cars ride the lead draft to Mike Joy. Yarborough just three car legs back of Waltrip as Bobby Allison has a little breathing room. He's eight cars ahead of Joe Milliken and trying to get a lap on Dale Earnhardt at turn four. But the battle is for second position once again as Neil Bonnet tries to get to the inside of Joe Milliken. Milliken goes to the high side. Bonnet sneaks a peek to the inside and then stays glued to the yellow bumper on the appliance wheel Chevrolet that runs in second of Milliken. Now Bonnet goes downstairs once again in turn Two. Milliken got into turn one a bit hard, and his car slid up in the groove. That was all Neil Bonnet needed, and he put the Pure Later Mercury underneath Milliken. They are back in a dead heat into turn three for the second spot. Continues to be Bobby Allison and the Hodgson T-Bird showing the way. Still in second spot is Neil Bonnet. Riding in third is Cale Yarbrough. Fourth right now, Baker has moved back up there. Falling back to fifth position is Milliken. Waltrip rides in sixth spot, and those are the front six here at Dover. They stretch out a little bit now as they get back into the south end of the track. Bobby Allison trying to pull away and open up as much separation on Neil Bonnet as he can as they head up the back stretch. Joe Milliken has slipped back of the field. Buddy Baker and now Darrell Waltrip have gone by him, and that shuffles Milliken back to about the sixth position. And problems on the Race Hill Farms car for Harry Gant out of Madison, Connecticut. Gant from Kannapolis, North Carolina. And we look as if he's going to go behind the wall as he limps down into the garage area. Meanwhile, Bobby Allison continues to pour the heat on and try and put Dale Earnhardt out of Kannapolis, North Carolina. One lap in arrears again. 
And Neil Bonnet is going to have his hands full. Cale Yarbrough is closed right up on the bumper of the Mercury. That is the battle for second spot as they head towards turn number three. Allison again will have to work lap traffic. This time Earnhardt takes him high in the groove, trying to keep himself in the same lap with the front runners. He makes him work for every inch of ground, but Bobby takes it out to the wall and he will scoot around Earnhardt to put him a lap down again. Allison back in the number one corner, and that car is working superbly here at Dover this afternoon. Bonnet tries to pick a groove. All of a sudden there's slow traffic ahead, and he has to back off and lose a little separation on Bobby Allison. They're back to Mike Joy. Leaders running single file at turn three. And, Barty, I'm surprised that at this point in the race, Bobby Allison can run so high on the racetrack and still be as fast as the cars that are running right on the bottom. Remember last time we were here, Bobby Allison won the Delaware 500 last September. They found the right combination on that car in that race. And Bud Moore said yesterday they had been experimenting a little bit and improved on that, so they should be strong today. And it looks like it's working that way in the early laps of the race. Neil Bonnet still in second spot. He's being pressured by Cale Jarborough right now. And Jackie, we had a chance to talk to Neil yesterday, and I asked him, he's a new driver in the Wood Brothers car, if they told him how to drive the car or if he picked his own pace. Well, you know, we're working together on the thing. Uh, it's a deal where I get in the car, I've discussed with them before the race, you know, what they want to do, what type of strategy we're going to use. You know, they're, they've won a lot of races by planning ahead more than stumbling into wins like a lot of people do. They, they put a lot of thought into it, and even at Talladega, I was back and forth with them about every three or four laps talking about, you know, backing off, running hard, backing off, what we need to do in certain situations. And they they get on the radio a lot and talk with me and make me feel a lot better about it. So uh, I think come race day, we just play it by ear. And, you know, I'll run the car a little bit. And if I'm doing what I want to do, I'm open for suggestions at any time. The voice of Neil Bonnet, who's in second position in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs. Bobby Allison is the leader. There's about a six-car separation. Back to second spot. Third is Yarborough as he just keeps the pressure on Neil Bonnet. They're back to Mike Joy. Bobby Allison, though, looks like he's running short track, Barney. He's diamonding the racetrack. He cuts down low in turn three, works the groove up, and then cuts it back down low in four. You'd think he was on a quarter-mile racetrack instead of a mile. As he crosses the stripe this time, the battle begins to heat up a little bit. Cale Yarbrough took a peek underneath Neil Bonnet's car as they came down across the the start-finish line, and then as they move down into turn number one, a lapped automobile moved up in the groove, and he backs out of it again, but Yarbrough is going after that second spot. Jackie, he's up in turn number three. He's coming out of four. He seems to be awfully strong getting off that corner. Cal Yarbrough looks very strong in both ends of the speedway, Barney. He is one of the few cars that we see that can still stick the nose almost down onto the apron, the infield flat apron portion of these turns, and make it handle. He looks to the inside of Neil Bonnet once again, who runs in second. Now he gathers it back up to less than a car length as he loses does another sneak a peek down the backstretch, but he seems to be content not to try and push the car, and I think he might have just seen what can happen if he charges a little too hard here with that altercation with Buddy Baker. Field coming out of the number four corner, Bobby Allison setting the pace. Earlier in the race, it was Buddy Baker. In case you just joined our broadcast, Baker spun the car up in turns three and four and has fallen back into the field to bring out the second caution flag. No damage on the Baker car. They just pitted, took on four tires, and he is out there running strong. Allison is out front. Neil Bonnet is second. Cale Yarborough rides in third. Baker would appear to be the fourth place car. Back in fifth continues to be Darrell Waltrip, and in sixth position, would Looks be, like Joe Milliken. Be Joe Milliken, J.D. McDuffie being posted in seventh, eighth position to Ty Scott, ninth position to the Trucksmore Industries car of Ricky Rudd, and running in tenth spot, one lap down, is rookie Dale Earnhardt. 
Well, we're talking about how you can heat the tires up for a little bit more on that. Let's talk to Ned Jarrett. Ned, if you push the car in the corners here at Dover and really bind it up, it's very, very easy to heat those tires up, and you can lose an awful lot of distance. Yes, you can, Barney. This, this track is very demanding on the tires as well as the automobile, and if you do pinch it down too much in the turn, it can have its effect on the tires. The straightaways are relatively short here, and the cars are constrained in the turn for a long period of time. Bobby Allison showing the way in the Mason-Dixon 500. The battle continues to be for the number two spot as Cale Yarborough works on the rear deck lid of Neil Bonnet's car, and he's been there for the last 15 laps. He's tried him on the inside. He's took a peek down on the inside. He hasn't tried him on the outside yet, and Cale continues to ride just about a half a car length back as he just lets Bonnet know he's there. They're in the back stretch. Well, Bonnet is leaving Cale. No room on the bottom of the racetrack. Neil is coming right down to the apron, and Cale has no choice but to either stay behind or try the outside, and that has not been the place to pass so far today. They're making up a little distance now, and Bobby Allison, the interval, has dwindled down to about six car lengths as Bonnet is beginning to catch him a little bit. They head back into the north end of the track. Allison, amazingly, how much this car will stick down at the bottom of the racetrack at just about a lane difference between his car, Neil Bonnets, and Cale Yarborough. They take the center groove, and Bobby is hanging it right to the bottom of the speedway. That's the quick way around. Field works out of turn. Number three heads for four once again, and Barney, it's a four-car length advantage for your leader in the Hodgdon National Engineering car. That's Bobby Allison. Neil Bonnet has been checking his rearview mirror and sees that Bush Beer Chevrolet just swarming all over the rear decklet. And Bonnet has been doing a tremendous job holding off the advantages of Yarbrough. Yarbrough has tried the inside repeatedly, but now he's beginning to feign a move to the back on the backstretch to the outside as well, Mike. He was high coming up out of turn two, Jack. Maybe it was a fate, but no, he's running about half a groove higher than Neil Bonnet now through turns three and four. Working race traffic once again to the stripe to complete the 86th circuit of 500 scheduled. It is Bobby Allison with a seven-car length advantage over his Hueytown, Alabama compatriot, Neil Bonnet. Bonnet continues to stick, and now the handle's gone away on Bobby Allison's car. He went way high as he's working some race traffic, and that's been a break for Neil Bonnet. He's closed it up. Allison slid way up the racetrack at turn two, and now only two car lengths separate the front three at turn three. Battle begins to heat up for the lead. There are three cars running nose to tail for the lead in the Mason-Dixon 500. Allison is out front, but he begins to feel the pressure of the Purolator car. Two car lengths back is Bonnet. In third position, just riding on the rear deck lid of Bonnet, is Cale Yarborough. Those front three link it up and head back into turn two. Bonnet took it hard into the first turn and cut the margin to less than a car length. But Allison was on the throttle quicker getting out of turn two. Bonnet reels him in on the straightaway, and it's less than a length of turn three. There has been an awful lot of pressure on this young driver who has moved in to fill David Pearson's shoes after about seven years with the Wood Brothers. You heard him say a moment ago they talked it over as to what type of race they would drive. He said if the car felt comfortable, he kind of run it at his own pace. Right now, he's putting the heat on Bobby Allison. Tries to sneak down to the inside. Allison's car not handling as well as it was a moment ago. And the handle just went away in three laps, Barty. As Bobby went to lap tie, Scott, he got way up high on the track. Three grooves higher than Bonnet, and Bonnet's on the bottom, and he's going for it. Bobby Allison really drifted up to the wall that time, and Bonnet punches it right down to the bottom of the speedway, and Bobby shuts the door on him as they come out of the corner. Allison pulled right down to the center groove, made him crack that throttle. So Allison remains the leader. Bonnet is second. Cale is third, and again, here goes Allison's car high in one and two. He is almost up to the wall between one and two, and is way high coming out of turn two. Bonnet, bottom of the racetrack, has to come back up into the groove to protect second spot from Cale Yarborough. Cale Yarbrough looked to the inside of Neil Bonnet as they entered into turn number three, and now he stays glued to the rear decklet as Bonnet rim rides out of four and challenges Bobby Allison once again to no avail. Across the stripe, it's Allison, Bonnet, and 
it would be Yarbrough in third. Moving back to fourth position is Buddy Baker, and he's about four seconds behind with several lap cars wedged between them. Allison still working way up on the high group. Lap cars become a factor on the backstretcher. Back to single file. Moving by Ricky Rudd, heading for turn three. Three car lengths separate the leaders. Well, you have to work for every inch of ground on Dover. It makes you work, not only in the corners, but in the straightaways. A three-car formation square off for the lead in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs, but nobody seems to be able to do anything with Bobby Allison, although Cale Yarbrough is going to give him a shot down in turn number one. Yarbrough goes high this time. He's moved into the number two position. Bonnet is back to third. Running in the fourth spot is Darrell Waltrip. Fifth belongs to Joe Milliken. Those are the only cars in the lead lap as Cale Yarbrough goes in deep into turn three, and he's going to challenge Bobby Allison for that front position. They are just about a car length separating them as they come out of turn number four. Bobby Allison slams the door on Cale Yarbrough, just moving the car right out against the wall and across the stripe. He will continue to lead. Running in the fifth spot is Milliken. One lap down is Earnhardt in sixth. Ty Scott is seventh. Ricky Rudd is eighth. And then one lap back, they're now reporting Buddy Baker in ninth position. Tenth spot to Terry Labonte. And running 11th is Benny Parsons. Yarbrough now tries the inside as they go to turn three of Bobby Allison. He thinks better of it. Not quite enough, but he stays down low. Allison goes high, and will it be Yarbrough at the line? They are side-by-side side as they come out of turn four with Allison with just a bumper advantage as they come across the stripe. Field works into turn one, and now Neil Bonnet turns the heat up in the Purelator Mercury to make it a three-car battle for the lead in front of Mike Joy. Allison way high on the racetrack. Yarbrough is right down on the apron. No, they touch heat. Yarbrough and Bonnet got together coming out of turn two, and Allison opens up a three-car length lead. Hot battle for the lead at Dover, but Allison continues to hold everybody off. Here comes underneath, comes Bonnet going after that number two spot on Cale Yarbrough. Yarbrough shuts the door on him, and that's the way they run at Dover. It's Allison in front, Cale riding second, third is Neil Bonnet. From Dover Downs International Speedway, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company. 99 laps coming up on the 100-mile mark to be completed. In the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs, we're under overcast skies. Good battle all the way up through this first 100 miles to the lead. Bobby Allison continues to just wear out the field, and he's making them work for every inch. And two of the toughest in the business run first and second. Allison is the leader. Cale is second as he continues to work on Bobby Allison. Neil Bonnet is five car lengths back in third position. Now, Cale takes a look on the inside out of turn two. Cale has had to scratch and claw for everything all day, and he's worked himself right up to within one car length of the lead spot as they hit turn three. He looks high, and Bobby Allison comes up to hold the line. Bobby Allison appears to have the only car. Well, Cale Yarbrough's car is working well also, but Bobby appears to have the only car that can run the low groove or the high groove. When he runs up on slower traffic, he just takes it right out against the wall and punches the button and continues to hold off everybody. Yarbrough is there this time. Lap traffic, Allison tries to come down and cover the spot, and he does, but barely out of turn two. Cale has to crack the throttle and drops back two car legs. Bobby Allison, who used his vehicle to use up a lane, made Cale Yarborough crack the throttle as he ran in on the bumper of one of the lapped automobiles. Here they come back out of four. Cale just will not give up. He chews away again at the rear deck lid of the Hodgson T-Bird. They head back into turn number one with Allison in front, Cale right behind him. Allison works race traffic. He's leaving about a car width between himself and the lap cars, taking nothing to chance. Last time by, Cale tried to fit in that space. This time he holds in the draft, down the backstretch, and into turn three. Yarbrough winds the mainspring up one turn tighter and goes to the high side around Bobby Allison. This time Allison sticks it down low and out of turn four. He'll drift up to the wall and cover the position once again. Cale Yarbrough, however, just teething at the bit as they go to turn one. He is just inches apart from your leader, Allison. Yarbrough looks on the high side as they come up on lap traffic once again. Bobby Allison moves up into the high groove, keeps Yarbrough pinned behind him. 
lapped by Tommy Gale, and they are nose to tail at the backstretch. Kale takes a look down low into turn three. There has been a change in positions as well. They are now posting Buddy Baker in the fourth spot as the contest is enjoined out of turn four for the lead. Yarbrough has gone to the basement once again. He has pulled up to a half car length, and then Bobby Allison just motors in hard into turn one to cover the position. Here comes Yarbrough grabbing back on the low side again. They're side by side in turn two. Allison drifted up high in two and now comes back down as Kale comes up. A foot separate them as they get into the back stretch and Kale drops back into Allison's draft once again at three. Bobby Allison's car by far the class of the field right now. He's proven it by taking it right out against the wall and that's the long way around the racetrack but even at that he is still Hanging on to the lead here at Dover Downs. Allison leads the field back into the number one corner. Cale Yarborough, like a bulldog chasing a mailman, just will not give up. He hangs on his rear deck again out of turn number two. They're in front of Mike Joy. This time, both cars in two went right up to the top of the racetrack. Yarborough gets a fender underneath Allison as they get into turn three, and they're side by side again. Yarbrough down to the bottom of the speedway. Now, if he has the horsepower, he should be able to get the lead. Here they come, and the crowd comes to their feet almost a dead heat, but as they hit the stripe, Allison pulls him by half a car length. They swing back into turn number one. Kale, just about a half a car length back. Allison certainly has the power to come out of the turn and hold his lead. Bottom of the racetrack this time. Remember last lap, they were all the way up on top. This time, they're right on the bottom in turn two. They're all over the racetrack at three. Back down and clipping the apron low in turn three. Well, as if to prove the car has any kind of handling capabilities he wants on it, Bobby Allison sticks it right to the bottom of the racetrack this time and leaves it there. Comes out of the corner and pulls Yarborough by half a car length. Unbelievable handling on Bobby Allison's machine. Yarbrough takes the high groove this time, and all of a sudden, Bobby Allison takes it right back to the bottom of the track. They work turn two. Coming out of two, Allison almost clips the apron. Kale comes up high, and then in the back stretch, swings right down to the bottom to try to get underneath Allison at turn three. Kale took it a little high in turn number two, kind of to get a running start. Down off the banking on Allison, he does it again up in turn four, and he is there this time. Here they come to the stripe, and again, Allison pulls him by half a car length. They swing back into one. The Ford seems to have tremendous power in the straightaways. But now Allison gets it up three, four grooves high in turn two. And Kale is in the short way around on the bottom. They come out of two in a dead heat, run down the back stretch, and again, the power of the Thunderbird carries Allison into turn three at first place. Working 108 miles of the 500-mile event here at Dover Downs, Yarborough going after the lead on Bobby Allison. Same situation out of turn number four. He's there for a half a second, and then as they cross the stripe, Bobby Allison leads him again by almost a car length this time. And but, all this battling, Barney Hall has given a break to Neil Bonnet. Bonnet has closed it up to make it a three-car battle out of turn number two. And as Allison holds Jarborough off in the high groove, Bonnet has been working the bottom of the racetrack. And now Bonnet is just three cars back of that lead tandem team at turn three. Well, I imagine all of a sudden, Jackie, he decides to get the attention of both Bobby Allison and Cale Yarborough, and that he has. But Cale will not give up. Here he comes again, going after the lead. And again, Allison leads him by half a car length. Lap car at turn one, it's Frank Warren. Allison will try to fold the box up at turn two. Working in the high groove, Kale has the room to move by. He is a half a car length back as they're in the back stretch. They go single file, bumper to bumper, Allison, Yarborough, and Bonnet. Allison leads him up into turn number three. That battle heats up again for the lead. Kale chewing away, trying to get there. He just will not give up. He is worrying Bobby Allison. Keeps the pressure on him. We talked to Kale yesterday about there's all kinds of description as to what kind of driver Yarbrough is, whether he's a charger or what. And we asked him for an accurate description of himself. Well, I think so, Barney. You know, if, if uh, sometimes if, if something is wrong with the car and it won't run, then... Uh, you know, we have problems, and I get behind, and if somebody's going to lap me or something, I'll move over and let them go. But 
if I've had problems that caused me to get a lap down and the car's still running good, then they're going to have to work for it. And well, he's having to work for it right now. He makes Bobby Allison work for it back in turn number one. Cale is there. He had a half a car length on him this time at the stripe. They're still door to door. Again, they're three lanes apart at turn two. Bobby Allison way up high. Cale has been able to come out of the turn right with him, but Allison just hauls him down the straightaway, and it's Bobby Allison by two car lengths at turn three. And Barney Wall, they've been battling for the front position. Duffy has come out of the pack and moved around Darrell Walter into fifth place and has pulled away from Walter. 115 laps are on the board here at Dover Downs of the Mason-Dixon 500. Bobby Allison continues to lead. Cale Yarborough is second. Third is Neil Bonnet. Let's go a little further back in the field. Fourth is Buddy Baker. J.D. McDuffie is blasted into fifth spot. Terry Labonte is sixth. Seventh is Daryl Waltrip. Eighth is the appliance wheel special for Joe Milliken. One lap down is Dale Earnhardt in ninth spot. Ricky Rudd is in tenth position. Ty Scott in the Russ Togs entry is eleventh. Twelfth belongs to the M.C. Anderson entry for Benny Parsons. And running thirteenth is the Ken Cole mining car for Lenny Pond. Average speed 99.924 miles per hour after that early race caution. Bobby Allison finds himself in the high groove this time with lap traffic ahead. Cale Yarborough sees an opening and Bobby again just outpowers him off that corner and shuts him down and as Cale tried to tuck underneath Neil Bonnet scoots underneath him down in one. Now Cale is up in the high groove and it's Bonnet on the bottom of the racetrack. Bonnet lies third but coming out of turn two he'll be in contention. Has to come back up into the groove as race traffic is again a factor heading for turn three. So Allison continues to dominate this race, but Yarborough doesn't give him any breathing room. He just will not let up since that last pit stop. Bobby is in front, Cale is second, and Cale has his hands full right now with Neil Bonnet. Remember, the front eight cars ride in the lead lap after 110 miles of competition here at Dover Downs. That battle for the second spot is in turn two. Bonnet has another shot of it. He's running right on the bottom as Cale continues to take a higher groove. Out of turn two, Bonnet slips back in the draft, one car length away from second spot. There is no margin for error on the part of Cale Yarbrough as he tries to make a move around Bobby Allison. He always has to check that rearview mirror because Neil Bonnet would like to capitalize. Consultation flag on the 09 entry, and that belongs to Nelson Oswald of High Point, North Carolina, as the leaders go by Oswald in turn number one. And it is Bobby Allison continuing to lead. Now Cale Yarbrough has drifted back to three car lengths separating first and second. Yarbrough continues to run in second. Bonnet is in third. They have pulled Barney to a sizable advantage over Buddy Baker, who runs by himself as the leaders work turn three. Baker slides out of turn two. Lead cars come to the stripe once again, darting and diving out of turn number four. It's Allison in front. Yarbrough now glued to the rear, dick, rear deck lid as they go into turn one. It's a one-two jam session working traffic. Bobby Allison works well in traffic. He held it close on one lap car and then allowed the car to swing up. And Cale was right there looking to sneak underneath. In the back stretch, they move past Ty Scott. Single file to turn three. Yarbrough this time looks to the high side, thinks better of it. Well, these are the two drivers that all the Winston Cup drivers describe as the toughest on the racetrack. Bobby Allison will not give you anything on the speedway, and by the same token, Cale Yarborough is the same type of driver. And Yarborough lets him know he is there again. He's tried him on the inside, on the outside, of the high groove, low groove, everywhere. He just cannot get around. He rides two car lengths back of Bobby Allison, who moves to Mike Joy. Running in open field, Allison can keep his car right on the bottom of the racetrack. Cale about a half a groove above him in three as they go to four, single file tied together. 
Eight cars in the lead lap here at Dover. 121 miles are down in the 500-mile Mason-Dixon 500 on the nation's toughest mile speedway. Most of the drivers will agree that this is a little Bristol. 24-degree banking in the corners, and you probably drive into the turns here harder than any speedway on the circuit. Barney, this torrid pace has put another car a lap down. Joe Milliken has now gone a lap down, and there are just seven cars a lap down on the lead lap. It would be Allison in front. Cale Yarbrough would be running second. In third is, Bob, is the Neil Bob entry, while still running in fourth is Buddy Baker. J.D. McDuffie is in fifth, Terry Labonte is sixth, and Darrell Waltrip is seventh. Going one lap down, as we said, is Joe Milliken in eighth spot. The pace, a torrid one. It's being set by Bobby Allison of Hueytown, Alabama. He was the most recent winner here. We were here last September for the Delaware 500. He won that race. He's a three-time winner on this speedway, and right now he's showing Cale Yarborough how to work traffic over in turn number three, and again, that car goes high. But Allison has proved he can put it to the bottom of the racetrack. They come down out of turn number four, and Yarborough is still there, driving one of the hardest races. In fact, the way they've been running the first few hundred miles, Jackie, you would think it was the last ten laps of the race. Things can change so quickly here at Dover, Delaware as well. The leader of the first hundred laps isn't necessarily the leader of the last 500 laps, or the last hundred laps in a 500-lap contest. Things can go away just so fast that the first part of the race seems to be always a sparring match until we get to the last 50 miles or so. Yarbrough tries down low again as they come to the stripe to complete the 125th circuit, and he runs out of racing room again. This horsepower in this Bud Moore car, you've got to be impressed with the prowess of the Ford, Barney. They have done their homework on that car. Right now, they are rated as probably one of the two top teams. Oh, trouble in, this in turn two. A car is sideways, smack in the middle of the turn. Everybody stands on the brakes. It is Joe Milliken around as Ty Scott slams into the back of James Hilton as everybody jumped on the binders to avoid the spinning car, which is now settled down to the apron in turn number two and begins to limp its way off the racetrack. And this was a break for Darrell Waltrip, who was about to be overhauled and put a lap down. Now, with this display of the caution, he'll be able to take up his position at the rear of the field. So the third caution of the afternoon comes out when Joe Milliken spins in turn two. 127 laps are complete in the Mason-Dixon 500. We are under the third caution flag of the afternoon. Bobby Allison is leading this event after several pit stops on the on pit road allison will be your leader running in second now will be daryl will not daryl walter will be buddy baker dropping into third neil bonnet as they begin to sort things out daryl walter who would be running in fourth as well as jd mcduffie they are making their way to pit road for service as we continue under caution a reminder barney next week we will be at charlotte north carolina for the world's longest race the world 600 for nascar's winston cup grand national competitors on that one and a half mile beautiful super speedway on june 3rd we all trek back to Texas for the first time in a long time for the initiation of the Texas 400 at College Station at the Texas World Speedway on June 10th, the Napa Riverside 400 in Riverside, California. June 17th, it's to Brooklyn, Michigan in the MIS Speedway, Michigan International Speedway, a two-mile facility on June 17th for the running of the Gabriel 400. Then on July 4th, it's the nation's largest Independence Day celebration in Daytona Beach, Florida, the two-and-a-half-mile super speedway. Daytona International Speedway will host the Firecracker 400. The Nashville 420 on Saturday night, July 14th, the Coca-Cola 500 at Pocono International Raceway on July 29th, and on August 5th, the Talladega 500 from Talladega, Alabama at that 2.66-mile super speedway. 
There are some great Winston Cup events coming to wherever you live in the United States, and anytime they run at a track near you, if you've never seen Winston Cup racing, you've missed one of the greatest sports in the world. We are under caution at Dover Downs. 129 laps are on the board. We're coming up to complete 130 miles in the 500-mile Mason-Dixon 500, and almost everybody has been into the pits. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Yes, they have, Jackie. They've taken advantage of this caution period. Most of them made two pit stops for right and left side tires. However, Bobby Allison and Buddy Baker opted to get four tires when they were in on their initial stop, and as a result, that has put them up front in first and second position. James Hilton coming back into the pits. He was one of those cars that got rammed in the rear when they had to jam the brakes on to keep from hitting Milliken. I think Ty Scott perhaps hit him in the back. There is sheet metal damage to both of those cars. Now Ty Scott coming down pit road, and he has his helmet off. Apparently he's going to head that car, the Rust Talk Special, into the garage area and perhaps out of the race. Yes, he is making that left-hand turn, so Ty Scott is going out of the race, but Hilton repairing damage on his car, hoping to get back in. And, Jack, you were speaking a moment ago about the World 600 coming up next week. There's been a lot of speculation about Neil Bonnet. You know, everybody knew that he was headed for Indianapolis trying to make the field up there. Well, actually, the car that he was going to drive was qualified, the Warner Hodgson entry. Warner Hodgson got two cars in the Indianapolis 500, but it was said this morning by Glenn Wood, the owner of the Pure Later Mercury, that Neil Bonnet would be driving that car in the World 600 when the qualifying is scheduled for Wednesday. You know, they've won 11 straight pole positions with that car with David Pearson behind the wall, and the green flag is coming out now. Let's go racing at Dover under green again. Bobby Allison quickly comes up to full throttle as he heads down into turn number one. Baker rides in second. Neil Bonnet is third. Cale is fourth as they work traffic down in turn number one. Allison has a bit of breathing room. Dale Earnhardt is in that tough spot again of being right behind the leader. A lap down and nothing he can do about it. As Allison runs away and tries to hide from the field, he has a car length at Earnhardt and six lengths on the second place car, Buddy Baker. Four tire change all the way around for at least the front six positions. Here comes Allison. Everybody's chased him all day. Nobody's been able to do anything with him. He's back across the stripe. Earnhardt rides his draft down into turn number one, trying to get his lap back. Still in second position is Buddy Baker. Baker now, remember, spun out lost some time on the racetrack. He's being challenged for the number two spot by Neil Bonnet. Bonnet, low side of the racetrack. They almost touch out of turn two, and Cale Yarbrough has leaded, reeled in that battle as a three-car chase for the second spot. As Bobby Allison pulls away from first, second, and third position, the battle right now is for the number two spot, and Bonnet has it. Down on the inside comes Cale Yarbrough as they work back into turn number one. Things beginning to heat up back in the pack. Buddy Baker goes in hard on the high side against Cale Yarbrough. They're running for third. Yarbrough comes right back in the bottom of turn two and appropriates third position all by himself. Baker is fourth and Waltrip is fifth. And Waltrip has taken up the hunt as he tries to bust to the front with the Gatorade Chevrolet. This Chevy Caprice, he's climbed the ladder back up and he's on the rear deck lid of of Buddy Baker's Spectra 250 Chevrolet. As they come across the stripe, it's Allison, your leader. Running in second is Neil Bonnet. Cale Yarbrough is third. Fourth position belongs to Baker. Waltrip is fifth and running, and there's a challenge again with Waltrip going to the inside of Baker. Not enough room at turn two. Baker came right down to the apron and slammed the door and kept Waltrip back in the fifth spot. Well, the two Ford products, the Hodgson T-Bird right now and the Mercury of the Wood Brothers, the Purolator car, continue to run first and second, and they appear to be the strongest cars on the track at this time. But don't count out Cale Yarbrough's Monte Carlo Chevrolet. He's right up there and going after that number two position. He ran Bobby Allison almost to death the one first hundred miles here this afternoon. After they made the pit stops, he's back in third spot. There to Mike Joy. Battle for fourth. Waltrip got underneath Buddy Baker at turn two, and this time he made it stick. Waltrip is now in the fourth spot. 
Gail Yarbrough beginning to reel in your one-two combination from Hueytown, Alabama. Allison leads Bonnet, and Yarbrough is now close to within five car lengths as he's gotten around Dale Earnhardt. So pretty soon we can expect a three-car jam session all over again for the lead as they head to Mike Joy. Neil Bonnet has moved right up on the bumper of Allison's car, and everybody is right down to the bottom of the racetrack at turn two. Fresh tires will help you do that as Kale goes to the inside for second spot at turn three. And slamming the door is the Purolator Mercury with Neil Bonnet at the controls. Kale Yarbrough scratches his way on the inside and tries to take over second. As they come to the start-finish line beneath starter Chip Warren, it's Yarbrough by less than a bumper. But down into turn one, it's Bonnet again taking over second position. Bonnet takes it in deep, too deep. He slides up in the groove and Yarbrough is there on the bottom of the racetrack and Kale makes it work for second spot. Allison leads by 10 car lengths to the back stretch. Kale is second, Bonnet is third. Bobby Allison stretches his separation now to about 15 car lengths over Kale Yarbrough. They lost a little time. Neil Bonnet and Cale Yarbrough dueling back and forth for that second spot and allowed Allison to pull away a bit. He leads off into the number one corner. A healthy separation right now. About the biggest breathing room anybody's had here at Dover this afternoon. It has been a heated battle all day, at least among the front five. Bobby Allison is in front. Cale Yarbrough second. Make that ten car lengths back for second. Then just about the same interval up to the third place car of Neil Bonnet. In fourth right now, showing is Darrell Waltrip. And Waltrip is there, as you brought out a moment ago, Jackie Root. He may be pacing himself here today. Well, Darrell Waltrip is in the hunt for the Winston Cup Grand National Chase, the title. He wants it this year, and he has taken an entirely different attitude. He's more concerned about how a car will finish. He will not abuse a car, run to the front early. But you can look for Waltrip. He's had a phenomenal success despite some altercations. I think he's finished every race that he's entered this year. He has finished all 11 races, despite the fact that they had to put an engine in the car last weekend at Nashville. Tennessee. Bobby Allison makes Cale Yarborough continue to work to try and get around him. They're heading out of turn number two and there's just two car lengths separating them. And into three, Cale has been working the high side the last couple of laps. He tries it again, but Allison has the low groove and the short way around. Allison works lap traffic. He'll be swinging up on the rear deck of Ronnie Thomas' car this time across the stripe. Kale just there, just letting Bobby Allison know he's hanging in there. And Darrell Waltrip has turned the burner up on the Gatorade Chevrolet. He is around Buddy Baker, and he is starting to close. As Meanwhile, up front, the contest is enjoined once again for the lead. Allison, down, midway down the backstretch, has got the high road, working around Baxter Price and backing out of the throttle as your second-place runner, the Bush Beer Chevrolet for Kale Yarbrough. Some clear sailing for just a couple of moments here as they come out of turn four continues to be Allison but we were going to say Barney Waltrip has changed his driving style and the question now is can Waltrip keep that streak alive where he's finished every race that he's entered well we hope so Barney it's uh it's going to be a long year we're just really getting started good and uh when we started this season you know I've said this before and, and everybody on the team said look let's go out let's try to win the championship let's let's put an engine in the car when we have to let's Let's get the car back in the race anytime we feel like it's feasibly possible. And uh, the boys have just been doing a super job. Robert Yates, uh, we we lost an engine at Nashville the other night. It's the first engine I lost in over a year. So uh, we have the dependability and we have the determination uh, in the team itself. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to the whole season. I want to be the national champion this year, and I've sort of set my sights on that. I hope I don't end up disappointed. Right now, Jackie Root, I think everybody in the garage area says this is the best prepared team to come to a racetrack. Their attitude is where it should be. They don't mind working six hours, ten hours, whatever it takes to get the job done, and that goes all the way from the driver right back through the tail end of the crew. As well, 
As we look up front, though, there continues to be a battle for second position. Cale Yarbrough having now to hold off the advantages of Neil Bonnet. Down low into turn three comes Bonnet, while going high is Yarbrough. As they round out to four, it's a side-by-side -side contest, and with the advantage is Yarbrough, and they have closed now to less than a car length on your leader, Bobby Allison, as they go to turn one once again. And they just about overhaul Allison at turn one. Cale is working way up high on the racetrack. The two Ford products are running right down on the apron. Allison swings up high, holds Cale off, and they shuffle and go back to single pile in the backstretch, and now split again at turn three with Yarborough going back upstairs. The contest for the lead goes up for grabs once again like a squadron of fighter pilots. The flying triangle comes out of turn number four with Allison in the point. Yarborough battles back, though, climbs the ladder up into turn number one, and he tries to put a move on Allison for the lead. Down low comes Neil Bonnet, and Bonnet makes it a triangle again out of turn two. Bonnet's on the bottom as this time Allison and Yarborough are upstairs. Lap car coming into play, and Bonnet has to back out of it, and he gets shuffled back to third spot. These three drivers act like this is the last lap of the race, the way they've been running since they dropped the green. Here they come back into turn four. Allison is the leader. Cale is second. But Bonnet puts more pressure on Cale Yarborough each time around. He's tried him on the outside. Coming out of that fourth corner the last couple of times, no room there. Let's see where he makes his next move. They're back in two. They shuffle and deal again, and it's Cale up on top. And again, the Ford products on the bottom, out of turn two, and they swing right back in line. Kale comes off that high groove and just slips between the Thunderbird and the Mercury. They're back in three. Has to put a lot of pressure on Yarbrough as he works on Allison. Bonnet works on him, so he has to. He's kind of getting it from both ends, so to speak. Here comes Bobby Allison, and again he pulls him across the stripe. Down to the inside, Bonnet is there going after Kale Yarbrough. And Bonnet is in as deep as he has been in the last ten laps. He was alongside Kale going into the turn, and that could prove the difference. They are side by side out of two. No single file shuffle here, but Bonnet has to waste it just a bit to come back up to the outside, and they're in single file in three. And having the best view of all this is your leader, Bobby Allison. All he has to do is look in the rearview mirror and see this switching back and forth for the second position. Yarbrough has got it. Bonnet now, content with single file, runs in third, and they have begun again to pull away from Darrell Waltrip, who's in fourth, and Buddy Baker, who's in fifth spot. They round out of turn two. Bonnet has not been able to do it on the bottom. He hasn't had the power to come out of the turn in that bottom group and run against Cale Yarbrough. And Cale, with Bonnet behind him by three lengths, begins to do his number on Bobby Allison. So the front three, for the moment, stabilize, at least for one lap. Here they come back out of four with Allison out front, Cale second, and Bonnet third. We are working the 152nd lap of the 500-mile event here at Dover Downs this afternoon called the Mason-Dixon 500 on one of the nation's toughest racetracks. Down to the inside, Cale gets a fender up alongside the leader, Bobby Allison. Bobby works way high in race traffic, and Kale has to swing outside to get by a lapped car. It's single file again, but not for long. Kale looks low at turn three. They still run nose to tail with Bobby Allison taking the high groove around each time as he works lap traffic. Kale Yarborough again dives down to the inside, and Allison just pulls him down into the number one corner. And Ned Jarrett, when you see a car run as high as Allison is and still can beat you off the turn, he has the horsepower. Yes, he does, Barney, but one thing about running high that it lets happen, and that is he keeps his RPM up, and he has more speed coming off of the turn, and it looks like that he has a lot more horsepower than the other car, but actually it's just the fact that he's been able to keep the car wound up. When Kale gets up there in that position, you see basically the same thing happen. Well, the last time we were here in September of last year, as best memory serves me, and I think Jackie will probably remember the same thing, that is kind of the line Bobby Allison took. He started running high, although Waltrip, who jumped out into the lead and almost lapped the field before he had problems. He was running on the bottom of the track, but once Bobby got into the lead, he took the high groove all day. In the meantime, as well, there's been a battle for the fifth position. 
Buddy Baker was trying to close for fourth. It was held by Darrell Waltrip, but now Baker is being called into pit road. There is something rubbing or tire smoke on the car. He is backing out of the throttle and going in for the assistance of Herb Nab and the Spectra 250 crew. Well, that is going to be a tough break for the Spectra team of Buddy Baker, who jumped out into the lead and had problems, spun the car in turn number three early in the race and almost lost a lap, and he has not been able to catch back up to the leaders since. Front three continue to ride just inches apart over in front of Mike Joy. And they continue to shuffle every time in and out of the turns. This time it's Kale High in three and four. Bonnet comes up underneath. He'll try to cover the spot. At Dover Downs International Speedway, we're 161 laps into the 500 lap Mason-Dixon 500 this afternoon. It continues to be Bobby Allison in front, Cale Yarbrough second, and here comes Yarbrough trying to get around on the outside as they swing back down into the number one corner. We said that Buddy Baker made an unscheduled pit stop. Let's go to Ned Jarrett for an update. It was a rather lengthy pit stop. It was 20 and one-tenth seconds. That's not very long, but it's long compared to what some of them make stops, and it was for a right side tire change. He cut the right front tire. It was leaking down, so he had no choice but to come in and make a change. And a costly one for Buddy Baker, who has had two bad breaks this afternoon spinning the car in turn three to bring out a caution flag and losing some time and cutting a tire at about the 162 lap mark a few moments ago. He is a lap down to the front runners right now. Front three continue to just act like the racetrack belongs to them this afternoon as they make it a three-way battle for the lead. Bobby Allison, he's been out front. Nobody can do anything with him. Cale Yarbrough has hounded him all afternoon and probably run as hard as I've ever seen him run anybody to get into the lead. It's got to be pressure cooker type situation for not only first, second, and third, Barney, because as every time Yarbrough tries to make a move to the inside or the outside of Bobby Allison, he has to wait to see if Bonnet's going to capitalize on it. Yarbrough's taking the elevator downstairs in turn two, and he has sneaked his nose out in front of Bobby Allison, but he begins to go away in front of Mike Joy. It's the first time he's been under Bobby Allison in the last 20 laps, but down the straightaway, the Ford has the power to put Kale back to second spot. Yarbrough has to settle for that number two spot, and now Neil Bonnet goes after Yarbrough for the second position as they come out of turn number four. He takes a peek underneath, and Kale just kind of swings back down to the groove, makes him crack the throttle momentarily, and hangs on to the number two position. The front three again ride nose to tail with Allison out front, Kale second, and Bonnet third over to Mike Joy. This time Allison's up in the high groove with Kale behind him. Bonnet is the only one that is consistently right on the bottom of the racetrack at the north end of the speedway, and he goes back downstairs at turn three. Neil Bonnet takes the low groove, trying to work a little distance and get around Cale Yarborough, but Cale stacks them three deep on Bobby Allison as he goes after the lead. There is a lap car directly ahead, and they are three deep again, down in turn number one, this time for the number one position. And it looked like Cale might have had that lap led at the stripe. Out of turn two, he has the lead. Allison scrambles on the high side. He has the room. Halfway down the back stretch, they are side by side, and Allison swings into turn three and takes it back again. Bobby Allison by half a car length, but Yarbrough's in the low groove. That's the short way around. Let's see if he can lead him at the stripe this time. Here they come, three deep, and Neil Bonnet was there, and again it will be Bobby Allison by just a half a car length. They head back into turn number one, and they're still door-to-door, -door, and Jackie Root Kale will not give up. Kale Yarbrough is showing the prowess and the determination, Barney, that gave him three Winston Cup Grand National Championships. But Bobby Allison, as you said, and Kale Yarbrough are two of the toughest drivers to get around. And Neil Bonnet keeps sneaking his nose down there, and it could be three wide as we come to turn four. Bonnet's on the low side. In the middle is Yarbrough. Bonnet backs out of it, but Yarbrough is still hanging tight with Bobby Allison. At the stripe, it's Allison by just a nose. But into turn one, Yarbrough just grips down low on the inside part of the racetrack into two. Who is it, Mike Joy? Rush 
rush hour traffic was never like this. It's Kale on the bottom, but Bobby on the high side has the speed off the corner. Half a car length. Allison leads at turn three. He'll try to fit the box around Kale Yarborough. Lap car, but Kale's going to have room. Yarborough inside groove. They look like they're having the time of their lives here at Dover Downs this afternoon. Bobby Allison again at the stripe will lead by half a car length, and he is strong coming out of that fourth corner. They go back into turn number one, and Yarborough, he does not crack the throttle. He stays there door to door as they exit turn two. Spotted on the bottom. Kale in the middle groove, and Allison up top. It's Allison with the speed. They almost touched midway down the backstretch. Into turn three, Allison in the high groove, works it, and Bonnet goes after it again on the bottom. Nobody in this threesome can make a mistake, because if it, if you do, you'll find yourself third. Bonnet is there. He makes it three deep, and they shut the door on him, and again, Bobby Allison, half a car length as he leads them back into the number one corner as they continue to go at it. Cale Yarborough still on the inside groove, and they ride like they're having a conversation door-to-door out of that number two corner. And almost fender to fender out of turn two. Things got very close. And for a minute, they go back to single file, swinging into three. Bonnet on the bottom, Allison and Yarborough up top in lap traffic. Lap cars at the bottom of the racetrack will force Neil Bonnet to crack the throttle again and chop off his bid to take over that number two position. As Bobby Allison leads, Cale Yarborough is second, Neil Bonnet is third, and they go single file this time, maybe to give each other a little breathing room. I asked Cale yesterday, is it still fun to get out there and race, to beat them just for the sake of beating the best in the business? Well, I think you hit it on the head when you said beat them, Bonnie. It's more fun when you beat them than it is when you have trouble and you run uh, and you don't win the races now. When you don't win and you have trouble all the time, it's, uh, you know, sometimes you wonder uh, what, you know, couldn't you be doing something that you maybe enjoy a little bit more? But when you do win and you beat the guys that you run against every week, uh, then it makes it all worthwhile. I do enjoy that. He just enjoyed that last lap around, ladies and gentlemen. He led Bobby Allison by a half a car length. And, Jackie, I think that's probably the second time he's had that nose in front to leave it there at the start finish line all day. Well, he hasn't given up as of yet either. As coming out of turn four, he's got the nose of the Bush Beer Mountains pointed to the start finish line. And at the line, that's a dead heat, Barney. That left by Allison on the high side, Yarbrough on the low side, and they continue to run just hub to hub to turn two. Kale with the short way around. Bobby Allison way up high on the racetrack. And again, they almost come together out of two as they are side by side dead even with Neil Bonnet looking on Kale drops back a bit at turn three Ned Jarrett this has to punish equipment and driver to run this hard we're just 173 miles into the race yes it is punishing both Barney but they're having a lot of fun at it too you know they came here to race and that's exactly what they're doing the cars almost equal, but Bobby Allison seems to have a slight edge in getting a bite off the corner. And Ned Jarrett said a moment ago, as we were talking about him taking the high groove, he could keep the RPMs, get a little more torque off, and keep the engine up coming off the corner and able to shut Cale Yarbrough down. Neil Bonnet has been the class of the field this afternoon also in the Pure Later car. He's been hanging right in there. Normally, you would see a driver in a situation like this back out a little bit and watch the front two go at it, but he's been hanging in there trying to get into the lead himself. Your fifth-place car, Jay. Katie McDuffie in the Bailey Excavating Special is pulled out of pit road while running in sixth, and that'll move him into fifth as Dale Earnhardt. Moving into sixth position is Buddy Baker. Seventh belongs to Terry Labonte. Eighth would be Benny Parsons. Now going into ninth would be J.D. McDuffie, while two laps down in tenth position is Joe Milliken, and Ricky Rudd is eleventh, and he is also two laps down. Bobby Allison just will not give up the lead, and Cale Yarborough will not quit trying to take it away from him. They continue to ride nose to tail at Dover Downs. We are 178 miles in to the Mason-Dixon 500. 
still in third position, Neil Bonnet. And those three cars run nose to tail, but take that back. Here comes Cale Yarbrough down to the inside on Bobby Allison out of that fourth corner, and that's the kind of move he's made all afternoon. And again, it's Allison by just about a hood as they head back into turn number one. Cale keeps it right down at the bottom. They swing up in the groove just a bit. A car whip separate them in turn two. They're running it a bit looser. They're not quite as tight as they have been the last ten laps. Now back at three, and Cale is on the bottom again. They're still side by side. Heading up into turn number four, Bonnet just takes it all in as they come out of turn four this time, and it looks like Yarborough may lead the lap. Here they come to the stripe, and Cale leads by one full car length, and that's the biggest margin he's had this afternoon. Yarborough leads Allison down into the number one corner. It's Cale out front, Allison second, and Bonnet third. They continue to go at it. And Bonnet jumps back in the hood. He was on the bottom and appeared to be closing out of two, but he slipped back of the draft, and he's three car lengths out of the lead. Now Allison goes to the bottom, looking for the lead once again at turn three. Bobby Allison tries a Cale Yarbrough-type move around Yarbrough. Down on the low side, it's Allison, and on the high side, it is Yarbrough, and at the stripe, it's the Bush Beer Chevrolet out front. They go deep into turn one, and running the middle groove is Cale Yarbrough. He holds on to the front position, but not for long. Yarborough goes in high and hard, and that gives Allison a break on the bottom. They slide up out of turn number two, and Bobby has to drop back in the draft as they go to three with Kale in front. Allison back in the number two position, Jackie, and maybe he's decided to breathe that car because he has pushed it just about as hard as you can push a car for almost 181 miles. Across the stripe, Kale is in front. Allison is second, and now Neil Bonnet says, let me have a piece of Bobby Allison as he goes to work on him down in turn one. Well, they stabilized just a bit, Barty. It seems the last 50 laps they've been running the last lap of this race every time around. It's single file, and Kale enjoys a four-car length advantage at turn three, the most he's had all day. Here they come, back into turn number three. It continues to be Yarborough. This time, he has the biggest advantage he's had all afternoon. Two car lengths over Bobby Allison as they come back to the stripe. Cale is in front in the Bush Chevrolet. Bobby Allison in the Hodgson T-Bird is in second. Riding in third is the Mercury, the pure later car of Neil Bonnet. What about it, Bobby Allison? Will you sacrifice speed? Will you sacrifice the lead just to make sure that that national engineering Thunderbird feels comfortable? Well, I think that uh, comfort is part of running hard and fast. So we, uh, we try to make it as comfortable as we can uh, possibly have it as long as we don't lose any speed. The car has had to be comfortable for him this afternoon because he can take any line around the racetrack he wants in either end of the speedway. But right now he settles for second position, maybe to kind of cool the tires a little bit, not push the car quite so hard because they've been racing like it was the last lap all afternoon. And now it's Cale Yarbrough by eight car lengths. Allison is second, still about 15 car lengths back of Allison in third position is Neil Bonnet. The fourth place car continues to be Darrell Waltrip's machine. Here comes the front car, back to the line, Yarborough by 15 car lengths. Dale Earnhardt is still showing in fifth. In sixth position would be Buddy Baker, Terry Labonte would be seventh, eighth position would belong to Benny Parsons, running in ninth is J.D. McDuffie, in tenth spot would be... The car 72, the appliance wheel special for the rookie Joe Milliken, and running in 11th would be Ricky Rudd and the Trucksmore Industries Thunderbird. We can update you a little bit on some of the cars that are out. Elmo Langley has retired car number 05. Jimmy Means was involved in that crash that brought out the first caution flag and damaged the front end of his car. He has parked that machine. Richard Childress' car severely damaged. Childress also is out of the race, and Richard Petty has parked car number 43. Frank Warren went out with the drive shaft problems, but apparently they fixed that because he is back on the speedway. Harry Gant's machine is in the garage area. He is out of the competition, and Ty Scott, who got tagged in that collision between himself and James Hilton, has also retired his car. Let's go to Ned Jarrett for any update in the pits.
Carney, they should be about uh, 40 laps away from their next schedule pit stop. So far, they've been able to make those pit stops under caution. Now the Kale Yarbrough has moved out front. He's able to pick the groove that he wants to run or the groove that runs best for that Chevrolet, and it's uh, working for him. He's able to pull away a little bit now. But I tell you, it's awfully tough to pass a guy like Allison on this racetrack when a car is working as well as his has been all afternoon. Ned, are you surprised that they ran each other that hard before the 200-mile mark was completed? Yes, I was a little surprised, but really that's the characteristic of these drivers, Barney. They, you know, they just they want to go as hard as they can all the time, and knowing that if they don't stick their foot in it and try to stay up there, that somebody else is going to and pull away if they can't afford to get behind. Well, the old days of sitting back and stroking and kind of waiting to make your move and hoping everybody else had trouble and, and pulling into victory lane is over because there are 8, 10, 12 cars every time they square off on a Winston Cup event that are very capable of winning, and there are almost as many dark horses just waiting in the back of the pack for a few breaks to do the same thing. Best competition this year we've had in Winston Cup racing and probably since the days of the factories a long time ago. It's been an unusual year for the nation's number one racing sport. The expected, the unexpected, new names up front, more competition. And it's continuing to be that way race after race. Right now it's Cale Yarborough in front and he is on a Chevrolet here at Dover Downs today. A Monte Carlo, the Bush car. Riding second is Bobby Allison in the Hodgson T-Bird. A Mercury occupies third position. Neil Bonnet in the Pure Later car. And Darrell Waltrip in the Gatorade machine is in fourth position. That's a Chevrolet. Now those front four are in the lead lap. Back in fifth position is Dale Earnhardt, the rookie driver. A lot of concern on his crew chief's part here this week, Ned. It was the first time he'd been to Dover. It's a brand new car. This is the first time this car has been in competition anywhere. And Jake was afraid he'd have a little trouble adapting to the track, but he doesn't seem to be having any problem at all. No, he seems to be running very well, and this is not an easy track to adapt to either. Let's go to Mike Joy. Barney, it looks like Kale is running about the middle of the racetrack. He's not down on the bottom, and he's not having to fight the car to keep it low. He's running right about in a center groove. That's comfortable for him. Bobby Allison's car, meanwhile, is able to run lower on the racetrack than any of the three leaders at this point. This is the biggest separation we've seen all afternoon for anybody who's been in the lead. Cale Jarborough right now with perhaps a two-second advantage over Bobby Allison as they scoot off into the number one corner. Neil Bonnet a couple of seconds back in third position behind Bobby Allison. And Barney Hall, this has got to make Cale Yarborough smile. You know, it's not been the best of seasons. In fact, you said to him yesterday, you said you're not satisfied with the season. Why, Cale? Well, uh, that's true, Barney. You know, it's uh, even though we've won two races this year, we, we still feel like we've had a a pretty poor start but uh you know we're just hoping that everything's going to turn around now and we can uh, get everything flowing in the right direction we are approaching the 200 mile mark with almost 300 miles a little over 300 miles remaining in the race this afternoon and the separation between kale yarborough your leader and bobby allison who runs in second is two and five tenths seconds barney and that's the biggest advantage anybody has had all afternoon with 196 miles, make that 197 just coming up on the scoreboard complete in the Mason-Dixon 500. We'll give you the quick front five quickly. It's Yarbrough leading, Allison second, Bonnet is third, Waltrip is fourth. They ride in the same lap. They're all in the lead lap, and back in fifth position is Earnhardt. Running in the sixth spot would be J.D. McDuffie. In seventh position would be Buddy Baker. In eighth, Terry Labonte. And running in ninth is Benny Parsons. So Yarbrough, who finds himself in front, and now Bobby Allison is back down to the throttle a little bit, and he continues to lose a little ground here in the front straightaway. It looks like he's dropping off the pace, and they may have settled down to some racing, suddenly realizing that we still have 300 miles to go in the Mason-Dixon 500. Kale eases out of the number two corner, works traffic down the back chute. Here comes Allison. 
almost a straightaway behind. Remember again, the straightaways at Dover are short. 400 feet of straightaway. Doesn't give you much time to get set up for the corners as hard as you run. And it will also throw you out of the turns as well. As you come out of turn four, no matter how low on the racetrack you run, you've got to go outside and almost kiss the outside retaining barrier. We've talked for years about the Darlington Stripe, but since the initiation of racing here at Dover Downs, there's been many a car with the right rear side virtually torn off the machine at the end of 500 laps. You've got to ride it out. You can't drive the car. You've got to let the car take you out almost as high as the wall as possible. For the drivers will tell you that this is the toughest racetrack. Almost any driver you talk to, it beats you physically, it beats the car physically. A tremendous performance a couple of weeks ago at Talladega, Jackie, by Buddy Arrington of Martinsville, Virginia. I had a chance to talk with him in the garage yesterday about what this track does to a driver. Uh, I, I hardly ever, I don't guess I can't even remember when I had a relief driver. Uh, and I run as hard as I can run, as hard as my equipment let me run everywhere we go. And, well, I might say hard as my pocketbook will let me run too, but... <clears throat> this racetrack takes more for me driving than even Bristol. You know, Bristol's noted for the worst place we go, and I can get through Bristol a lot easier than I can Dover. The voice of Buddy Arrington, and Buddy Arrington is still out there and running well this afternoon in his machine from Martinsville, Virginia. He'll be going down to Charlotte next week for the World 600 weekend. At Dover Downs, we have just passed the 200-mile mark. 201 miles are complete in the Mason-Dixon 500 as the field looks at that scoreboard and sees 300 miles left to go. And now Darrell Waltrip has gone a lap down to your leader, Cale Yarbrough. Yarbrough just motored on by, and Yarbrough taking a very nice line through the turns, Mike Joy. He's willing to let the car just either go on the low side or the high side, depending on what may fancy him. Well, he's letting the car work for him, Jackie, and that has a lot to do with how comfortable you can be and how easy it is to get through here. In turn three, he keeps it way low when he's all by himself and then just lets the car drift its way up the banking and run where it wants to. Well, Waltrip felt like he had a good shot at winning this race, and we're not counting him out by any means this afternoon, even though he has gone a lap down to the leader, Cale Yarborough. We pause now for station identification. Cale Yarborough leading here at Dover Downs. He started 12 times at Dover, and he's won three times here at this racetrack, and he likes it. He has a short neck. And Jackie, that makes a big difference on a short track when you go in the corners, and as hard as you shove the car in here, the force of gravity and that centrifugal force in the corners just drives you down in the seat, and it wears out everybody else, but everybody says he doesn't have any neck, and that makes a big difference. Well, remember, though, as well, that he's got a couple of very sore legs from Talladega, Alabama. He was very sore when he ran the Nashville race, the Music City 420, the Sunday drop event one week ago. We had a chance to chat with Cale just prior to the start of this one. He says he's still a little sore from that accident when he was hit by a car after he got out of the machine, but he says that nothing makes you feel better than when you're leading an event. And he says, I won't have to worry about how my legs feel if I can put this car out front. And that's what he's done so far. And this is a physically demanding racetrack. And Yarbrough has always seemed to shine on a physically demanding racetrack, Barney. He seems to like those kind of tracks better. He's putting it to the metal this afternoon. He will not crack the throttle. He can probably take as much physical punishment as any driver in the business. At the 200-lap mark, Cale leading, Bobby Allison second, Neil Bonnet was third, Darrell Waltrip was fourth, and in fifth position was Dale Earnhardt. He was a lap down. And give a call to James Hilton, who's moved into sixth spot, seventh to Terry Labonte, and eighth is Benny Parsons, ninth to J.D. McDuffie, then two laps down in tenth spot is the 72 with Joe Milliken aboard, and running in 11th is the Trucksmore Industries number 90, and that would be... Ricky Rudd, who would be driving that car today. And he just made a pit stop about three laps ago, Jackie. And here's J.D. McDuffie coming into the pits now in the Bailey excavating car. Rudd made a very good pit stop, 15 and 1 tenth seconds for Junior Don Mavis and the crew. We should see most of the other cars coming in 
for a regular pit stop within the next 10 laps. And that's when this racetrack begins to take on short track proportions, Barney. Although they list it as a super speedway, it doesn't take that long to tour this one-mile facility, and you've got to be on your toes because it's right about the amount of time that it takes to get around this racetrack is the amount of time that it takes to get a full pit stop initiated here and completed. So this is where we begin to see a super speedway, as we said, take on short track proportions, and pit crews had better be on their toes or their car can go a lap down. Well, the pressure is always on them here at Dover, and, and if you lose a lap here, it seems like it's almost twice as hard to make up a lap at Dover Downs than any place we go. 208 miles complete in the 500-mile Mason-Dixon 500. There have been three caution flags in the race this afternoon. The first one coming out on lap number one when Jimmy Means and Richard Childress slammed together down in turn number one. They also tagged Richard Petty's machine, put his car out of the event. Ricky Rudd was involved in it. He was the only one of the four cars that was able to continue. Second caution came on lap number 56 when Buddy Baker spun over in turn number three. He lost a little time but did get the car in the pits, changed tires, went back out, and he is still in competition. Third caution flag came out on lap number 125 when Ty Scott and James Hilton slammed together as they were trying to avoid the spinning car of Joe Milliken, the rookie driver, over in turn number two. And Cale Yarbrough comes across the stripe. He continues to lead Bobby Allison, and Allison is losing ground every lap. With 211 completed, he is separated from Yarbrough, your leader, by five and three-tenths seconds in the Mason-Dixon 500. And Cale Yarbrough and the Bush Beer people from the Junior Johnson stable have got to be happy because he's leading this event by some six seconds over Bobby Allison. Allison's Thunderbird runs in second. In third is the Pure Later Mercury with Neil Bonnet at the control. He is about six seconds behind Allison in second. Third spot, as we said, is Bonnet. Fourth, one lap down is Daryl Waltrip. In fifth is Dale Earnhardt. Buddy Baker is in sixth. Two laps down in seventh spot is Benny Parsons in the MC Anderson Racing Team. In eighth position is Terry Labonte in the Stratograph Chevrolet. In ninth position, three laps off the pace is rookie Joe Milliken of Randleman, North Carolina. Barney, the average speed has begun to escalate. It's 108.543 miles per hour, despite the fact that we've had, what, three caution flags thus far. It is a fast racetrack. It is the fastest one-mile track in the nation here at Dover Downs International Speedway. The battle for the the national driving title, the Winston Cup Point Championship, has been as close this year as we have seen it anywhere. Darrell Waltrip just barely squeaked by to win the first leg, and he is dead serious about winning his first national driving title. But Cale Yarbrough is just as determined to do something that nobody's ever done and make it four consecutive titles. He's won three already. He's the only driver in the history of Winston Cup competition to ever do that. Gail Yarbrough, your leader, is the first of the front runners to go on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. A scheduled pit stop. Yarbrough, the first of those front runners to come in. It'll be a change of right side tires at least, and of course, a tank of that Union 76 gasoline. The Wood Brothers are getting ready also to bring Neil Potty to him before too long as Junior Johnson and their award-winning crew work on that car of Yarbrough's to get him back in the action as quickly as they possibly can. And the action is very quick, 14 and 8 tenths seconds, and the Bush Beer Chevrolet is back on the racetrack, Barney. Yarborough takes it down to the bottom of the speedway, trying to get up to full song again as he heads out of turn number two. Here comes Bobby Allison on the pit road. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. And another scheduled pit stop for Allison. Bud Moore and their crew have turned in some fantastic pit stops in the past. They go to the right side also to change the Goodyear tires and fill it up with gasoline. Allison getting stuff a cool drink while they work on the car, and that's going to be a good pit stop also. They drop the car down. He's off and away in 14 and 4 tenths seconds. 
220 laps are complete here at Dover Downs International Speedway as routine pit stops are taking place this afternoon in the Mason-Dixon 500. Cale Yarborough has been in. Bobby Allison has been in. And now it will be Neil Bonnet shooting on the pit road shortly along with Darrell Waltrip and the rest of the gentlemen. Here comes the rookie driver, Earnhardt, and he gets off that corner hard and the rear end almost came out from under that car. It's his first time here at Dover. And as we brought out earlier, his crew chief, J.C. Elder, was a little concerned about how he would adapt to this toughest track in the nation. But apparently he has adapted well. He's never been out of the top eight positions all afternoon. He's in the pits right now. Let's go back to Ned. And it's a change of right side tires for him. Since Harry Gant uh, had to park his race hill farm Chevrolet, he has been standing in the pits of Earnhardt. But Earnhardt, one of the toughest drivers on the circuit, has not called for help. But Earn, uh, Gant standing by just in case. Now they're going to the left side on Earnhardt's car. He's the only one making a four-car change up to this point. Well, Earnhardt was a lap down prior to this lap, prior to this pit stop, Ned. So is that a good move to take all this advantage time and go away with in 34 and 310 seconds? Bonnet is on pit road now. Let's go to you. And the new pit stop for Neil Bonnet. And while the Wood Brothers go to work on that car, it's a change of right side. They're not attempting to do anything to the left side of that car. And to answer your question about Earnhardt, no, it's questionable whether it's a good move, but maybe they had to. Of course, he'll be able to run faster with four tires on. And there's Bonnet down and away at 13 and one. Seconds. Bonnet is the fastest of the leaders to pit. The other drivers taking advantage of a 14 and 5 tenths, 14 and 4 tenths second pit stops. He was the only one within the 13 second margin. Pit stops at 222 laps. Now the front four cars have been in the pits. Here comes that rookie driver from Corpus Christi, Texas, Terry Lamonti, into the Stratograph car. He had a super qualifying run here and started in fourth position. This young driver has been very impressive last year. He's had some good finishes this year and some mediocre finishes, but he seems to be getting his team together. And he has high hopes of finishing extremely strong before the season is over in almost all the events. Now after these pit stops, it's Cale Yarborough back in the lead once again. Bobby Allison runs in second, and the Purolator Mercury, despite that quick pit stop, still holds on to third spot. Two hundred. Darrell Waltrip in and the Gatorade Chevrolet for his regular pit stop and to go to the right side also on that car. So most of the drivers will, those that have not been in, will be coming in very shortly because they're running low on gasoline. Ned, have you had a chance to talk to Buddy Parrott or any of the crew in Waltrip's car? He started out strong, ran to the top three and put on a bid for the lead there at one time, but he has fallen back and he didn't seem to have any problems on the track. The car has just continued to run a little bit slower. We might check and see if he does have a problem on the car. They made an adjustment on it during that last caution period, Barney, and it looked like that it was going to work for them, but then he continued to fall back a little bit. One thing that they've learned about the Caprice Chevrolet, and that's what uh, Walter is running here, is that the overhang on the car is a little bit longer than the Monte Carlo Chevrolet, and as you go into the turns, it makes the back end feel, it wants to swing around a little bit on it. That would tend to heat the tires up and would, uh, of course, slow the car down some. So they probably have some more work to do on the Caprice to make it work on these tracks. Now, on the short tracks, they work very well because they get such tremendous side and forward bikes as they come off of the turns. Dover is an experimental racetrack in a sense because you change things all afternoon and try to get the right combination. And once you do hit it, if you hit the super combination here, you can kind of pull away and leave the field. And it, a lot of times, boils down to who's in the same lap in that final pit stops and makes the right adjustment. Just about everybody has been in and out of the pits now. We're 226 laps into the race, 226 miles into the Mason-Dixon 500. And after those pit stops, Cale continues to lead. Allison is second. Bonnet is third. 
Then one lap back, they're indicating that Buddy Baker has moved to fourth position and Waltrip has dropped back to fifth. Now they are a lap down. From Dover Downs International Speedway, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company. Here at Dover, Delaware's International Speedway, the one-mile facility finds Cale Yarbrough with an eight-second advantage in front of this Mason-Dixon 500 field. Bobby Allison is in second. Neil Bonnet is in third spot. Running in fourth, one lap down, is Buddy Baker and the Spectra team from the Wynn Incorporated stable out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Dale Earnhardt is in fifth position. Running in the sixth spot is Terry Labonte. In seventh is the 27 entry for Buddy ba for check that. It would not be Buddy Baker. It would be Benny Parsons. And the average speed has been 109.136 miles per hour. Daryl Waltrip continues to fade here after leading in the early going, the Gatorade Chevrolet team. And Ned Jarrett, we wonder, as we said before, as to whether maybe this was by design or are they continuing to make adjustments and not hitting the right combination? I think they would wait until a caution period, if that could come about before they make many adjustments, they can't afford to give up any extra time on normal pit stops under the green flag. They We're have... on our way right now to talk with Buddy Parrott, the crew chief on that car, to see exactly what is happening. We'll await Ned Jarrett's report. Meanwhile, the advantage continues to lengthen for Junior Johnson's Bush Beer-sponsored car that's being driven by three-time NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Champion Cale Yarbrough. Yarbrough's midway down the backstretch in front of Mike Joy. Jackie, it's a little surprising that on fresh tires he still continues to run pretty high on the racetrack when he's all by himself. Of the other leaders, Bonnet and Allison have brought their cars right back to the bottom of the track on fresh tires. Cale keeps it up in the upper grooves. Well, he has a sizable advantage over Bobby Allison, and he can afford to take just a tad longer as he works this one-mile super speedway. Rounding out of turn two, he is your leader by some nine seconds. Now as they come to you, Mike, second and third, Allison and Bonnet, and that could begin to heat up very quickly. Neil Bonnet is closing the gap on Bobby Allison considerably. Bonnet is running the bottom of the track. Allison's a bit higher. There are about 12 car lengths separating the second and third place cars. And if that battle should go to the wire once again, the Allison battle and the Bonnet battle, this would be an advantage as well, Barney Hall, to your leader, Cale Yarbrough, as he continues to stretch out front with no real pressure. But that's not unexpected here at Dover. Things can go by the board so quickly. Barney, I'm in the pits here with Buddy Parrott, the crew chief on the Gatorade car. Buddy, you qualified on the pole. It looked strong in the first of the race, but it doesn't look quite that strong now. Are you having any particular problems? Well, you know, Ned, uh, it rained out all the qualifying up here, and uh, I mean, not qualifying, but all the practice sessions. We had about 30 minutes to set up a brand new automobile that we've never even, uh, it's never seen this racetrack before. And this is really a handling racetrack. And, uh, you know, I think that's partly, uh, probably the biggest problem uh, we've got right now. Some of them were saying yesterday, I think it was Buddy Baker that told me that the overhang on the Caprice is a little bit longer than on the Monte Carlo, and when you start into the turns, it tends to take the back end around a little bit. Well, that's true. Uh, you know, like I said, uh, you know, uh, the Monte Carlo was, uh, until we got things worked out on it, it, was, uh, it wasn't that too good a car, but I think we'll, uh, we'll get this uh, Caprice uh, working a lot better, and, uh, you know, we got to go to them, so you got to learn to make them work. Okay, that's Buddy Parrott, the crew chief, telling us the problems. They're not really problems with Darrell Walker's car. It's just that the car is not working as well as it needs to be. 
Well, none of the drivers or crews had nearly as much practice time as they had hoped to. Normally, they'll get all Friday afternoon here to kind of iron some of the bugs out before they qualify for the first two front row positions. But all the practice and qualifying was rained out on Friday. They did it all yesterday, and it, it apparently has made a big difference. You know, Barney, when we talk about NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National Racing, often in the month of May, it's compared to what's happening out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Everybody knows that at Indianapolis, a win in the 500, well, it's, a fi it's over a million dollars in purse money. But when you sit down and look at the fact that the NASCAR Winston Cuppers are running so many events in the month of May, they are gathering in or have a chance at more than a million dollars in that month with a lot less time being spent at one racetrack and very little travel time because it's from Nashville to Talladega and then here to Dover, Delaware. So it's it, it's almost compar comparable despite the fact that in Indianapolis they're running only one time and that's at the end of May when we're at the World 600, but there's more than a million dollars up for grab for the Winston Cuppers in the month of May. Well, there's a little over four million dollars up for grabs for the entire season this year and many of the drivers getting some of the biggest paydays they've had in the history of stock car racing. There's been a change for second position. Neil Bonnet is scooted by Bobby Allison to appropriate second spot and he begins to put some distance on Allison as Allison either begins to fade or Bonnet begins to turn the wick up on the Purolator Mercury in front of Mike Joy. Well, Neil has been running lower on the racetrack than Bobby. He's been seeming to get around a little bit quicker. And I think he's just decided to run the car a little harder and catch up with Kale. He is still in it down at turn three right on the bottom, and he hasn't lifted a bit. Many people wonder. Third time out for the Purolator team with Neil Bonnet at the controls after that great, great series of seven years of running by David Pearson for Glenn and Leonard Wood. Neil, third time out. Are you ready to win? Well, Barney, you know, if Talladega's any indication of the way the car runs and the way it feels, I'm very optimistic about coming to Dover. I really like the racetrack here. I ran good on different occasions up here, and uh, I've had to chase that thing a lot up here, so uh, there's no doubt it really runs good here. And that car has won the Mason-Dixon 500 with David Pearson in 1978, so yeah, that car technically is the defending champion of this race, and Barney, it looks very strong right now. Well, Bonnet's given the car a good ride here this afternoon, and there's been an awful lot of pressure on him, and there's been a lot of pressure on the Wood Brothers to, to say that they made the right decision, that it was a hard decision to make on replacing David Pearson in the car. But Neil gave it a super ride at Talladega, and it's you know he wants to show them he can do the job because not many young drivers, they work for years and years to get to sit in a car like this. You know, it seems to me as well that we all have to expect these type of changes sooner or later within the front running runners of the organization. Richard Petty, as we said, with on top of the all-time wins list with what now, 187 career victories, but Petty's getting older. Yarborough's getting older, and the young Lions are now beginning to chomp at their rear heels, and pretty soon we're going to see some changes. Pearson just happened to be the first one. Well, if you stop and think about it, some of the best in the business have been in that Wood Brothers car. A.J. Foyt has been in the car. Donnie Allison drove the car for a number of years. Cale Yarborough was their driver for a number of years. Marvin Patch has been in and out of the car over the years. So as far as playing mus musical chairs in a car, I think if Pearson wants to run, there's a ride available for him this year and next year. So I, I really don't think that David will hang it up. I think we'll see him back running some more. Well, a lot of the drivers in the garage here would like to see David Pearson come back, but again, it is Pearson's decision, and he will just have to make that decision. The last word we had is that he will be at Charlotte, North Carolina as a spectator. He'll be running at a short track there, and he's been doing a lot of late model sportsman racing, and Barney, you and I both know that he genuinely enjoys that. And in a lot of ways, he's turned this semi-retirement around for himself and given him a chance to get back to basics for a couple of months. Here at Dover Downs International Raceway, 247 laps are complete in the Mason-Dixon 500. Very shortly in three laps, we will have completed the halfway mark 
for the leader, Cale Yarborough, as he continues to stretch his separation. Jackie, it's what, about 11 seconds? 11.7 seconds. Last lap by Cale Yarborough rounding out of turn number four, and he puts another lap down on Darrell Waltrip in the Gatorade Chevrolet. As Yarborough and his Chevrolet comes across the stripe, he works the 248th, 249th circuit, and he has almost a half-lap advantage now over Neil Bonnet the Pure Light of Mercury. Bonnet rounds out of turn number four and comes to the stripe. We'll give you the separation. It's now 12 and one-tenth seconds, Barney. Now, quickly, things can change at Dover, Delaware. We've just passed the halfway mark in the Mason-Dixon 500. 251 miles are completed in the 500-mile race this afternoon. The leader is Cale Yarbrough, enjoying the biggest margin that anyone has today, a little over 11 seconds. The battle right now is for the number two spot. They run nose to tail between Neil Bonnet and Bobby Allison. Neil is in second, Allison is third, and they continue to ride in a draft around the speedway, and for the moment, they just seem content to ride that way, Mike Joy. Allison turned the wick up a bit, and now he's on the bottom of the track in turn three, and he's coming up. He's underneath Neil Bonnet at four. Bobby Allison doesn't want to ride there any, any longer as he takes the low groove around the speedway, comes down to the bottom of the racetrack, and leads Neil Bonnet across the stripe by half a car length. Now, here comes Bonnet right back as they go door to door, and it looks like we're going to heat up the battle again for the number two spot. The battle for second rounds out of turn two. Allison, bottom of the racetrack comes up and up in the groove with second position. Neil is just one car length back of him as they hit turn three. Allison takes the middle groove this time as they move up into the number three corner. Both cars drift a little high in turn number four, and for the moment, Bonnet does not tuck down to the inside of the racetrack, just shoves the nose right up against the T-Bird and rides the draft back into turn number one. Jackie Root. As they work into turn one, Barney, we watched this. You know, Bobby Allison has always touted Neil Bonnet, and he was one of the happiest drivers on the circuit to see Bonnet get the ride. Bonnet has been touted as well as the protege of Bobby Allison. He ran Allison, entered cars in the late model sportsman and modified circuits of NASCAR for many years and got a lot of his licks in, learned a lot about racing, hanging out with Bobby. They're both from Hueytown, Alabama, as well as brother Donnie Allison, who runs the Hawaiian Tropic team entry. And right now, it's kind of interesting to see Bobby Allison in second position, looking in his rearview mirror and seeing a very potent Neil Bonnet, who was his protege, now running and just chomping at his rear heels. I don't think anybody in the business is prouder of Neil Bonnet than is Bobby Allison and his brother Donnie. They took him under their wing, they encouraged him, and they're probably the reason he is where he is today. Let's update you as well on the, the fortunes of one of your early race leaders, uh, Buddy Baker from Charlotte, North Carolina. Now remember, Baker spun while in the lead in turn number four. He then had a costly pit stop that was unscheduled. He's just completed another costly pit stop. He's come in and changed right side tires, and that Ned Jarrett had to be an unscheduled pit stop as well. Oh, Jackie, Bobby Allison just got up in the marbles in turn two. He came out of turn two a little high, and that's where the dirt and the little tire chunks get up there, and he just almost lost control of the car. He brought it back under control after he got a little bit sideways and back on his way, and he's not been back up that high on the racetrack since. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett on the condition of Buddy Baker's car after that pit stop. Well, actually, that would have been a scheduled pit stop, Jackie, because he had made an unscheduled pit stop earlier, which sort of got him off as far as the other uh, cars are concerned and making stops when they did. So the last one that he made was scheduled. One of the front runners as well in the early going was J.D. McDuffie, but now the report from the pits is that J.D. McDuffie has worn front end bushings, and this is causing excessive tire wear, and that's dropped him out of the front five. In fact, it's dropped him off the front ten as well in that Bailey excavating special, but it was fun to see McDuffie run so strong here at Dover. 
he runs well as he likes this racetrack. He's qualified on the pole here and he's always run in the top five or six at least for at least a couple of hundred miles as long as his tires and his equipment will let him he'll stay up there and run with the front runners and I think everybody in this business would like to see JD get in a first class car and, and really see what he can do. There's so many drivers back in the pack who dream of one day getting a break like Neil Bonnet did. And you know one of the things Barney if you hang out in the garage area for days and days as we do as we go from all the racetracks up and down the eastern seaboard and out west as well you see these young upstarts the new drivers or the independents there's no animosity as well they look to the they look to the well-heeled teams the bush beer teams the purulator teams for advice and it's offered freely there's a lot of esprit de corps a lot more than in most professional sports between the competitors the crew chiefs no matter what team you're on and we've seen it so many times even when a car drops out the pit crews will run over and assist one of the lesser teams to try and keep them in the race and cut down on the time spent on pit road in terms of fast pit stops i guess the only sport that parallels it in that respect would be golf a lot of times a guy's putter or something or his drive will get out of whack and another golfer will move to his aid it's the same thing here in this particular sport barney there was a gesture of that sort made here immediately after the big accident that we had right early in the race dale inman and some of the petty crew came over to buddy parrot's crew knowing that they were a man short this morning before they started and said hey we'll be happy to move over and help you in any way that we can but Dale had already I mean uh, Buddy Parrott had already employed somebody else and didn't need their help but they were ready to go with another of the top teams and help them any way they could. You see that so many times in Winston Cup Grand National Racing coming up on 260 miles into the event this afternoon the Mason Dixon 500 with Yarborough in front Bobby Allison second, Neil Bonnet third. They are in the same lap of competition. Cale with about a 12-second advantage right now. In fourth position, two laps down, being indicated now, is Darrell Waltrip, and riding in fifth spot is Buddy Baker's car. The leader, Cale Yarbrough. He's tough on this racetrack. He's tough on any racetrack. He's won over $8,200, Jackie Root, every time he's averaged that, every time he's took the car on the racetrack here. And that's, he's the leading money winner as far as how much he's won each time out. I think Richard Petty has won more money here than any other driver. Taking a look further on back to Barney, in sixth position is Terry Labonte. In seventh position is Dale Earnhardt. In eighth position is Benny Parsons, while running ninth is Joe Milliken. That's the way they run at 262 miles end of the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs International Speedway this afternoon. $193,000 this year in the bank for Darrell Waltrip and the Gatorade crew. He's the leading money winner on the Winston Cup circuit. He's had a phenomenal year already. He's picked up three pole positions at different speedways around the circuit in that Bush Pole Position Award. He's collected a lot of money from the Bush folks, and he's in good shape right now to collect that $25,000 in cash if he can continue his streak throughout the year. You can't forget as well at the end of the season all the problems that the Die Guard racing team had. Darrell Waltrip wanting to get out of his contract, etc., etc., etc. And this morning they had a unique thing here at, Mar at the Dover Downs International Speedway. They had a chance for the fans to talk directly to Darrell and Stevie Waltrip on the start-finish line. And one of the fans asked him, said, everything that happened last year at the end of the season did it create problems for the team and one of the things that Waltrip said no it built some character in all of us we learned our lessons and it seems to have helped us in our quest for the Winston Cup championship in 1979 I think it's pulled the team together a lot more because as we said earlier in our broadcast everybody in that crew seems to have a just a let's get it done attitude and that's what it takes to win any 
any track you go to. They work, they practice. If he wants to change springs, they'll go out and change those. If they want to change something else in the car, they'll run until the track completely closes and be the first crew at the speedway the next morning. That's what makes a winner in this business. It's also interesting to watch the fortunes of racing teams change as we get further on into the season. With 11 races completed on the Winston Cup Grand National Trail, a lot of people very quietly were beginning to write off the attempts for a fourth national championship on Cale Yarbrough. But Junior Johnson threw it all, and every time you would talk to Junior, he would say, well, we've got some development work going, we're paying our dues, but we're going to learn. And he felt very strongly that the toughest thing that happened was when they lost two cars within two weeks. First at, first at Daytona International Speedway, when they were practicing for the Daytona 500 in a private session, they lost a car that came on fire and it almost wiped out Cale Yarbrough and the entire team. Then they lost one in the race, and I think they went to Rockingham and they had problems and lost a car as well. So that put them behind, but now they've gathered it back up, and they're showing a lot of prowess here at Dover, Delaware, much like they did at Nashville. Well, they had a lot of things to recover from in the early season here, particularly the incident at Daytona that brought a lot of bad publicity on the team and had to demoralize them, you know, having a chance to win the Daytona 500 and watch it crunch when he and Donnie got together. Then they went to Rockingham the next race, and they crashed again about the second or third lap down there, and that put a lot more pressure on them. But they are a slow-starting team. They do it the last two or three seasons. They one maybe early in the season, then have five, six races that are real bad. About the middle of the season, somewhere along about now, everything turns and goes the other way. And it seems to be doing that for Cale Yarborough now. Well, Cale Yarborough is more concerned usually when you talk to him than Junior Johnson is because Johnson is already thinking about November. When you talk to Junior privately, he's already got some development sessions working back in his Ronda, North Carolina garage. And he says, we're pointing to November already, and we're already looking to 1980. Well, he's way ahead of, of almost anybody in this business when it comes to new innovations and trying different things. 271 miles completed in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs. The sun is beginning to pop through a little bit as the clouds break up here. We started the race under overcast conditions, actually ideal racing conditions here, because the heat will really affect you at Dover. It beats you to death physically anyway, and if it's extremely hot, it'll really wear you out. That could possibly have been one of the reasons, Barney, that we saw such torrid action in the first 150 miles or so, because I think a lot of the drivers did not feel that this race would go the distance this afternoon. There was a threat of some shower activity along the coast of Delaware this afternoon. We had some light rain yesterday morning that cleared up. They got in the qualifying in a couple of practice sessions. Most of the cars started with very limited practice. As a matter of fact, they all did, for that matter. Only two short sessions yesterday, one before qualifying and one after. Now, the Benny Parsons car, number 27, the MC Anderson racing machine, crashed late yesterday afternoon. David Ift and the crew did a splendid job on that machine to get it back together, but they started in the dark today. They are still in competition here this afternoon, but they are far back in the field. We'll try to get a rundown from scoring a little bit further back and find out where Parsons has been being indicated, and I think he's been in the top ten a couple of times, so they did a, a whale of a job to piece that car back together, particularly the way the suspension was damaged in the rear of the car. Ned Jarrett can probably update us a little bit more on that. Yes, they, they had to straighten the rear axle housing. A good bit of cheap metal work, uh, damage was done to it, and they had to repair that. They didn't think that the frame was kinked between the wheels. That's between the front and the rear, and that is where it's so critical. But it was a lot of extra work that was taken away from practice time that they normally would have used to set the car up. And he is running one of the Caprice cars here, too, and it seems that they got a little work to do on them when they get on the track of this size. Now, you mentioned a moment ago that the sun was beginning to peek through here. It hasn't come through on all parts of the track yet, but as it does, it'll be interesting to see how it affects the track and if the grooves will change and also if it'll work in 
one driver's favor or another. We've seen that happen in the past, so we'll keep our eyes on it and see what effect it will have. You talk about Benny Parsons. He's been showing consistently in the seventh position, Barney Hall, as they continue to dial in that MC Anderson Racing Chevy Laguna. So a good run for Parsons this afternoon, kind of starting with a lot of unknown quantities on the car after crashing yesterday afternoon when he tried to avoid another spinning car that had blown an engine here in the final practice session. Parsons has started 17 times at Dover. He's a two-time winner here at the Speedway. 277 miles are completed in the Mason-Dixon 500 with Yarborough almost a half a lap on the field right now. Bobby Allison is second, and riding in third position is Neil Bonnet. Then... Two laps down. In fourth spot is Waltrip. Also three laps down now being indicated. Jackie, who's, who are they showing? That's Dale Earnhardt. While also three laps down in sixth position is, is Buddy Baker's car. In seventh spot, as we said, is Benny Parsons. Also three laps down. Terry Labonte in eighth position is three laps down. Then four laps down and a lap by himself is rookie Joe Milliken. In tenth spot is Ricky Rudd. He's five laps off the pace. In eleventh is the Ken Cole mining entry for Lenny Pond. And running twelfth is J.D. McDuffie. Those cars are also five laps off the pace of the leader. Well, it can change quickly here at Dover. As we said earlier, you know, Buddy Baker took off in the lead in case you just joined our broadcast. Some of the most fierce competition I guess we've seen at Dover, and I can't remember when. Even the last 10 laps here have never been run like those first 160 or so between Bobby Allison and Neil Bonnet and Cale Yarborough and Buddy Baker. Now it's kind of stabilized a little bit as we're working the 280th mile of the 500-mile Mason-Dixon 500. Well, yesterday you talked about the fact that these drivers were only given the opportunity to take advantage of two practice sessions, one prior to qualifying and one following. The reason being there was a 100-mile contest for NASCAR's Baby Grand Division as well, and that was a barn burner. And we'll have complete results and report from Mike Joy as part of the Simonized World Racing Scoreboard later today on this broadcast. Right now, Cale Yarborough continues to have things his way here at Dover Downs International Raceway with 280 miles completed in the Mason-Dixon 500. Bobby Allison is in second spot. He's about a half a lap back, and Neil Bonnet rides third. The battle for, the, for that position continues to ride nose to tail, and looks like Bonnet and Allison have continued to just not put any pressure on each other as they twirl around the speedway here. Some of the guys are still running extremely strong. Buddy Arrington, Jackie, who had that super run, and I think there have been more people commented about our broadcast out there about what a run he had, and was he running as good as everybody said? Well, Barney, you asked him yesterday. You said after Talladega, running so close, and, you know, it was not out of the realm of possibility that Arrington could have won he the Winston won the 500. Race. He asked him yesterday, he said, what does a driver, an independent like yourself, dream about in this business of Winston Cup Grand National Racing? I want to race, Barney, and, and I sure would like to win one before I quit, which I ain't no ain't close to quitting unless some kind of misfortune come along. But uh, uh, I just I don't want to, you know, I'd like to win all I could. But if I could just win one race, uh, that would be the most the greatest thing I've ever done. And you know, Talladega the other Sunday was one of the greatest things I've done since I've been racing. And we come close to up there, and uh, uh, who knows, I might get a chance to get that close again, or I might do better. But uh, it was really a good feeling to run up there like we run, and, and I couldn't have been no more happier, or the crew couldn't have been no more happier, and, and everybody concerned couldn't have been no more happy if we had a one race. I think if you point towards the Firecracker 400 on July 4th, let's not forget the fact that Arrington qualified very well in terms of speed for the Daytona 500. He encountered problems during the 125-mile qualifying race, but that Dodge Magnum seems to run super strong on the big super speedways, Daytona and Talladega. That's a new car that he bought from Richard Petty, and it is a first-class machine that he will bear watching as the season goes on. 290 miles will be coming up the next time around for leader Cale Yarbrough, and it looks like he's about to catch Neil Bonnet and put 
him a lap down as they work down to the number one corner. Let's pick that up with Mike Joy. He's been reeling bonded in, Barty, at about three or four car lengths every lap. That gap stands now. It looks like less than a second. It's about 10 to 15 car lengths as Yarbrough works it into the number three turn, tracking down Neil Bond at the third place car. Well, a big change here at Dover. Remember, just a few miles ago, or about 50 or 60 miles ago, it was Bonnet challenging Kale and Bobby Allison for that front position. Now, after that last pit stop, he has fallen off the pace, and Yarbrough has set sail like a rabbit being chased by a pack of hound dogs, as he now has chopped it down on Neil Bonnet, threatens to put him a lap down. He's about eight car lengths back as they work the back stretch. Again, Yarborough knocks it down four or five car lengths with every lap, and they're running about the same line around the racetrack. Neil can't go to the bottom, as now Yarborough is on the bottom, and he looks to lap him this time by. Here comes Cale, takes the inside groove out of the corner. Let's see how much resistance Neil Bonnet can put on Cale Yarborough to keep himself in the same lap with the leader. They head back down into turn number one, and the interval drops to two car lengths. They work race traffic at turn one, both way up high on the racetrack. Swing wide out of two with Yarborough right on the bumper of the Purelator Mercury. Single file down the backstretch into turn three, and Kale looks to the bottom again. Kale Yarborough gets a good hard look to the inside, pulls up alongside the Purelator Mercury. He's rim riding down low and losing ground quickly is Neil Bonnet. Bonnet will go a lap down at the start-finish line with 293 laps completed. As they work back into the number one turn, there are only two cars in the lead lap now. Cale Yarborough is the leader. Bobby Allison is second, and Allison is not too far ahead, about five seconds ahead of Cale Yarborough. But pit stop should be coming up very shortly. The last time they were in, I think, was around the 220-lap mark, somewhere in that range. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Yes, they should be coming in within the next 15 or so laps, I think, Barney. And it wouldn't surprise me to see the front-running cars take on all four tires. Ricky Rudd who stopped about 10 laps before they did the last time, was just in about three laps ago, and he did take on all four tires. The last time when they pitted, they only took on right side tires, so those left side tires have been taking the beating. They probably will need to take on all four. Barney, when you take a look at the way the Bush Beer Chevrolet, remember we've had an Oldsmobile beneath those colors for all year, and of course last year when he ran for first National City Traveler's Checks, you've got to wonder, will they take the Oldsmobile or will they take the Chevrolet when they go to the World 600? Kale's been very strong, and Kale would like nothing better than to bring back to Junior Johnson that $15,000 pole award that goes up for grabs this coming Wednesday, and they both would like nothing better than to win the World 600. And last year's World 600 winner had a Monte Carlo. That was Waltrip. So which would you use if you had to pick? Would you bring the Oldsmobile or this new Monte Carlo? Why don't we go to an expert on that and ask Ned Jarrett? Well, I think they got a, it's quite a decision that they're going to have to make. I believe that they figured the Oldsmobile might be the best car for qualifying. But the way this Monte Carlo has performed here today, I'd say that uh, when they're looking towards trying to win the World 600, that they might take it. And it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them there in this Monte Carlo and maybe try to build a super strong engine to put in it for the qualifying efforts. Well, the kind of money they're posting for the pole position down there, there are a lot of super qualifying engines being put together to take to Charlotte Motor Speedway for that World 600 pole. We'll be talking to some of the drivers about that, particularly Neil Bottet a little bit later. We had a chance to talk to him about how much pressure it puts on him because, remember, David Pearson had planked that car of the Wood Brothers, a pure later car, on the pole at Charlotte for the last 11 times we've been there. 
Of course, we will be there starting with a special pre-race broadcast going to selected stations on Saturday afternoon, and we'll be bringing you all the action of the World 600 next Sunday afternoon. That's the next MRN broadcast scheduled for our listeners throughout the United States of America. Right after that, we head out to Texas World Speedway for the first time in a long time, Barney Hall. The Texas 400 goes to post on June 3rd. MRN will be there as well as the Napa Riverside 400 on June 10th. These are all Winston Cup Grand National events as well as the Gabriel 400 on June 17th. Then we will be covering the United States Auto Club racing action from Pocono International Raceway on Sunday, June 24th with the running of the Music 400. Your second place car is on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett to cover the action. A scheduled pit stop for Bobby Allison in the Hodgson Ford T-Bird. The slides are into the pits and the Budmore crew go to work on the right side. First of all, we'll see if they do plan to change those left side tires because they got to be heated up and they got to be warm. Bud Moore and the crew have gone to work. They drop him off the jack, and yes, Ned, they're going to change all four. Yes, that was expected, really, because the left sides have been on there now for 200 miles, or almost 200 miles, and that's about as far as you can go on this race side, on, the, on this racetrack with left side tires. It probably made a difference, too, Ned, in the fact that he looked in his rearview mirror and saw that Cale Yarborough was closing the gap and could have put him a lap down, so he elected to pit anyway. Very definitely. He's down off the jacks and away now. 27 and 4 tenths seconds, the stop for your second place runner, Bobby Allison and Warner Hodgson's National Engineering Thunderbird. Coming off the banking in turn four, Cale Yarborough pits the lead car, Ned Jarrett. And the Junior Johnson crew go to work. Had to go to the right side first, but I believe, too, they're planning to change all four. We'll see as they get those right side changes before they fill her up with gasoline. Neil Bonnet should be coming in before too long. This should put Neil back in the lead now, or at least in the lead left, as he was a left down. Here comes Bonnet across the start-finish line. Kale continues to sit in the pits, and they are changing tires all the way around. Bobby Allison took on four, and Kale Yarborough will take on four, and I'm sure the Wood Brothers' pure later car will also receive four tires. The cars have held up exceptionally well here this afternoon. As, cars, as hard as these cars have been running, Kale Yarborough is off the deck and now back in the running. In 31 and 5 tenths seconds, the stop for Junior Johnson and the Bush Beer people. About four seconds slower than the Bobby Allison crew of Bud Moore in that Hodgson T-Bird. 305 miles about to be completed in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs International Raceway. And swinging across the stripe, Neil Bonnet in the car. And they're waiting on pit road, the Wood Brothers of Stewart, Virginia, who have had the reputation in the last few years of being the fastest pit crew in the business. But, Ned, I think almost anybody. There's at least half a dozen teams in there that can match those speeds that they used to turn in now. The Wood Brothers standing by for Neil Bonnet's machine. They're out on pit road waiting for him. Crew standing up on pit wall looking for Neil Bonnet's car and whether he's going to come in this time or make one more, we'll find out. Here comes Bobby Allison out of turn number four. He took on four tires on his pit stop. Cale Yarborough was in. He took four tires all around. Here comes Cale out of that fourth corner and crosses the stripe as we are past 305 miles in the Mason-Dixon 500. Here's Waltrip's car coming out of pit road, the Gatorade machine, and they were showing three laps off the pace the last time we had a rundown from scoring. And, of course, this is a scheduled pit stop for Darrell Waltrip also. Glenn Wood has been checking with his uh, pit score. Most of these top teams will have a score in the pits. Of course, it's not official. They have two scores in their NASCAR scoring stand checking on them, but they keep laps so that they'll know when to pit. And Glenn is wondering, well, why did those other cars come in? They should have been able to run another five or six laps. And he's going to leave Neil out there a few more laps, hoping to catch a caution flag. 
It could be a break for Neil Bonnet if they could. Here he comes out of turn number four. He does not elect to bring the car in this time. As Ned Jarrett just reported, they are in radio contact with Bonnet. And you heard him say as in an interview we did earlier that he stays in radio contact with him. They talked to him all during the race, kind of planned their strategy, worked together. And that two-way radio has made a tremendous difference in the last couple of years in the strategy of winning or losing a race. We They're now giving uh, or saying two laps until they bring Neil in. We talked about the World 600 and the fact that the Pure Later Mercury has won the pole there. It races for Charlotte Motor Speedway the last 11 times. And you asked Neil Bonnet, Barney Hall, yesterday, has he, he thought about winning the pole for the World 600 for the Wood Brothers? Well, you know, I've always put a lot of emphasis. Even when I was with Harry, we used to try to sit on the pole a lot. And I've always put a lot of effort into qualifying. And even back in sportsman, I used to sit on the pole, set a lot of track records and everything. So I've got myself oriented to try to run good hard laps qualifying. And, uh, you know, if there's ever been pressure, I guess it'll be at Charlotte for the pole, you know, because how do you duplicate what Pearson's doing year in and year out? The guy goes down there and does a super job just like there's nothing to it. And now I'm going to be put in a position where I'm going to have to go down there and I'm going to have to try to do an equal job, try to sit on the pole again. And I'm going down there with intentions of doing it. And if I can do it or not, we'll have to see. That's the voice of Neil Bonnet, who right now leads here in the Mason Dixon 500. 309 laps are completed. Now Bobby Allison has made his pit stop. Cale Yarborough has made his stop. Bonnet has not been in, so he has inherited the lead in the Mason Dixon race. But they are waiting on pit road. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett and find out any indication when they will bring him in. Well, they're still huddling in the pits. Now, just a moment ago, Glenn uh, looked over at his score and said, uh, we need to come in in two more laps. They shook their head affirmative. But now he has run three laps since that time, and he's still staying out there. Glenn has walked back over to Grover Atkin, who is uh, keeping the score in the pits. Now there's activity there. They've got the tires up on the wall, so they are fixing to bring him in very shortly. But here comes Neil Bonnet, the leader out of the fourth corner, crosses the stripe. Chip Warren giving the passing flag down to car number 25, Ronnie Thomas, to move over and give Bonnet plenty of room as he scoots down into the number one corner. And he's beginning to run a little high on the racetrack, Ned, and it looks like the tires may be going away on that machine. So they will be bringing him in very shortly. We see that Eddie Wood has stepped out on the pit road with a pit board. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. I believe they might be coming in this time around. I think they've given uh, Neil that signal, and if he responds, he should be as he comes off of the fourth turn. This time, he's coming into the pit. Yes, he is, and this is a scheduled pit stop for Neil Bonnet and the Wood Brothers. Now, it'll be interesting to see if they also choose to change all four tires. Yes, no, they're only going to the left side. Now, this is a different kind of strategy than what we've seen here. The left side tires have run 200 miles. The right side tires have only been on for 100 miles. So the Wood Brothers and a very quick pit stop, 12 and 16 seconds. Neil Bonnet is away. And Neil Bonnet is on the same lap with the leader, Cale Yarbrough. Yarbrough rounds out of turn number four as Bonnet tries to come up to full song as he goes to turn one. And this will put Bonnet on the same lap with the leader again as we begin to sort things out. 21 is your leader. The Pure Later Mercury of Neil Bonnet comes in, as Ned Jarrett told you, for left side rubber. They elect to leave the right sides out there for another 100 miles, and he holds on to the lead. The change... And the way the strategy of this race is suddenly shaped up for Neil Bonnet, the Wood Brothers gambled a moment ago. Ned Jarrett told you they changed only two tires. Now, he was a lap down. That two-tire change instead of four put him back in the same lap with leader Cale Yarborough right now. And he is in the lap with the lead car, Cale Yarborough. Those are the only two cars in the lead lap. Are Yarborough the leader? Bonnet riding second. Being shown a lap off the pace right now is Bobby Allison. 
And in fourth position, two laps down, is Buddy Baker. And that would tentatively give to fifth position to Dale Earnhardt in the Australian Racing Team entry as these rookies continue to run for that $10,000 First National City Traveler's Checks Rookie of the Year prize. And that's one of the most torrid contests we've seen in the past years, Barney, between Joe Milliken, Dale Earnhardt, and some of the others, Harry Gant also going for the rookie and crown. And Terry Labonte. And Terry Labonte. And it's, it's one of the best races for that crown that we've ever seen, as well as for the Winston Cup in 1979. I think they're some of the best young talent on the circuit right now in that rookie division that we've seen probably in 10 or 15 years since back about the early 60s. With 322 miles complete here at Dover Downs International Speedway, Cale Yarborough continues to let everybody look at his rear bumper here this afternoon and chase him as we go into the final 200 miles of the race. Remember, Cale has started 12 times at Dover. He's won three times here, going after his fourth victory oh, today. Trouble in turn two, a car sideways and slid down to the apron. That's the Steve Pele's car, number 34, the Chevrolet. He got sideways in turn two and got it down to the apron without incident. But the car is sitting there. He's been unable to fire it as yet. And that will bring out another caution. Starter Chip Warren is waving the flag furiously to the entire field as they come beneath his starter stand. And that will be the fourth caution of the afternoon on the 323rd circuit. So everybody backs out of the throttle. Cale Yarborough backs out. And this will be costly for Bobby Allison. If Allison could have beat Cale Yarborough to the line, he would have regained that lap. He's in arrears running in the third position. But he was unable to do so. Yarborough pulls onto pit road as well as Allison. And that will move Neil Bonnet into the front spot. Bonnet will appropriate the lead during this caution period. And the strategy of the Wood Brothers, Jackie, worked perfectly just changing those left side tires. Now they get an opportunity to come in and change the right side under the caution. We're in the garage area. We could not get close enough to Darrell Waltrip's car to report from it, but the problem is that the engine is gone on the Gatorade Chevrolet. They're in the process of changing it to get him back in the action. So the Weston Cup point leader, Darrell Waltrip, is out of the action right now with a blown engine, but they are changing. Well, they have made the change as well of tires on Cale Yarborough's car. Now, before the display of the caution, Yarborough was your leader. And until Neil Bonnet makes his presence known on pit road, he will be dropped back to second position. But at the present time, it is just a matter of time, Barney, we would think, for Neil Bonnet to make his way onto pit road because he will have to take on those left side tires sooner or later. Well, he is back in the pack of the traffic as the caution car leads him out of that fourth turn. He is down on the apron of the track and does intend to bring the car in this time. So here he comes down on pit road, and they will get the chance to change those right side tires on the Neil Bonnet machine. Let's go to Ned Jarrett again. I guess They're Ned... Looking. They're looking for Kale Yarborough to come back in in the Bush Beer Osmobile to make another tire change on it, although he was just in the lap before but they want to have four brand new tires on that car, but Yarborough did not come in. Now they're saying, okay, just stay out there. Everything is okay. With 325 miles complete, this is the fourth caution flag of the day here at Dover Downs International Speedway. This one coming out on Steve Palis's car when he spun over in turn number two. For a little more information on that, let's go back to Mike Joy. Steve got the car sideways, and it slid down the banking, of course, onto the track apron. He sat there for a minute or two. Of course, that necessitated the caution flag. After the flag had been out, the field began to bunch up under the caution car. Pelis was able to fire the car and bring it back around towards pit road. 
So that is the reason for the fourth caution flag this afternoon. Let's again tell you some of the cars that are out of competition. Elmo Langley has parked his car. Jimmy Means involved in a crash with Richard Childress. Both those cars are in the garage. Richard Petty was also involved in that fourth lap collision down in turn one that sidelined the STP Oldsmobile here this afternoon. Harry Gant has parked car number 47, and Ty Scott is another one of the cars that have retired. Well, we've got the signal from starter Chip Warren, one to go next time. By the start-finish line, we will be back to green flag racing, a very opportune caution flag, as Ned Jarrett told us, for the Neil Bonnet entry, the fortunes of Neil Bonnet, the Purelator Mercury. They're going very well right now. We pause now for station identification. Getting ready to go back to green at Dover International Speedway. 326 miles are complete in the Mason-Dixon 500. Cale Yarborough is the leader. Neil Bonnet is second. Bobby Allison will be third. Buddy Baker fourth. And the rookie driver from Kannapolis, North Carolina, Dale Earnhardt, showing in fifth position. Now, just the front two are still being indicated in the same lap, but we'll get another rundown from scoring momentarily and find out exactly how they stand back through the field. But it appears right now after that rash of stops under the caution, with the Wood Brothers having a chance to change tires all the way around and put Neil Bonnet four new tires on. He'll go after Cale Yarbrough when they drop the green. Caution car has him in tow in front of Mike Joy. The safety car just about to drop down on the track. He's up in turn three and staying up there pretty high, allowing the field to bunch behind him as they tighten up two wide. Cale and Neil Bonnet in the high side. Pace car drops down, and we're back towards green racing. Field comes up to full throttle out of that fourth corner. Yarborough comes up through the gearbox trying to get away from Neil Bonnet. No way he can do it. As they head down into turn number one, they lead the pack. Just one car lake separate first and second position as Neil Bonnet goes after the leader, Cale Yarborough. With fresh tires, both the leaders running right on the bottom of the racetrack. They swing wide up out of turn two, up close to the wall, and Bonnet is going for it on the backstretch. Into turn three, he is underneath Yarborough. Neil Bonnet takes it down to the bottom of the speedway. Will it stick there for him? Cale not giving an here they come out of turn number four, and Bonnet has him by half a car length as they hit the stripe. Neil Bonnet leads the 328th circuit around the Dover Downs International Speedway. New leader, Neil Bonnet in the Purelator car. Cale settles for second. They work turn two. Out of two, Bonnet again comes right down to the track, apron and two before he swings up high. Yarborough worked close up to the wall, looking for a bit on the outside and didn't get it. Bonnet leads the field into turn three. So the strategy of the Wood Brothers has worked at Dover Downs, and right now the youngster from Hueytown, Alabama, leads Cale Yarborough to the strike. Tough break for Bobby Allison. He is making an unscheduled pit stop. Let's go to Ned and it looks like the right front tire on that car was flat as it came down pit road. The, wood, the Bud Moore crew goes to work on the right side, changing, and yes, that right front tire was flat. So apparently Bobby Allison has run over something on the track and cut that tire down. Leader right now is young Neil Bonnet, part of the Alabama gang from Hueytown, Alabama, and he has given the car a whale of a ride here this afternoon, a good gamble or a a calculated risk, so to speak, on the Wood Brothers' part a moment ago when they changed only the two tires. They caught a caution flag, came back in, were able to change and make a four-tire change all the way around, and it has put him into the lead right now as Cale Yarborough chases him here at Dover Downs. With 335 miles complete, those are the only two cars in the lead lap. Bonnet out front, Cale riding second, Buddy Baker being indicated as the third-place car. In fourth position is Bobby Allison. Dale Earnhardt is in fifth spot. In sixth spot is Benny Parsons. Seventh to Terry Labonte. Eighth position belongs to Joe Milliken. Ninth to J.D. McDuffie. In 
10th position is the Ken Cole mining car for Lenny Pond. In 11th is Ronnie Thomas. James Hilton is 12th, 13th to Cecil Gordon. In 14th position is Baxter Price, 15th to Nelson Oswald, 16th to Tommy Gale in Elmo Langley's prepared Sonny King Ford Honda. Ford, and then running in the 17th spot is Frank Warren. 18th spot belongs to Buddy Arrington. The average speed, 112.436 miles per hour. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. I just checked with Glenn Wood on the Pure Later Mercury to ask him if they made a change, a chassis change during that pit stop, and he said, no, we just took on all four tires, and it's showing the strength now that it had shown earlier in the race, but they are content with the way the car has been running, and it's running okay right now because he's out front. Well, Cale Yarbrough is not giving him any breathing room here at Dover Downs this afternoon. He's chomped on the bumper right behind him, rides right there, takes the outside groove this time, and Yarbrough looks as though every time around he might be going to snatch the lead away, Mike Joy. He keeps looking on the outside, Barney. The groove has moved right back down to the bottom of the racetrack. As Neal goes into three, he is just hugging the track apron, and Cale is right on his bumper. Well, as these two cars draft off each other, work traffic around the speedway here at Dover, they continue to put a lot of separation right now on the third-place car, but Baker, he is being shown as two laps down, so they have the racetrack all to themselves, so to speak, but a two-lap advantage here at Dover with still some 170 miles to go, 160 miles to go, is not much of an advantage because it can evaporate so quickly, but right now it's young Neil Bonnet showing the way with Cale riding in second spot. Two car links separate first and second position. Jackie Root. When you remember, too, that Cale Yarbrough had himself a four-lap advantage in one of these Mason-Dixon 500 several years ago, and he had the engine expire on the machine machine in the late portions of this race and Richard Petty came back to win and it was so unique because the the scoreboard was up to about I think 480 laps when Cale Yarbrough's car went awry and they had to back it up until Richard Petty could make up the laps that he was in arrears. Things happen quickly here. There's no question about it. You lose a lap, it's hard to get it back, but this is such a torture test on machinery that it can the car itself can go away at any time as well. Well, we've seen that happen to all, all three of the front runners. Bobby Allison just wore the field out the first couple of hundred miles, or about the first 175 miles. Then he's had problems on the car, now finds himself back in fourth position, two laps off the pace. Buddy Baker has moved up to third position. Baker took off when they dropped the green flag and looked like he was just going to leave the field, but apparently the tires heated up or something went wrong in the car, and it spun with him over in turn number three. Baker's been kind of loose this week. He's looking forward to getting down to Charlotte to the World 600 next week, and I asked Buddy yesterday morning, is it still as much fun for you to run against these drivers? Oh, Barney, I'll have to be honest. The day that I crawl into a race car and I don't enjoy it anymore, I'll quit because uh, that is the thing that I get out of racing. Uh, prize money's fine, and I, uh, of course, you know, that's the whole idea of the game, but I still enjoy racing. I enjoy competing, and uh, I just like racing, period. I've brought up in it, and I enjoy it. And the day that I crawl through that window and run a whole race and get out and say, well, I don't enjoy I didn't enjoy any part of that race. Uh, I'll put her down. I'll, I'll try to join y'all on the broadcast when that happens. Well, we'll take his application after this race then. Well, shortly there will be 150 miles remaining in the Mason-Dixon 500. We're working 346 miles at the present time here at Dover Downs Speedway. The sun continues to try and pop through, but there's quite a gathering of clouds over the speedway. Let's check in with Ned. It doesn't seem to have warmed up that much, Ned Jarrett. No, not really. There's a nice breeze stirring here, and the sun is in and out, but there's no threats whatsoever of any rain. I don't think that... The fact that the sun is in and out, that it's affected the racetrack that much. However, it looks like they're running a little bit lower than they were a little bit earlier. 
Also, a change of engines for the Gatorade Racing Team. It's been accomplished very quickly, Ned Jarrett, because that car is back out on the racetrack. Yes, it has, uh, Jackie, in about between 15 and 16 minutes. That's a fantastic job by Buddy Parrott and uh, the crew with the Gatorade Team. So Waltrip's crew puts an engine in the car, as we've seen Cale Yarbrough do in the last two or three years so many times at Pocono, down at Charlotte, North Carolina, and some of the other tracks when he was running for the national driving title for the Winston Cup Point Championship. That's how important it is. That's how much it means prestige-wise and money-wise to these drivers. They'll go in the garage and change a complete engine and come back out onto the racetrack. Also, Barney, you've got to remember, too, that there's been a lot of controversy. Should they be allowed to change engines or shouldn't they? Some drivers and some crews feel that they shouldn't and others feel that they should. But when you've got that kind of money up for grabs and when you've got race fans that drive three and 400 miles to come to a race, I think they deserve to see the superstars go for it and go the distance. And if that's what it takes to change an engine, then let's post the money for the Winston Cup Grand National Championship. Let's make it strong enough that they will come back out if they should have an engine expire or something go awry early in the race. So Waltrip is back into competition here at Dover Downs International Way Raceway. And remember, this is the second engine change they have made in two weeks. They did it at Nashville, Tennessee last Saturday night. Well, they had gone such a long time without engine problems with the Gatorade racing team. Daryl Waltrip had told us that it had been an awfully long time before they had to go undergo an engine change and then have two go awry in a row. That's got to be a little unique for the team, for Daryl Waltrip and Buddy Parrott and the rest of the crew chiefs. And, you know, it just... <coughs> I wonder, maybe all of a sudden, if it's going to develop some mechanical gremlins and they're going to have these problems. You almost have a change for the lead. As they come across the start-finish line, it's a dead heat between Neil Bonnet and Cale Yarborough. Heading off into the number one corner, Bonnet down to the bottom of the racetrack. Cale on the outside as they move to Mike Joy. Yarborough has been scratching in the high groove to move up on Bonnet. And this time around, he's running side-by-side side as someone's engine let go up in turn four. Yarborough takes the outside groove and an engine letting go here That's on Cecil, Cecil Gordon's, Gordon's car, car coming out of the corner. We do not see the caution being displayed as Gordon takes it down to the bottom of the racetrack. Here they come to the stripe. Yarborough leads them across. Bonnet is in second position. As they head back into turn number one, it looks like something has happened to Cecil Gordon's car. We don't see any liquid on the speedway, and the caution now is coming out of the track. And this will be a race back to the yellow flag because the caution was displayed after the leaders went by. Yarbrough gets in the throttle quickest. He goes through that area where the oil has been laid down in turn number four. Bonnet thinking better of it and just staying out of the throttle and letting Yarbrough come to the stripe, your leader. So that will be what, Barney, the fifth caution of the afternoon? That is the fifth caution flag being brought out on lap number 353 when Cecil Gordon loses an engine coming out of turn number four. Taking a look at how they're running as we get prepared for a resumption here after they lay down that speedy dry, it would be Cale Yarbrough, your leader. It would be the pure later Mercury for Neil Bonnet running in second there in a lap by themselves. Buddy Baker, two laps down, is being shown in third. Bobby Allison is fourth. Dale Earnhardt is in fifth position. Sixth goes to Benny Parsons. Seventh goes to Joe Milliken. Eighth to Terry Labonte. Ninth to J.D. McDuffie. In tenth is Ricky Rudd. In eleventh is Lenny Pond. Uh, Ronnie Thomas will be running twelfth. And Daryl Waltrip, can you believe this? They are showing him running in thirteenth position despite the engine change. That is a very good possibility because he had pushed the button on the car all afternoon and despite the fact that they lost several laps in the pits. Both of the leaders are in the pits now for a change of right side tires and it'll be a battle to see who can get out first. Now the Wood Brothers are going with all four. They're going to the left side too. Junior Johnson and his crew, I believe, are also going through with uh, four tires on the that car. So it'll be a battle to see who gets out first because Cale has had a tough time passing the Mercury. 
when it was in front. And now Dale Bonnet is down and away and running. Both of them are heading out, and it looks like Cale will get out first, Ned. As he comes out onto the apron of the track, he will get out ahead of Neil Bonnet. So both of them with four tire change, four, a four-tire change. So they'll be in good shape now. They will have to make one more pit stop after this, so they cannot go the rest of the way. And it's been a topsy-turvy race. Bobby Allison has looked like he might run away with it for a while. Cale Yarbrough's had his moment, and he's still having it. Darrell Waltrip has had his problems all afternoon, and Neil Bonnet has been the star of the show off and on throughout the afternoon in the Purelator car. But right now, we are under the fifth caution flag of the afternoon at Dover Downs International Speedway. 356, make it 357 miles, have just been flashed on the scoreboard. The CRC chemical scoreboard directly ahead of us here at Dover this afternoon. Pit stops have been made by all the front runners and all the back markers, for that matter. They're ready to go racing again to clean up truck. Looks like he's going to have to put stay dry down all the way around the speedway. Let's go to Mike Joy for a report on that. They are doing that on the backstretch, Barney. However, Cecil Gordon, once the engine let go, kept the car pretty low on the track. And by the time he got to turn three, he was well down on the apron. So once the speedy dry is down, it should not affect the running of the leaders through this area too much. Well, Marnie Hall, as we talked week in and week out about the Elmo Langley team, where Tommy Gale does most of the super speedway driving for the Sunny King Honda Ford, entry number 64, they've made a switch. The second platoon is in. Tommy Gale is out of the car, and he, Elmo Langley has gotten cinched up and strapped up in that car, and standing by with Ned Jarrett is the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania runner Tommy Gale. And, Jackie, he's one of the toughest drivers on the circuit, but there's a reason why he got out of the car. Tommy, tell us why you got out of the car number 64. Ned one of the oil line, the connection going back to the tanks got a seeping leakage in it right there next to the driver's compartment at the connection. And the fumes been, ever since about the 100th lap, they've been really getting worse and worse. That's why we stopped the last two times for oil, but it just got too much for me. Looked like you got a little sick, maybe. I started to get awful dizzy, so I figured I'd better get out and let Elmo get in for a while. Well, you go rest. We've had uh, Tommy leaning against the fence here as we talk to him, and we appreciate you stopping by under those conditions. But Tommy is okay, just feeling a little bit bad. Elmo is back in the pits right now to get the rest of his, to be sure that all of his safety paraphernalia is hooked up and they're cleaning the windshield and checking everything out, and then he'll be going back into the action. Well, that's the voice of Tommy Gale, and he sounds like he is wore out, Jackie Root. Well, this racetrack will tear you down. You asked Buddy Baker about it yesterday, and you said, is it as tough as they say, Dover, Delaware? Is it the incredible mile of torture test? I'll be quite frank with you. I think here in uh, Rockingham and Arlington, to me, and I throw Bristol in there, it's, uh, it's one of the top four as far as the physical uh, beating that you take. I've, I have finished races here when I didn't care who won it. Uh, just as long as it was over because it's 500 laps and you, even the straightaways here are banked as much as most racetracks are in the corner and, and you really don't have any time to to kind of relax down the straightaways even. You're getting ready um, for the next corner and <clears throat> really it's, it's very tough. I, I've been in a, a shower room here and and uh, the first four or five cars, all of us sitting in there on the floor, we couldn't even make it into the shower. It's a, it's a tough racetrack and uh, when you beat this one, you beat a pretty tough one. That's Buddy Baker talking about how tough it is to win here at Dover, Delaware. We're under caution for the fifth time this afternoon, coming up on 360 miles complete. Barney, we have to award the Goodies Headache Award again, $250 going to the driver or the crew member or whoever that's part of the competitive team that fields a car for this Mason-Dixon 500. If we had to pick one now, who would you pick? This is going to be a tough one this day. It really is. I think, well... 
Richard Petty had his problems because they had worked awfully hard yesterday and they brought the Oldsmobile here hoping they could have a good finish with it. They did as much work as possible and this morning through no fault of his own a collision occurred here on about the fourth or fifth lap down in turn one and put him out. I think I'd vote for Petty. What about a Ned Jarrett if you had to pick a winner although we cannot vote who would you cast your vote for today for the Goody's Headache Award? Well, a fellow's walking towards me here right now who caused this caution to come out, and that's Cecil Gordon of Forest City, North Carolina. He's got to have a headache right now. Cecil, we were just talking about the vote for the Goody Headache Award, although we don't have a vote on that. But uh, when that engine went up, you had to have a pretty good headache. It gave me a headache, there's no doubt about it. What really happened? Do you know? It looks like we broke a crankshaft. We've been having a little trouble with crankshafts in the small block Chevrolet's for the last year or two, but that's what happened. Broke a crank. Cecil, about uh, mid-season last year, you switched from a Chevrolet to Oldsmobile. Has it been going as good as you had expected? Well, really, it, it didn't really help us all that much, you know. Uh, it helped on a few racetracks, but on average, you know, it really didn't do that much for us. Well, we hope to see you back in Charlotte next week. I'll be there. That's Cecil Gordon. Mike Joy, who would you pick for the Goodies Headache Award today? I'll go with Ty Scott, Jackie. It's been a rough week for him. He stuffed the car into the wall Saturday morning, was unable to qualify, and was working well up through the field this afternoon when Joe Milliken spun out the second turn. All of a sudden, Ty found his front bumper in the back seat of James Hilton's car, and he was out of the race. He's come into this season with a very positive attitude, and he's done some real strong race driving, and it just hasn't been his way this week or the past couple of weeks. I'll go for Ty Scott. Well, my vote this year, this week, is going to go for Jimmy Means because Means has had just a litany of problems as he tries to pursue his Winston Cup Grand National career, and that car is bent and torn up pretty good, and as they get ready for the World 600, I'm sure Jimmy Means is going to have his hands full trying to field it. Let's recap for you how they're running under this caution. We are showing Cale Yarbrough, your leader, Neil Bonnet, running in second. Bobby Allison is in third. In fourth spot is Buddy Baker, fifth to Dale Earnhardt, sixth would belong to Benny Parsons, seventh to Joe Milliken. In eighth is Terry Labonte. In ninth is J.D. McDuffie. Ricky Rudd is tenth. Eleventh would be Lenny Pond. In twelfth position is D.K. Ulrich. Buddy Arrington is thirteenth. Fourteenth is now being shown as the number 19 entry, being driven by Steve Gray of Rome, Georgia. That's the Belden Asphalt Buick that is also entered by Steve. In 15th position is James Hilton. Baxter Price runs 16th, 17th to Nelson Oswald. And running 18th is Elmo Langley, who has relieved Tommy Gale. That's the way they're running at 362 miles, complete in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs. A lengthy caution flag being brought out on Cecil Gordon's machine when he unhinged an engine and put a lot of moisture and oil on the track almost all the way around as the stay dry is being applied to the speedway. Let's go to Mike Joy and see how they're coming in the back straightaway on that little project. The speedy dry truck is just now starting to make its second pass down the backstretch, and all of that has pretty much settled down to the track apron. So by the time they get to green, the truck is running around now, just running off the last bit of that speedy dry. He'll go back to his position, and when we get back to green flag racing, the track should be clear and clean here in the backstretch. Well, just about everybody has been in and pitted. They came in on lap 354, and Ed Jarrett said a moment ago, and we concur with that, of course, they will have to make one more pit stop before the race is over here this afternoon, and whether they'll make it under green or under caution remains to be seen. When they make those green flag pit stops, it puts a lot of pressure on the crew, particularly if it's the final one of the day. Barney, as we take a look at this 350 laps or 363 that have been completed now, this has been one of the better Mason-Dixon 500 in terms of com competition. We saw it in the early going and then Baker spinning and 
and then we saw that battle back and forth between Cale Yarborough and Bobby Allison. The Winston Cup Grand National Trail in 1979 is hotter than ever. And if we take a look at the next race, it's the World 600 at Charlotte, North Carolina on May 27th. From there, we all trek down to Texas World Speedway in College Station, Texas for the Texas 400. On June 10th, the Napa Riverside 400 from Riverside, California. The Gabriel 400 from the Michigan International Speedway in Brooklyn, Michigan is scheduled for Sunday, June 17th. On July 4th, it's the Firecracker 400, the nation's biggest Independence Day celebration at the birthplace of speed, the Daytona Beach Resort area, Daytona International Speedway. Then the Nashville 420, a night race from Nashville, Tennessee. The Coca-Cola, that will be on June, July 14th. The Coca-Cola 500 from Pocono, Pennsylvania takes the green flag on Sunday, July 29th. August 5th, it's the Talladega 500 from Talladega, Alabama. And then August 19th, it's back to MIS in Brooklyn, Michigan for the running of the Champion Spark Plug 400. So it's going to be a busy year for the Winston Cup drivers. They'll be traveling all over the United States, and you'll have a chance to see them in your vicinity. Sometime during the year, you sure want to see a Winston Cup Grand National event. Darrell Waltrip lost an engine on his car a little bit earlier, Jackie. They went into the garage. It's the second weekend in a row. They've changed an engine on that car to put him back in. He always runs well here, and he's took off on just about every time he's been here and led the race, but he's never won here. I asked him yesterday why he felt he'd never won on this track. You know, it's, it's funny. This is... I do the worst here, I guess, of any place we've raced. I've, I've had probably the worst finishes overall here of any other racetrack that I've raced on. Uh, I don't necessarily dislike the racetrack. It's a track that should be relatively easy for me to drive. I have experience on tracks of this type, a lot of experience. But I just uh, always seem to have bad luck or else I have the handling is, is not exactly right in the car. Uh, last year in this race, we just run away with the race, the first 250 or 300 miles. We lapped everybody in the field, I think, exception of uh, Neil Bonnet at that time. And the car just runs super. We come in on a routine pit stop and had a malfunction in one of the, uh, on one of the wheels. It tore the front spindle up on the car, and from then on, we just rode, and I think we finished about fifth. It's just been a real hard track for me to get a good finish on, and uh, no looking at the year overall. Other tracks that we've had trouble on in the past, we've had good finishes on this year, so maybe that'll turn around for us here, too. Well, he's 38 laps down right now, Barney Hall, and at the last rundown, he'd have to be about 19th or 20th, as they're still showing Elmo Langley in the 18th position. And we've got the signal from starter Chip Warren. Next time by, they will be displaying the green flag. The work has been completed all the way around the racetrack. But with the speedy dry down and what has to be considered the fast groove, the low side, this should move the groove up as well, shouldn't it, Ned? Yes, it should. I, I think that all of them will be running high as the green flag comes back out because even though the speedy dry has absorbed the oil, it still makes it a little bit slick when you get down on that, and it tends to make it a marble type of a situation. Well, the pace car is coming home to roost, and the green flag will be coming out momentarily. Starter Chip Warren has it clenched. He's ready to display it to the field. He does, and on the break, coming up through the gearbox quickly is Cale Yarbrough. He is your leader. Running in second is Neil Bonnet, and Bonnet has taken up the hunt, sneaks a peek to the inside as they dart into turn number one. Yarborough, bottom of the racetrack to hold Neil Bonnet back in second spot. They stay running low on fresh rubber and full tanks of gas. Out of turn two, Yarborough sweeps up high. Bonnet takes a look on the inside as they hit for turn three, then slides back behind Yarborough. Neil Bonnet took a look underneath as they headed up into turn number three. No way to get around. Yarborough brings it right down to the bottom of the racetrack. Now, most of the passing we've seen here has been coming out of the corners, getting inside, and here's Bonnet. He is inside as they hit turn number one. He goes after the lead on Cale Yarborough. The Mercury dives to the bottom of the racetrack. Yarborough is one groove up, and Neal pokes the nose out in front as they come out of turn two. 
Yarbrough slides the car out a bit. The back end comes out. They are dead even going into the third turn. Well, it looks like a drag race here at Dover Downs as we go into the final 140 miles of competition. Bonnet, half a car length on Cale Yarbrough, noses the Mercury out front. Here they come. And there's been a change in third position. Buddy Baker has turned the heat up on his Chevrolet, and he has taken over third from a fast-fading Bobby Allison. Allison sandwiched between Darrell Waltrip and Ricky Rudden. He's dropping back quickly as Baker begins to turn the heat up on his car. Allison shuffling back through the field as Jarborough keeps up his pursuit on the leader. Bonnet into turn three, bottom of the racetrack. So Neil Bonnet leads as we go into the final 130 miles of the Mason-Dixon 500. Cale Jarborough is second. Riding in third right now is Buddy Baker. From Dover Downs International Speedway, this is the MRN Broadcasting Company. Coming up on 375 miles completed in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs International Speedway. Leader, Neil Bonnet. Second position belongs to Cale Yarborough. They're glued together over in turn number three. Cale's put a move on him a couple of times. He does it again, coming back into four. Looks for that inside groove, and this time, Bonnet's car sticks. He uses up that inside lane. There's no place to go for Yarborough. They swing back into the number one corner as Cale Yarborough chases Neil Bonnet for the lead here at Dover Downs. Well, Bonnet has run well on the bottom of the racetrack mostly all day. Cale has been running up a few grooves. Of course, when he had that big lead, he could. But now he stays right glued behind Neil Bonnet as Neil is not allow, going to allow Cale any bit of the bottom of the racetrack. This has not been one of Neil Bonnet's better speedways. He's been here several times, but he's, he's really had his problems. And I think about the best finish he ever had may have been a fourth or fifth position, if I memory serves me correctly, but he felt like coming into this race today that he had a better than average chance of winning, particularly being in the car he is in. Cale Yarborough pressures him a little bit on the outside in turn two. Cale keeps it up high and comes alongside Bonnet going into turn three. He's working one groove up but just can't climb up to alongside the door of the Pure Later Mercury. Well, if you see him get around on the outside here at Dover, you know he has the horsepower to get it done. There's not much passing done at this speedway on the outside unless you box somebody in behind one of the lapped automobiles. That battle continues for the lead. Cale Yarborough a little bit earlier today. Bonnet just chased him right, left, every which way. Finally took the lead away. And right now it's just reversed as Yarborough trails him down into the number three turn again. Here they come. They'll be moving around this time on Frank Warren's automobile, inside groove for Cale Yarborough. He's got the position, but again, Bonnet wisely makes him get down close to Frank Warren's car. He has to crack the throttle, but Cale doesn't get out of it too much. He is still there back in the south end of the track. Neil boxed him in, but got up a bit too high. Yarborough is underneath. He's got a two-foot lead coming out of turn two, and Bonnet takes it right back. Cale has to come back up in the draft as Neil forms the box around James Hilton at turn three. Strong run for Neil Bonnet here this afternoon, his third outing in the Pure Later Mercury. Here he comes out of turn number four, and this time Cale looks on the outside, no place to go. And it's Bonnet by three car lengths as they come across the stripe and head back into the number one corner. Bonnet enjoys the biggest lead he's had in the last three or four laps. Between turns one and two, he seems to lose a little bit. Cale can close on him there, but Bonnet has been able to hold him off down the straightaway. And going into the turn, Cale is unable to get alongside. No change in that front twosome. They are in a lap by themselves. In fact, they are two laps ahead of the third-place car, Buddy Baker, right now. Bobby Allison is fourth. He is two laps down. And in fifth position is the rookie driver from Kannapolis, North Carolina, Dale Earnhardt, being shown as three laps off the pace. Four laps down in sixth position is, is Benny Parsons' machine running in the seventh spot is Terry Labonte. Joe Milliken runs eighth. J.D. McDuffie is ninth. And running in tenth is Lenny Pond. Those are the top ten as we get 
380 laps on the board here at Dover Downs International Speedway in the Mason-Dixon 500. 120 miles remaining in the race. Here comes Yarbrough down to the inside. He's got the groove this time at the line. It is bonnet by just about two feet as they head back in the number one corner. And Cale, who worked on Bobby Allison so hard earlier today, goes after bonnet. And Cale gets the lead in turn two. Bonnet could not form the box around Baxter Price. Yarborough got out from underneath, and now it's three wide in the backstretch. Neil Bonnet takes the lead back going into turn three. Unbelievable racing here at Dover Downs. It's been that way most of the day. For the first 175 miles, three and four cars. Dice for the lead. It's chomped down right now to a two-car confrontation. Bonnet doesn't want to give it up, and Cale wants it. He's on the outside, back in turn one. Three wide in lap traffic. Neil Bonnet has two grooves up from the bottom of the racetrack. Kale is outside of him. They broadside out of turn number two and hit the backstretch. It is Kale by a foot and a half as they hit turn three. Bonnet on the inside. You would think it was the last lap, Jackie Root, the way they're running here. Still door to door. If you had to say who was the winner at this point as they come out of turn number four, it would be a dead heat. But at the stripe this time, it will be Bonnet, half a car length. They're back in turn one. Kale continues to run the outside. He's run well in that middle groove all day long in this brand new Junior Johnson prepared Bush Chevrolet. Bonnet is right on the bottom of the racetrack where he's been most of the afternoon. This time it's Kale by half a car length as they hit the third turn. Down to the bottom of the racetrack comes Neil Bonnet, and they just will not give it up. They run door to door like they're out for a Sunday afternoon drive, might be driving down the highway chatting with each other across the window, and at the stripe this time, it is a dead heat here at Dover in the Mason-Dixon 500. And 35,000-plus race fans come to their feet to watch this battle for the lead. They're back in turn two, and Yarborough by a half a car length. This time out of two, Yarborough takes it high and wide and has Bonnet by a full car length. Bonnet, though, does not slip up in the draft. He's going for it again on the bottom. Kale with lap traffic ahead may pin him down to the bottom of the racetrack this time and shut down any chance he has to get the lead. He'll do it coming out of four, so it's Yarborough is the leader. Bonnet settles for second for the moment, and a little breathing room for Kale Yarborough right now. About four car lengths separate first and second position, if you call that breathing room. As we work up toward the 400-mile mark of the Mason-Dixon 500 this afternoon, it is Yarborough out front. Riding second is Bonnet. They are in a lap by themselves. They're Two laps ahead of the third-place car, Buddy Baker. Fourth is Bobby Allison. He is also two laps down. And fifth is the rookie driver from Kannapolis, North Carolina, Dale Earnhardt. And he is being shown as three laps off the pace. Neil Bonnet, who continues to really prove his colors here at Dover Downs International Speedway this afternoon. He's, it's his third outing in the car, Jackie. He made his debut in the car at Martinsville. They had some problems with the engine up there. They went to to Talladega a couple of weeks later in the Winston 500, and he led that race out there and was leading when another engine let go with him, so they've had their share of engine problems in that car. But I asked Neil yesterday, is there a little less pressure on you after coming here and going out the third time in the car? Yeah, you know, there was a lot of pressure there. I was hoping I could get situated in the car and get going, but uh, the car is just such a good race car. The, the, the quality of the car, the, the way the guys pit it and all, it's making it so much easier than I ever thought it'd be. The, you know, I've been in situations where I had to just run like the devil all day long to keep up, and this car here is capable of running a good pace and running up front, so uh, it really takes pressure off. Well, Cale Yarborough has kept the pressure on him all afternoon, along with Bobby Allison, what, early in the race, but right now it's kind of boiled down to a two-car battle between himself and Cale Yarborough. And Jackie Root is having fits because we had a chance to talk with Cale Yarborough about building a dirt track, and he wants to know what it is. And what it really is, Cale says he plans to build a dirt track on his farm down in uh, Timmonsville, South Carolina, just for his own use to kind of take out his frustrations and, and get him some kind of an old sportsman or clunker car. 
and we asked him about that, if he still planned to do that. Well, I'm sure we'll one of these days, Marty. You know, uh, I'd love to have a little quarter-mile track out, out in the field somewhere there on the farm where uh, I could have me a, a race car sitting around that I could come in in the afternoons, and maybe when my racing career is over, I'll still want to have something that I can uh, just play with a little bit, and I think it's a good way to, uh, to let off a little steam or or get it out of your system a little bit, and I still have that have those plans. I want to see that one. Well, that beats kicking your wife or the dog, one of the two. But he really, he's dead serious about that. He says that he intends to take his bulldozer out there and scrape him out a little quarter-mile dirt track where if he comes home and he's kind of teed off at the world, he can get in there and take his frustrations out on the race car. That'd be a well, lot of fun. There'd be no problem then. If he goes with a winless streak, he can always go out and run a 30-lap race by himself and at least get one checkered flag. That would work. He could invite Ned Jarrett now to kind of run against him. 393 laps are complete. We'll be working the 400-mile mark very shortly here at Dover Downs. The sun shining a little brighter as the afternoon goes by. And right now, it's Yarborough out front all by himself, although Neil Bonnet is only about four or five car lengths back. They have a two-lap advantage, those two on the third-place car. Buddy Baker, Bobby Allison is also two laps down. And in fifth position continues to be the rookie driver over Kannapolis Way. Marty, that's Dale Earnhardt. Excuse me, it looks like Buddy Baker is the fastest car on the racetrack now. He has reeled in Neil Bonnet at a rapid clip and is now on Bonnet's bumper. He is two laps down, but he's closing fast on the leaders. Baker, as we said, is in third position. Allison is in fourth. Dale Earnhardt is fifth. Sixth belongs to Benny Parsons. In seventh is Terry Labonte. Eighth position to Joe Milliken. Ninth to J.D. McDuffie. In tenth spot is Ricky Rudd. Eleventh belongs to Lenny Pond and the Ken Cole mining team. And a call should go to Pond as well because that's about as good as that car has been running they've had so many problems crashing that machine ever since the Daytona 500 when they first brought it out with Harry Gant. Running in a 12th spot is Baxter Price. The average speed is 109.491 miles per hour and it's just been a series of tough breaks that's kept Buddy Baker really out of the hunt. Although he's gone two laps down, you heard Mike Joy tell us that it is the fastest thing on the racetrack. He's gone by Neil Bonnet now. So Buddy Baker begins to turn up the wick a little bit on that car, try to unlap himself and gain one of his laps back. He had problems earlier today. They dropped the green flag and he took off and looked like he was going to run and leave the field, but he spun it going into turn number three, and he's just had problems all afternoon. He cut a tire, had an unscheduled stop on that. But right now, he's unlapped himself with, with Neil Bonnet's car, but Cale Yarbrough still has him two laps down. Here comes the leader now, Yarborough across the start-finish line, back into the number one corner, and he is beginning to stretch his lead over the second-place car. Two and nine-tenths seconds that time by on the 397th circuit, so Yarborough is beginning to flex the muscles and heading for the mountains in car number 11. Well, we'll check with Mike Joy. It looks like maybe the Purolator car is not getting the same kind of handling capabilities it had a little bit earlier through the corners. He's still running right on the bottom, Barney, but the car just seems to be moving around a lot when he gets into the turn. He's not taking as fine a line, and he's not coming out quite as strong as he was earlier in the race. And Buddy Baker, who moved by him about three laps ago, is starting to open up a little bit of margin on the Pure Later car. Well, there is 102 miles remaining in the Mason-Dixon 500 here this afternoon. We're watching Neil Bonnet right now as he continues to lose ground to the leader, Cale Yarbrough. And Yarbrough is flying. We may put the watch on him, Jackie, just to get an indication of what kind of time he is turning around the speedway. But he has it turned up to the top across the start-finish line, back into the number one corner, almost a straightaway now, separate first and second position between Cale Yarborough and Neil Bonnet. Buddy Baker, still the third-place car, two laps off the pace. Bobby Allison is fourth. He is two laps down. And fifth is the rookie driver, Dale Earnhardt. They move to Mike Joy in turn number three. 
Bonnet continues to keep his car on the bottom, but Buddy Baker is running the same line. Cale Yarborough continues to hold that middle groove where he's been almost all day. And it looks, Barney, as if Baker might be reeling Cale in, although very slowly. Buddy Baker definitely is gaining some ground on Cale Yarborough, and maybe he can catch him, get a lap back, and then he would be only a lap down. You can never tell here at Dover Downs what's going to happen. Two laps off the pace, it's not that far away, and still Barney. 100 miles to go. Looks like trouble for Neil Bonnet. He's running a lot lower on the racetrack down the straightaway. Dale Earnhardt has just streamed by him, and now Darrell Waltham is going by. Looks like Bonnet may be headed for the pits. Here he comes. He's on the low groove coming out of turn number four. He stays out on the racetrack, and he's still up to race speed, but not quite what they were a moment ago. So there is some trouble on the Wood Brothers Purolator Mercury. Barney, the, spe the speed thus far for Cale Yarbrough last time by was 127.750 miles per hour. That's not bad after 400 miles of competition on a slick racetrack with a lot of debris and stuff that's been put on the speedway this afternoon. The oil dry that's been slapped down, it slows it down considerably. It's all Cale Yarbrough right now, but there is yet one pit stop to be made. Still in second position is Bonnet riding third will be Buddy Baker, fourth Bobby Allison. In fifth position is Dale Earnhardt, and being indicated in the sixth position is Benny Parsons. And at the 400-mile mark, Benny Parsons, what do you think about? What goes in your mind at 400 miles here when, let's say, you're running in a sixth spot? At 400 laps, uh, I, don't, I don't really think it, first, second, or third, you say, man, I wish this thing was over. Uh, I think maybe if you were second, trying to win and had a shot to win is the only time that you would not wish it to be over. Thoughts of Benny Parsons about running Dover, and right now he is in sixth position, about four or five laps down to the front runners. It's still Cale Yarborough being chased by Neil Bonnet, the car not getting around the track as quickly as it was earlier today, and he continues to lose a lot of ground to the front runner, Cale Yarborough. Run, running in the third spot and closing, and we've called it before that he's about the fastest thing on the racetrack at the present time, next to Cale Yarbrough. Running in the third spot is Buddy Baker. Bobby Allison is fourth. Dale Earnhardt is fifth. Benny Parsons, as we said, is in sixth position. Terry Labonte is seventh. Eighth goes to Joe Milliken. In ninth position is J.D. McDuffie, and Ricky Rudd rounds out the front ten. We're coming up with 90 miles to go in the Mason-Dixon 500 here at Dover Downs. There will be one more pit stop. Most of the top cars made their last pit stop at about lap 355. So, Ned, that would mean they'd be coming in with about 90, 90 miles or so, wouldn't they? Well, apparently Ned Jarrett is checking with some of the pit crews right now as to when they will make that final pit stop here this afternoon. But it should come somewhere around lap maybe 440, 450, something in that range. Taking a look at the rundown, too, there's a lot of pressure on the front runners when we get to pit road, Barney. It's the last chance for them to go through their ballet. And one second that they can shave, even a half second, off that final pit stop should it come under the green, well, that can translate into precious feet out on the racetrack. And when you've got such close quarters between Cale Yarbrough and Neil Bonnet as they've been running throughout this race, that could be the difference right down to the final pit stop. And you were very prophetic at the beginning of the race when you said that usually that's what happens here at Dover, Delaware. The fastest driver on the last pit stop, he's usually the one that comes home in victory lane. Well, there's as much pressure on the pit crews. In fact, really, there's probably more pressure on them in a sense than there is the driver because it, it would have to be tough on a pit crew to watch your guy go out there and run all day and run his heart out and have the car in a position to win and you mess up somewhere in the pits on him. You know, it's a tough place to watch a race from as well because you really don't get an extended view of the racetrack. You get a scant four or five seconds here at Dover, Delaware, where you can pick up your car and take a look-see and see if, how it's handling. That's the pit crew, the support team. Sure, some of the cars are radio controlled, but usually they're hooked up only onto one key member of the team and the rest of the people have to go to him to find out how it's running around the rest of the racetrack. 
Cale Yarbrough continues to stretch that interval as he continues to pull away from Neil Bodden. And something has happened to the Pure Later Mercury. It's not getting around the speedway quite as quickly. He's still running at full throttle, looks like, but he's not running as quickly. And Yarbrough has stretched his lead now to almost a full straightaway here at Dover Downs. Barney, I just checked with Glenn Wood a moment ago, and he says that there's really nothing wrong with the car other than the fact that when the tires heat up on it, it tends to get a little bit loose. And he said Yarborough's car seems to be stable, and uh, when they have new tires on, actually Barney seems a little bit stronger. But once the tires heat up, then uh, the car gets loose, and he just is not working quite as well in the turns. Well, that could be the case there, but he is, he is continuing to stretch that distance, and it looks like Yarborough is just getting the job done here at Dover right now because he continues to pad his lead in the Bush Chevrolet here this weekend in the Mason-Dixon 500. A little better than a straightaway now. Separate first and second position. They are the only two cars in the lead lap. Baker is third, but he's two laps off the pace. Bobby Allison is fourth. He is two laps down. And in fifth position is Dale Earnhardt. Sixth should still be the Vinnie Parsons car. And the separation between Kelly Yarborough, your leader, and Neil Bonnet, who runs in second, is lengthened to six and six ten seconds with 415 laps completed. Ned, we were checking in a moment ago talking about this final pit stop. It should come. I think they made their last stop around lap 355. They'd probably be able to go somewhere around 90 miles or so, so they should be coming in about the 300 or 440 lap mark, somewhere in that range. Somewhere in that neighborhood, uh, 25 to 30 laps from now. And uh, I suspect they'll just take on right side tires and gasoline at that point, Barney. So that's the word on the pit stops. If they go under green, it will come probably between lap 440 and 450, somewhere in that range. Here's Neil Bonnet working traffic, and now he seems to have picked up a little bit again. The car running a little bit quicker as he comes underneath Ricky Rudd out of that corner, but the separation is still a healthy one for driver Cale Yarborough. As they work their way around the speedway, let's go to Mike Joy. Neil Bonnet had a bit of a tough time of it there in turn three working Ricky Rudd. He had to go sharply down to the bottom of the racetrack, and the car fifth failed quite a bit there. He is going into the turn row, but he's not able to keep the car on the bottom of the racetrack, and he is losing precious time in those turns. Back to the tower. For those of you that have not been to Dover Downs International Raceway, we've said repeatedly throughout this broadcast that the racetrack is like a big bowl. It has these really steep banks that tend to run right off into very short straightaways. But one of the problems, too, is the size of the banking, Barney. It's, it's, it's four and five and six lanes wide. And so that if you take the high side, you're gathering up a lot more distance, making it longer than a mile than, let's say, if you run down on the low side. And with race traffic, when you move up as many as three lanes on these super wide bankings, that can cost you precious time as well. The outside groove is always the long way around the racetrack. And we're talking about why does the handling seem to go away on a race car here at Dover, more so than any other racetrack. You can look awfully good early in the race, and then suddenly you look terrible. We asked Buddy Baker why that happened. And apparently he didn't want to tell us, so we should check in with that later. Pitting car number 27, the MC Anderson Chevrolet Caprice right now is Benny Parsons. They are the what? The sixth place car. Running in seventh, there have been no changes in the front five positions. Running in seventh is Terry Labonte. Joe Milliken is eighth. Ninth position belongs to J.D. McDuffie. And tenth is Ricky Rudd. The work for the MC Anderson crew headed by David Ift has been completed and Benny Parsons returns to the race. And Barney, have no fear. We've kicked Buddy Baker and all of a sudden we can get your question in now. Why does the handling go away so quick here? You asked Baker yesterday. Well, you know, this racetrack is actually, in my own way of thinking, it's very similar to a short track. Uh, you can go out for 10 laps and, and jump out in the lead and charge off in the corners and burn the right rear tire up and 
car starts running loose, and then you start running higher and higher on the racetrack, and you get up against the wall, and somebody else has been back, say, in fourth or fifth place, or sit there, and, and when your tires are gone, they hadn't heated theirs to the point that yours are, are just completely gone out from under you, and they'll drive right under you and go right on. And well, that was exactly the thoughts that was expressed a moment ago by Ned Jarrett as he'd been talking to the crew chief on the Pure Lady Mercury, Glenn Wood, about the tires heating up, and that could easily be what is wrong with Neil Bonnet as he loses more ground to Cale Yarborough, who is leading. 425 miles are down, 75 miles to go here at Dover Downs International Speedway in the Mason-Dixon 500 with Cale Yarborough leading the way, and right now he seems unbeatable, but you don't give anybody a race in this business. Still in second position is Neil Bonnet. He's about a half a lap back, riding third two laps off the pace, Buddy Baker. Bobby Allison is fourth. He's two laps off the pace also. And still in fifth position is Dale Earnhardt. And a good showing for this young rookie driver. The first time he's ever been here in a brand new car that has never been on the racetrack. We watch Earnhardt right now squeeze off down into the number one corner. Mike Joy, he's took a pretty good line around here all afternoon. He's running well, Barty. He seems to like the middle of the racetrack, and that's a good way to stay out of trouble here. The car has worked its way up high due to worn tires, as many of them have, but he's able to run it down low into the corner, coming into three, and let it drift up and work the way it wants to, and that's been the key to his running fifth here today. He has impressed probably, Jackie, more people than any rookie to come along in a long time. Ned Jarrett's known him for a long time, and I guess he competed against his father back in some of the early days of racing, and I'm sure Ned is not surprised that he has adapted so well to some of the tracks that he's never been on before. Not really, Barney. I tell you, he has uh, most of the qualities that it takes and perhaps all of the qualities it takes to become a superstar on this sport. And one of those is sheer determination. He has that, and of course he has a lot of talent also. And you put all of those together, well, he can... Uh and run up there with the best of them as he's shown this year. Well, this has been a dream for Dale Earnhardt for so many years, the veteran from Kannapolis, North Carolina, rookie here on the Winston Cup Grand National Trail, but he's a veteran of late model sportsman racing. He's been the track champion, late model sportsman in 1975 at Metro Liner, finished sixth in the national sportsman standings in 1976. He's a winner at the, well, he ran so well at Martinsville Speedway. He's run there in late model sportsman competition, and up until his win at Bristol International Raceway, his best finish was a fourth in Atlanta in 1978, and that seems so ironical because that's the scene of probably one of the worst accidents he was ever involved in as well when he ran for Johnny Ray in the high-gain special when he virtually tore the car apart and tore up most of the outside retaining barrier at Atlanta International Raceway as well. He's a very impressive young driver, and many feel that he will win another race yet before the Winston Cup season is over for 1979. Another young rookie driver that will bear watching before the year's out, his crew is really hyped up about Joe Milliken. They feel that Milliken will win a race, but they feel probably he will win on a super speedway. When you talk about pressure, you would have to say that Joe Milliken's crew, not necessarily Joe Milliken, had the pressure put upon them at the start of the season. With the departure of J Jake Elder, many people forecasted the demise of the LG DeWitt stable, but that has not been the case. Joe Milliken came over, and a lot of people said, well, that's going to be an also-ran car. But Milliken and the team have gelled. They're a bunch of young, new kids, and they really get the job done. And when it comes to a super speedway, Milliken has shown his prowess there in late model sportsman competition, having taken the old Permatex 300, that Daytona sportsman event that's part of Speed Week's 1970, well, Speed Week's 1980 coming up next year. There are some impressive youngsters on the Winston Cup circuit indeed this year. We're 431 miles into the Mason-Dixon 500. We pause now for station identification. Coming up on the final 
miles here, and very shortly we should see pit stops coming up here at Dover Downs. 432 miles are completed. We predicted that the pit stops would come somewhere around the 440-mile mark to 450 miles, and that is not too far away. And it will be interesting to see who can make the best pit stop because the distance right now for Cale Yarborough is a pretty healthy one, but if you goof up in those pits and lose a second or two, that advantage will evaporate so quickly. Well, that's where it translates back. Second spent on pit road. We repeat it time and time again. It translates to footage on the racetrack. And on a one-mile racetrack, just a scant 50 or 60 feet can make the difference. And the way Bonnet and Yarborough are running, the question mark would have to be, too, do you go for just outside tires? Do you go just for gas? Ned Jarrett, will they have to change tires, or can some of the front runners gamble there, too? Well, I think they would definitely change tires, Jack, and I believe that it would be the outside. Nowadays, they can change the tires as quickly as they can change as they can put in the gasoline, although they would not have to have a full load of fuel, but normally the cars run better with a full load of fuel, so I think they would take it on and then go ahead and change the tires. Would it be right side rubber or left side rubber on the final stop? No, I think it would be right side definitely. The right side tires are the ones that take the biggest beating. However, in talking with Glenn Wood, they had no hesitation earlier in the race today to just change the left side. He said we would have had no problem going two full pit stops on the right side. So Neil Bonnet has his work cut out for him if he's going to chase Cale Yarborough down, and the Wood Brothers must gain him a second or two in the pits. It would certainly help as we get down to the closing laps of the Mason-Dixon 500. 65 miles remain. 435 laps are on the board here at Dover Downs International Speedway. The sun has been shining brightly for the last, oh, 30 minutes or so. Still, it's a cool, relatively cool day here at the track. Just the lead cars, first and second position, are in the same lap. Cale leads, and Bonnet is second. Third is Buddy Baker, two laps down, and fourth, two laps off the pace also, is Bobby Allison. As we look down into the pits, we see the pit crews beginning to stir a little bit as they get ready to make that final pit stop. If the race should go all the distance under green, there will be only one more pit stop, and that will come probably in the next four or five laps. Jackie, it looks like that maybe one of the hidden hood pins has broken on the Curlator Mercury. They're getting ready to pit Neil Bonnet before too long and they're getting out some of the famous gray tape that is used around the NASCAR circuit so prominently and they're going to tape that down because apparently it's broken, not just the hood pin come loose on it. So we'll check on that as they make that pit stop not too far from now. Well, that Arno Silver duct tape seems to be a cure-all for everything, Barney Hall. They put bumpers back on with it, grills back on with it, and now when Neil Bonnet presents the Purolator Mercury on pit road, it's going to serve as a hood pin as well. From hey, Jackie, that's quite a change from the days back when I was racing, and I don't mean to date myself because I know that I'll be sorry that I did after I finish this little word that I got to say right now, but uh, it was bailing wire back in those days. They didn't have that good grade duct tape. One final pit stop on the schedule for most of the Winston Cup drivers here this afternoon. Let's set the situation for you. Cale Yarborough is the leader, and he leads Neil Bonnet by just about a half a lap. Now, they'll be making that pit stop momentarily. Ned Jarrett and Jackie Root just talking back and forth about a hood pin being broken on Neil Bonnet's car. That could change the aerodynamics on it a little bit, which would not be as critical here as it would someplace like at Talladega or Daytona where they're running 200 miles an hour. That Actually, could be a problem. It's not quite as critical as it would have been a number of years ago when they only used two hood pins in earlier days, and then they went to three, but now they use four. So if one breaks it, there's a little bit of air gets under there. You can see the left side of the hood flopping up and down a little bit, but it's uh, not affecting too much. Here's the leader in the pits. Cale Yarborough will be the first of the front runners to make the pit stop. He is leading the event as he moves down into the Junior Johnson crew. They go to work on that Bush Chevrolet. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. And it is a scheduled pit stop. They have the right side of the car jacked up, and, of course, they're filling it up with that Union 76 gasoline. 
He's pitting on the 445th lap, and here is Bobby Allison making his final pit stop of the day in the Hodgson T-Bird car. Yarborough, fairly lengthy stop as he gets it down, and he's underway. 19 and 8 tenths seconds, the stop for Kale Yarbrough. Remember, he had a sizable advantage over Neil Bonnet before that pit stop, so he could take a little bit of time, a couple of seconds or so extra, to check things out. You can't sacrifice a second on this racetrack, though, Jackie, because that's just what we were talking about before the pit stops came. Situations can change. Kale could have a problem on his car, and those two seconds, or even the one second difference in pit stops, can make the difference of whether you win or lose. They're watching Neil Bonnet's crew, the Wood Brothers, standing by on pit road right now. Little activity beginning to stir down there. In Ned, they should be bringing him in shortly. Yes, they are. They're conferring with each other. That's Glenn and Leonard Wood, and uh, Lenny Glenn's son is checking with them there also, and Glenn Wood has the blackboard up that they use to guide the car into the pit, so he should be coming in at the next lap or two. John Delphus McDuffie, better known as J.D. McDuffie on the Winston Cup circuit, is pitting his car, number 70, the Bailey Excavating Machine. He's had a good run here this afternoon. He's been showing in the top 10 most of the day as he makes his final pit stop of the afternoon. 447 miles are complete in the 500-mile Mason-Dixon 500. Now here comes Neil Bonnet out of turn number four, works around one of the lapped automobiles of Ronnie Thomas, eases off down in the number one corner, and he appears to be in no hurry, although the Wood Brothers are standing on pit road and looks like they're getting ready to service his car. Here's the Gatorade car of Darrell Waltrip. He was 38 laps down at the last rundown we had. If you joined our broadcast late, he lost an engine of the car. The crew took it back to the garage and changed it and have put him back into competition. So that will be the 12th race that he will finish if he continues under his way after this pit stop, Barney, although he's had to take two. Well, now we've got the leader on pit road. Let's go to Ned Jarrett. Well, Neil Bonney brings the Carolator Mercury down. The Wood Brothers are ready to go to work. Going to go to the right side to change those tires. And one of the crew members is working on that hood, the hood pin that came loose on the very left side. They're just going to try to tape it down a little bit to make it better aerodynamically while they put in that gasoline change of tires. And he's down in a very good pit stop in a little over 13 seconds once again. 13 and 8 tenths seconds, the stop for Neil Bonnet of Hueytown, Alabama, driving for the Wood Brothers for the third time in his career. And let's see how that equates back out on the racetrack. As Bonnet goes into turn number two, here comes Cale Yarbrough out of turn number three. So still just about a straightaway, separate first and second position as Yarborough crosses the start-finish line, heads back down into the number one corner. We'll be coming up on 450 miles down in the Mason-Dixon 500 with 50 miles to go. Pitting car number two right now is Earnhardt. Lenny Pond is also in and out for pit service in car number 12 as he comes back onto the racetrack. So it gets down to a two-car shootout, at least if these two cars hang together. With 50 miles to go, it will be Yarborough in the lead and trying to chase him down. A half a lap back right now will be Neil Bonnet. Running in the third spot is Buddy Baker, and Baker is yet to present himself on pit road, but his crew chief, Herb Nabb, is calling him in at the present time via the two-way radio. The board has gone up, and here comes Buddy Baker. Two laps down, but in third position. Let's go back to Ned Jarrett. And the schedule pit stop for him, and they go to the right side, as did the Wood Brothers and Junior Johnson. And while they're changing those tires, we'll make note of the fact that Neil Yarber had about an 18-and-a-half-second lead over Neil Bonnet before he came in. Now he has a 12-second lead, so that big difference in their pit stop close the gap a little bit as they continue to work on the Spectre Chevrolet number 28. Buddy Baker down off the deck and away, and that was an 18 and 14 second pitch. 
So all the drivers making their final pit stops of the afternoon. If we continue under green, it is unlikely that most of them would come back in unless they have a problem on the car. 45 miles to go in the Mason-Dixon 500. 455 miles are in the record book here this afternoon. Right now, it's Cale Yarborough. He's having things his way at Dover this afternoon. And Neil Bonnet has his work cut out for him to overhaul him. He is about a straightaway behind, which would be about 11 or 12 seconds, I think, as Ned Jarrett said just a moment ago. That's the separation between first and second position. They are in the same lap. They have a healthy advantage on the third-place car right now, Buddy Baker, who is two laps off the pace. Bobby Allison continues to maintain fourth spot. He's two laps down, and Dale Earnhardt is fifth. He is three laps off. Terry Labonte is in sixth position. Seventh goes to Joe Milliken. Eighth position to Benny Parsons. Ninth position to J.D. McDuffie. In tenth is Ricky Rudd, and eleventh is Lenny Pond. Problems on the Nelson Oswald entry. He has stopped his engine, showing a lot of white smoke as he came across the start-finish line, as he's limping in front of Mike Joy. He's down on the apron in turn two, Jackie. If he is leaking anything, it's not up on the racetrack, and he is making his way towards pit road at reduced speed. Wisely, Oswald puts the car down to the bottom of the racetrack. It doesn't appear there's anything coming out of the speedway, so no caution. So Nelson Oswald does have problems on his car. Getting down to about 457 miles being shown on the scoreboard. Make it 458 here, complete in the Mason-Dixon 500 with Cale Yarborough apparently looking like Jackie. He might make it another victory here at Dover Downs, but in this track, you don't know. But we did talk to Cale yesterday. He's been probably more successful than any Winston Cup driver besides Richard Petty, but he had three years that were just unreal. And we asked him yesterday in the garage if even in his wildest imagination, he ever thought he would do as well as he has. Not really, Barney. You know, it's. I have to say that uh, racing's been awful good to me, and, uh, you know, it's taken a lot of hard work and dedication, and but, uh, you know, I always had a lot of, lot of dreams and big dreams, but uh, I don't guess you, that I ever really thought it would be as good as it has been. I just, you know, I just hope that even though it's been good to me, I hope I've been good to it in some ways. The thoughts of Cale Yarborough, and right now he leads the Mason-Dixon 500. Neil Bonnet continues to try and close the gap, and we're going to put the watch on him here in a, a lap or so from now and find out if he indeed is closing that gap and just a quick glance at the racetrack indicates that the interval is just about the same as it was when they came back out of the speedway after those final pit stops. 460 miles are complete, 40 miles to go in the Mason-Dixon 500. Let's go to Mike Joy. Dale Yarborough continues to run, Barney, right about in the middle of the groove of the racetrack. The car looks to be comfortable there. It takes a set into the corners and coming out, it slides up easily toward the wall. It's not pushing the nose and the back end is not trying to come around in the car. It is performing as, as well as it could and certainly remarkably for a car that is brand new and has only been on the racetrack for two practice sessions before taking the green flag this afternoon. That's quite an accomplishment and quite a tribute to the Junior Johnson crew. Let's check with Jackie Rudy. Just put the watch on as far as the separation between first and second position. Barney, last time by, it was 11 and 7 tenths seconds, and then this time by, with 461 laps completed, it was narrowed down to 11, and I said 11 and 7 tenths seconds last time by, and 11.6 this time. So he's picking up one-tenth of a second, but there won't be enough laps for to go that way. Well, he's going to have to really make up some ground in a hurry because we're getting down to the final 38 miles here of the Mason-Dixon 500 at Dover Downs International Speedway. Cale Yarborough right now out front. And if he wins this one, you'd have to say he deserved it because he ran the wheels off the car all day long. He chased Bobby Allison. He chased Buddy Baker. He chased Neil Bonnet. He just tenaciously clung in there all afternoon to get the lead. And once he's put it out there, the Bush Chevrolet, he just refuses to give it up. 
Yarborough around the track as Neil Bonnet goes down into the number one corner. Still just about the same interval, just a little over 11 seconds separating first and second spot in the field with 463 miles to go. Ned Jarrett, can he do it? Well, he's looking awfully good right now. The car, I believe, has consistently handled better today than any other car on the racetrack. There has been times when the other cars have passed him and have been and have outrun him for a little bit, but just consistently the car has worked beautifully for him, and that's a big plus here on this racetrack. There have been some changes in the back five of the front ten, Barney Hall. The front five continue to show as follows. Yarborough leading Bonnet, then two laps back as Buddy Baker in fourth place is Bobby Allison, two laps down, and Dale Earnhardt is in fifth place, three laps down. But then in sixth position, moving into sixth is Benny Parsons. Terry Labonte has been dropped back to seventh. J.D. McDuffie has moved into eighth. Moving back to ninth after running last time by in seventh position is the Joe Milliken entry, and running in the tenth spot is Ricky Rudd. That's the latest rundown from NASCAR scoring here at Dover Downs with 35 miles to go in the Mason-Dixon 500. Cale Yarborough continues to turn flawless laps around the speedway here at Dover this afternoon. A three-time winner at this track, trying to make it four here at Dover. He's averaged more than $8,000 every time he's been on this speedway in competition. Barney, when you talk about running flawless laps as well, we had an opportunity to put a camera on Cale Yarbrough's car at Martinsville, Virginia, and we finally got back and took a look at some of the film that was shot. And Yarbrough has one of the most unique things about him that I've never ever seen. He ran seven consistent laps, and when we were trying to cut the tape down or cut the film down and match up which lap was which, he did not vary more than three inches on the racetrack as far as what the line was. When the car is sticking and working, he just seems to be able to pick it up visually and keep the car lap after lap in the same groove, so-called, as we call it in racing, as the lap previous. He has a unique ability that way. That's a good point to bring out as far as the successful drivers in this business, and I think Ned Jarrett would have to agree. The secret to winning races is turning laps consistently all day long. There are some drivers who can run hard for 100 miles or so, and they can't run the lap speeds consistently. I think Ned will go along with that. Absolutely, Barney. It is very important, and any time that you see a driver winning and running consistently up front, you can bet that he is running uh, very consistently around the track and not varying from that groove. Now, we've seen them here today. They'll search around for a new groove, but once they get dialed in on one, boy, they stick right in it, and as they approach the turn, they look for that very spot. They have it picked out exactly where they want those wheels to be, and they got it right in there. The groove here this afternoon has varied very little. Cale Yarborough has been able to run almost anywhere he wanted to. Bobby Allison had that ability for a while. Neil Bonnet did also. But right now, Bonnet still has not made up that much separation. On the leader, Cale Yarborough, he's a little better than 11 seconds behind him as we get down with 30 miles to go. 470 miles will be shown on the scoreboard this time by for Cale Yarborough. As Yarborough comes across the stripe, Barney Hall, the car looks high, wide, and handsome. And Mike Joy touched on it a little bit before, the fact that it's a brand new machine. Junior Johnson and the people again showing their mechanical ability bringing an untested car with just two short practice sessions and the car is running flawlessly. And I would have to bet my money and not necessarily bet the ranch that that's the car they'll bring to Charlotte for the World 600. The way it's running now, I think I'd go with the Monte Carlo and as you say, just put a bomb in it. Well, I think a lot of the drivers have found that the Monte Carlo is easier to adapt to almost any racetrack. The suspension is a little bit easier to work with, and it's a proven car over the past few years, and that's one reason a lot of drivers have stuck with it. Waltrip, a good example of that, one reason they've been so successful. Well, as we were taking the ballots a while back, 
among the MRN broadcasting people as to who would win the Goodies Headache Award. One name that was not brought up was the driver that had to make the trip to the hospital, Richard Childress. The Goodies Headache Award has been voted on by the press and attendants here at Dover Downs International Speedway, and they've made... Well, they made monkeys out of all of us, Barney, because RC, Richard Childress, and the CRC Chemical Chevrolet, after crashing so badly in the early going, he has won the Goodies Headache Award and the $250 that goes with it. 477 laps are complete, 477 miles on the Mason-Dixon 500. Cale Yarborough now leading Neil Bonnet in the Purelator car. There is exactly 10 and a half seconds separating first and second position. They are in the same lap of competition. Buddy Baker is third. He's two laps down. Bobby Allison is fourth. He is also two laps down. And fifth right now is Dale Earnhardt's car. Sixth being indicated is Benny Parsons. And seventh will be Terry Labonte. That's the way they're running as we get down to the conclusion of the Mason-Dixon 500. Yarborough right now continues to just take the car almost any place he wants to on a speedway as he crosses the start-finish line, takes it back into the number one corner, lets follow his line around the speedway this time. Mike Joy. He's working race traffic, Barney, so it's not quite the line he would run if he was in open field, but he's right in the middle groove. Swings the car up wide out of turn number two, runs it up along the wall. Coming down into three, he is no more than a groove away from the from the track apron, but keeps her right about in the middle of the racetrack. Neil Bonnet is gaining a little bit, but it's very, very slowly. He was a little over 11.7 seconds behind. He has chopped it down to about 10.5 the last time we put a clock on him a couple of laps ago. So Bonnet is gaining some ground, but he is not going to have time to chase him down unless he can pick up the wick a little bit quicker. 480 miles are down, 20 miles to go, Jackie Root. Well, we've got a clock on Neil Bonnet that time by. It's back at 11. 11 seconds even, Barney Hall, so there seems to be that type of stabilization as we get down to the last 20 miles of competition here in the Mason-Dixon 500. Neil having to work some of the lapped automobiles, that can knock you off a, about a tenth or twentieth of a second around the speedway as you run up on some of the lapped cars. Here he comes out of turn number four, bought at this time, drafting off number two. That's the car of Dale Earnhardt, who currently is enjoying fifth position here at Dover. There have been five caution flags in the race as we get out of the concluding laps. Richard Petty went out early in the race in the first caution flag as he crashed out in turn number one with Jimmy Means and Richard Childress and did quite a bit of damage to the car, putting Richard out of the competition. Now, Darrell Walter blew an engine about midway. They took that car back to the garage, changed the engine. He is back on the speedway and will be running at the finish this afternoon, at least hopefully he's still out there right now, and somewhere around 38 laps down to the front runners. 482 miles complete. Cale Yarborough swings the Bush Chevrolet around the track. They did not bring the Oldsmobile here to Dover. They elected to bring the Chevrolet Monte Carlo. Neil Bonnet trying to chase him down, still looking for his first win in the Wood Brothers Pure Later car. This is the third time out in the machine. And it's also beginning to show the prowess because he's been unable thus far to finish a race, let alone win it. And the separation that time by 10.9 seconds. So it's back to one-tenth of a second each time. But what we're going to say is it would be a moral victory just if the car could finish the 500-mile distance here as well, Barney, with the myriad of problems that the Wood Brothers have had, not only with Bonnet at the controls, but also with Pearson. Well, that was part of the problem between the team and one of the reasons for separation. The car just couldn't seem to get a finish. They had a lot of mechanical problems. 
and that was one of the reasons that the split came between the Wood Brothers and David Pearson. Neil Bonnet, who is in his third outing in the car, as we get down to the concluding laps, I know a lot of fans, any special goals in the Wood Brothers Mercury before the year is out? We asked him that question yesterday. Well, the only goal I've got is uh, every Sunday I want to climb in that thing with the intention of trying to win that race. And, uh, you know, they're going to put me in a car that's capable every Sunday if things go our way to win a race. It, it, it's not where it's going to be a long shot type situation. So every Sunday when I climb that thing, I've got to get in there with the intentions of being in a winning race car and, and try to win. I, I'm just going to work hard every week with it. He's worked hard here with the car today, but he's just not been able to do anything with Cale Yarborough. He took the lead away from him at one point in the race this afternoon and stayed out there a while. They made a pit stop, made a few adjustments on the, on the Yarborough car. The Wood Brothers got a little bit behind. They made a calculated gamble that paid off that put him back in the same lap, and then he grabbed the lead away. But right now, he's having his work cut out for him with 14 miles to go in the Mason-Dixon 500. Barney, let's give you a complete updated report as well on the condition of Richard Childress. Remember, Richard was removed from the racetrack and taken to the nearby hospital here for observation. He is back at the racetrack, and during one of the caution flags, he darted across the racetrack, and he's watching the race from the infield. He figured if he can't run the car, he'd rather go out and mix with the infield crowd. So Richard Childers from Winston-Salem, North Carolina, despite that crash in turn one, is perfectly all right, and he's back here at the racetrack. He has sure had his problems this year, and Richard really wanted to have a successful season in the CRC chemical car. He's had a lot of turnover in people. He lost Tim Brewer, who left him to go with the Junior Johnson crew, and Johnson said after he had him for one year that he was one of the smartest young men he had had. He learned quicker than anybody that had ever worked for him. And he's proven that with the success they've had on that car, along with Travis Carter. Separation with 487 laps completed between first and second was 10 and 6 tenths seconds. So it's going down by the boards at the tune of about two tenths of a second a lap as Neil Bonnet tries to reel in Cale Yarbrough. But there won't be enough laps left to have it go that way. Well, Yarbrough, right now, with 12 miles to go, if he can keep it together that long and roll it into victory lane here this afternoon, it would be his fourth win at Dover Downs. 488 miles are complete. Cale Yarbrough on the speedway having no problems with the car this afternoon. And right now, the separation, just about 10 and a half seconds. That's a little more than a straightaway separation here at Dover on the one-mile speedway. Here's Cale down in the number one corner, and again, he takes about that same line that he's run all afternoon, Mike Joy. And one thing he's proven, Barney, is that the Monte Carlo is certainly the car of choice for Dover Downs. Among the top teams here running the GM products that are Richard Petty has an old, Benny Parsons a Caprice, as does Darrell Waltrip. We checked with all those teams yesterday, and the reason those cars are here, they are saving the Monte Carlos for Charlotte. But the Monte Carlos are in first, third, and fifth here right now as J.D. McDuffie puts his car into the wall along the back straightaway. Wisely, though, McDuffie, who got down in the speedy drive and bumped along the wall, kept the wheel turned sharply to the left so as not to bounce back out and into traffic. His car has come to rest just before the entrance to turn number three up against the infield retaining wall. Back to the tower. We see a car limping around on the apron of the track, and that will be the Ricky Rudd car, it looks like, from here. And caution is coming out of the speedway. And Jackie Root, this is going to change the whole complexion of this race. As soon as we say something, they make liars out of us, Barney. It's going to be a run for the last couple of laps if they can get this race restarted. And we'll have to see what the damage is like. We see one car coming stranded in turn four. That's the Trucksmore Industries car of Ricky Rudd. Let's go back to Mike Joy for the report on J.D. McDuffie's machine. The car is stopped, Jackie. J.D. McDuffie is unstrapping himself. He's not out of the car as yet. I expect he'll probably wait until the caution car gets everything slowed down. He is off the track and on the apron. The car slid heavily along the infield retaining wall, bounced off at about eight or nine times. 
as he kept the wheels turned sharply left to keep it from coming back up on the racetrack. Back to you. Now, Ned Jarrett, what do you do if you're one of the front-running cars? Do you bring your car on pit road, take on new rubber? Do you gamble and go the distance? Well, absolutely. If you're the Wood Brothers, you gamble and come on pit road. They have nothing to lose and everything to gain. The gamble would be with Junior Johnson and K.O. Yarborough. And as we pointed out here earlier today, it seems the first few laps after they put on new tires that the Mercury is a little bit the strongest. So... Who knows? It's going to be an interesting situation. That's what makes Winston Cup racing so exciting. You're sitting here, you're watching the race, you say, well, Cale has a ten and a half second lead, he's a shoe in for this one. Then all of a sudden, there's a caution flag, the complexion changes, just little things make Winston Cup racing the best in the world. They're, we're watching the Wood Brothers on pit road, and they will be pitting car number 21, Neil Bonnet. And Cale Yarborough is electing to stay out there right on the back bumper of the safety car. And, you know, with the rules in NASCAR Winston Cup racing, once the green flag is scheduled to be replayed on the next lap around the cars that are in the same lap are permitted to move up on the outside and that means that neil bonnet can move right up on the back bumper of kale yarborough let's see if they'll go with four new tires they drop it and yes they're going to go for four tires and they jared on the purolator mercury yes they are and it's a smart move on their part because as i said they have nothing to lose and everything to gain they were uh, out of it with the way that they were running right then and now with four new tires it could change the whole complexion. Well it may also depend on how quick they can clean up whatever debris and what J.D. McDuffie's car has dropped in the back straightaway. We are 493 miles into the race with just seven miles or seven laps remaining and there could be quite a bit of stuff on the back straightaway. Let's check in with Mike Joy. There is some debris from J.D. McDuffie's car along the back straight. He first hit that inside wall just about opposite the start-finish line and slid along it all the way to the entrance of turn three. He sat in the car for two or three minutes to get himself together. He climbed out. He is perfectly all right. He's pretty tired sitting on that infield wall, but he is uninjured. The car, however, will not get back in the race. The wrecker is hooking up to it, and there is considerable damage to the left front end of the Bailey excavating Chevrolet. A tough break as McDuffie was running, I believe, up in the top ten and had a good day going here at Dover this afternoon. We could very well see this race end under a caution, Barney Hall, because there's a problem on Ricky Rudd's machine. They are calling for the ambulance to go and give some oxygen to Ricky. They have taken him out of the car and he's sitting on the grass. He's sitting up, but he is exhausted and he is showing just what 500 miles here at Dover, Delaware can do to a driver. They have hitched the wrecker to Ricky Rudd's car. He is standing now and being helped back down toward pit road. He's walking away from the car. They've hitched it to a wrecker and are pulling it back to the garage area. But we still are 494 miles into the event with just six miles remaining. Whether they will get the race back to green, we'll have to wait and see. If they do, it will be a break for the Neil Bonnet car of the Wood Brothers. They changed all four tires, and they had, that should give him a little bit of an advantage, particularly he can close up the gap and be right on Kale's bumper when they drop the green again, if they do. Yes, normally a car with new tires on it will run faster. In fact, yesterday in qualifying, all of the top-running cars had brand new tires on the cars when they went out to make that qualifying run and their first lap was usually the fastest one but i think it's good strategy on the part of junior johnson not to bring kale yarborough in now if they uh, certainly they couldn't afford to do it now because if this race should end under caution well you know they'd wind up behind neil bonnet but uh two the way that that car has been running with heated tires maybe he can run uh as good with those heated tires as as Neil can with the new tires, time will tell. Well, Kales appeared to have a little bit of a stronger machine the last couple of pit stops when they went back out. Neil has been un unable to chase him down, and he was not able to get around him. But he does have an advantage right now with four new tires on the car if they can get the race back to green. 495 miles complete, five to go, Jackie Root.
Ned Jarrett, I'd like to ask you a question as an uneducated listener might. How far up can Neil Bonnet move now with this NASCAR rule that puts the faster cars in one lane and the slower cars in the other? Well, he'll be able to move right up uh, practically on the back bumper of Kale Yarborough. However, there are other cars that are laps ahead of other cars in the field, and they too will be permitted to move up on the outside. So there's a possibility that there might be several cars between the leader and the second-place car. We'll just have to wait and see when that signal is given. They're permitted to do that when the signal is given for one more lap, and it's being given right now as the cars come off of the fourth turn. Well, Neil Bonnet has positioned himself to the rear of this entire running field, and as he takes the signal one to go, let's see if he begins to pick off some of the runners. Okay, now Dale Earnhardt has moved right up on the back bumper of Kale Yarborough, and he can do that. Buddy Baker is right behind him, so there's about six or seven cars between Bonnet. Now Bonnet goes up. I don't think they're permitted to make it three wide. I don't know what the ruling would be on that, but anyway, Neil Bonnet has moved right up on the back bumper of Kale Yarborough. Well, the NASCAR officials are taking all this in, and Earnhardt drops out a little bit, makes room for Neil Bonnet to pull right in on the bumper of Kale Yarborough. And we've seen this before, and I think this would probably be the ruling. The faster cars, they are two laps ahead of the third-place car. So Bonnet pulls right in on the rear deck lid of Kale Yarborough. As we get ready to go back to green, there will be 496 laps complete, four miles to go. Here they come, down the back stretch in front of Mike Joy. Lined up behind the Oldsmobile safety car here. Neil Bonnet right on the back bumper of Kale Yarborough. They're already building speed, and the pace car is only at turn three. The pace car almost gets run over going up into turn number three as they take it down on the bottom of the track. Here comes Yarborough. Bonnet dives to the inside on him, goes after the lead, wastes no time in doing it at the start-finish line. Kale pulls him by half a car length as they hit turn number one. Bonnet dives into the first turn on the low side. He has the lead by three feet. Five, six, a car length out of turn two. Bonnet leads by two car lengths in the back stretch, stretches it out to five lengths as they hit turn three. Neil Bonnet has pulled away from Cale Yarborough by six car lengths. Here they come, back into turn number four. Bonnet, who moved up on Cale on that restart, now leads him by six, make it seven car lengths at the start-finish line. 498 laps are in the book. They head back into turn number one, and Cale Yarborough must chase him down. Bonnet was quick on the restart, and he stays glued down to the bottom of the track apron in turn two. Swings it up high, not quite to the wall. As Kale tries to gain some ground, he is not gaining ground as they hit turn three. Yarbrough is losing ground. Neil Bonnet picks up another two car links. He is now 10, make that 12 car links ahead of Kale Yarbrough. It will be white flag for Neil Bonnet and the Pure Later Mercury as he heads off into the number one corner. Let's follow him around on this victory lap. He's and down at the bottom of the track in turn one. And that margin continues to increase as Kale has to run one lane higher through turns one and two into the backstretch. Margin about 20 car lengths as they hit turn three for the final time. Here comes Neil Bonnet from Hueytown, Alabama, about to take the checkered flag and win his first race in the Pure Later Mercury of the Wood Brothers. And 35,000 fans come to their feet to cheer him on checkered flag. And Neil Bonnet will win the Mason-Dixon 500. Cale Yarborough will finish second. Buddy Baker third. Bobby Allison fourth. And going fifth, unofficially right now, would be the rookie driver, Dale Earnhardt. The 1979 Mason-Dixon 500 is history, and the winner is Neil Bonnet. Another one of those finishes in Winston Cup racing kind of leaves you speechless, so to speak. It looked like Cale Yarborough was a shoe-in. It didn't work out that way, and Neil Bonnet is sitting in victory lane. Let's check in with Ned Jarrett. Neil, things really worked out right for you there. Well, Ned, you know, uh, there's no way in the world to tell the Woods brothers what they've done today. All day long, they kept me in the race. They made the right moves on pit stops. At the, on, you know, when I had four new tires, I could race KO for about 20 laps. And, you know, Leonard told me, he said, you know, the Monte Carlo, the characteristics is, you know, it keeps tires on it a lot longer. And as long as we had some tires on this thing, it'd race them. Well, you look forward to next week now. 
Yeah, I'm looking, uh, I've been looking forward to every week that comes up. You know, it's a, uh, it's awful nice to come climbing this race car right here. A bunch of people like this working on it. Pure later. Oh, all the people. Goodyear champion, everybody helped us. There's no way to tell them how much. Neil, when you had less than 10 laps to go and you're about a half a lap behind, had you given it up? Ned, I was running the hardest laps I'd run all day them last 30 laps to go. Uh, you know, I said, what if what if Kale gets a miss in the car? You know, I didn't want to sit there. I ran a 500-lap heat race. I don't know if it showed up or not, but I hadn't run a slow lap all day. Well, you fellas did some hard racing all afternoon. Yeah, I had a pretty good seat there at the first. Bobby and Kale's putting on a pretty good show, and... Uh, you know, it had to be interesting for the fans, and it's really a pleasure to win one like that. Well, that's Neil Bonnet, the winner here in the Mason-Dixon 500, and needless to say, a very happy individual. Well, the Wood Brothers have got to be extremely pleased as well, Barney Hall, because the engine held together, the car ran well, it was a stroke from Lady Luck in the final going, but he does come home victorious, and we'll be giving you the rundown of the front ten and how they finished as we have the Simonized World Racing scoreboard very shortly. Jackie, could I have it back for just a moment? Leonard Wood, of course, is very happy, needless to say, and uh, Leonard, it's been a while since you've been in that victory lane, and then to have this young driver here with you, it has to be uh, a good feeling. Yes, yeah, we're as happy as we can be. Uh, We've had some problems all year, you know, the uh, bad luck, you know, here and there, and we were really glad to get back on the winning streak. Well, it hung together here today, and Glenn was telling me before the race that you'd found out what your engine problems had been. Yes, we have, but we're still working on it, trying to reinforce the problem to keep from happen happening, and uh, we just think Neil did a wonderful job. Are you going to win that 12th straight pole at Charlotte Motor Speedway next Wednesday? Uh, it's going to be awful hard to do, but we'll we'll be trying. That's Leonard Wood. He's the crew chief on this Pure Later Mercury. Well, the celebration continues in victory lane for Neil Bonnet. It is his third outing in the car for the Wood Brothers. He came out at Martinsville, Virginia a couple of weeks ago, then took the car to Talladega for the Winston 500. Didn't finish either race, but today it is his day here at Dover Downs. And it's just been another typical Dover Downs International Speedway type race. You know, we always kind of shudder when we come here and say 500 laps for 500 miles around here. It's a torture test. But it, it had all the ingredients again today, Barney. It really was an outstanding event. I think the first 200 laps were about as exciting as you'd see in the last 200 laps if you're running for the checkered flag because it was good racing all day long. Three and four cars running for the lead, and it, it was up for grabs until the last couple of laps. It looked like anybody could win. Cale Yarborough looked like a shoe-in, and it worked out for Neil Bonnet. Well, Barney, the 500 laps is posted on the CRC Chemicals board. Neil Bonnet has got to be a happy individual. The pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, it's finally come through, and after just three short races with the Pure Later Mercury team. Well, almost everybody who's been in that car has been a winner, Jackie Root, and I'm sure Neil is, is like he said, it's just a dream of a lifetime for a young driver. He's been on the tour now about four years, protege of Bobby Allison, and you don't get a break like that very often. Well, that just about concludes the activity here from Dover Downs International Speedway. And if you had to pick going in to Wednesday's run for the pole at Charlotte, North Carolina, at the World 600 Sundrop Bush Beer Pole Position Day, which, what, $15,000 to the guy that sets on the pole, who would you have to pick? I'd pick two drivers, and I think one of those two will sit on the pole. I think Neil Bonnet, the boost it gave him here today, a win, will, will add a little bit to his qualifying ability down there. Not that he's not a good qualifier. He always qualified well when he ran with Harry Hyde, and Waltrip will be out for the pole down there. I think one of those two will sit on the pole at Charlotte, so I'm probably dead wrong, but we'll find out. Seems to me that if you had to look for a psychological advantage, and you know, racing is so full of psychological motivations that I would have to cast my vote to the lot of the Purolator people that they'll make it 12 in a row, this time with Neil 
Bonnet gathering in the laurels in Victory Lane Wednesday afternoon about 5 p.m. Well, they've already done the impossible 11 times. Nobody said that could be done, so if they do it 12, it will be a record. But at any rate, Charlotte next week should be quite a show for the World 600. From Dover Downs International Speedway, for Jackie Root, Mike Joy, and Ned Jarrett, this is Barney Hall saying so long from Dover. From Dover Downs International Speedway in Dover, Delaware, this has been the MRN Broadcasting Company's coverage of the Mason-Dixon 500. The executive producer of MRN Broadcasting is Jack Arut. Associate producer, Mike Joy. Chief engineer, Harry Howard. Director of TV station relations, Mary Norman. Today's broadcast directed by John McMullen. All personnel are employees overpaid by the MRN Broadcasting Company. Stay tuned to most of these stations for the broadcast of the World 600 Winston Cup Grand National Stock Car Race from Charlotte Motor Speedway next Sunday, May 27th. This broadcast was a presentation of the MRN Broadcasting Company, Division of International Speedway Corporation. The NASCAR season is here and Toyota Racing is looking for clashers. Did you clash at the Coliseum with your favorite Toyota drivers? Clashing with the HOA who won't let you carve bell number 20 into your lawn. Or maybe your Tyler Reddick shirt clashed with your pants while meeting the in-laws. If you're a clasher, then we want you. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc.